welcome to the SoxCast episode 4. I am the voice inside your head, and I control you. I am Polly, and to my immediate virtual right is the SoxCast's undefined fantastic object. It's Rhett. Hey. How you doing, Rhett? I'm doing good. Is it getting cold where you are? Because it's starting to get really it's, cold around here, and I'm not enjoying cold it. here. Yeah, I'm not liking that a bit. It's a sign that winter's coming, and I'm going to be very angry for oh. the next six months. I dislike summer, so I'm quite happy. So we're a couple weeks in now after the big kerfuffle. You know the big kerfuffle? I sure do. How is life as the Sox cast sex symbol treating you? <laughs> I get a lot of requests that Boner should be the sex symbol. Well, I hope you're turning those down. Because It's hard. Yeah. Raquel is very persistent. She is, but... But you shall prevail. You've been voted in, and you will serve until your term is up. So says me, and I'm the host. Get over it, Raquel. <laughs> and to my immediate virtual list, he can't help but notice you're staring at his crotch. It's John Thayer. Hi. How you doing, John? I'm doing really well. How's the weather where you're at? Um, still pretty warm. It's been a good 90 for, like, several months now, and I've really enjoyed it, and now it's fading into fall and winter and sad times but yeah i really like the heat how do you feel about red's tenure as the socks cast sex symbol thus far oh obviously yeah i it's, think i think he's like holding up twice. i think he's holding up the position very well it's a little bummed it wasn't me at first but i think i think i'm managing there's always next year there's always yeah. next year okay and hey guess what hamper seat is full of buttocks once again because we've got another special guest he is the only person on this episode that actually wants to make out with John. It's Tom, or Jetstorm4 on Twitter, whatever you want to call him. Hi, Hi Tom. everybody. How, how you doing, Tom? I'm doing pretty good today. Understand that you like being called Tommy. Oh, yes, I love being called Tommy. I love strangling people who call me Tommy. Really? It's amazing. Really? So, so, Tommy, who are you and what do you do and why should we care? Who am I? Well, I am Jetstorm4 on the internet. I am the... Uh, what do you want to call me? Resident... Uh, I don't know. You like JRPGs I, a lot. I love JRPGs. I play a lot of freaking JRPGs. So you it's so true. you ha- so you have bad taste in games? Okay. Continue. I have really bad taste in games. I love my JRPGs, my platformers, my shmups, my... Well, I'm not going to um, complain about platformers and shmups, and I don't think yeah. Rhett will either, so I guess we'll give you a pass on the whole JRPG thing and let you still be here. Yeah. I even play visual novels, sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I'm known to dabble in visual novels here and there. Um, I've been meaning to for, like, years at this point. I still have, I have all of Christine Puff's games downloaded and just like, all right, going to read these they're all good actually to add to when we talk about our games well we're gonna do we're gonna do that now tommy why don't you tell us what the hell you've been up to well what have i been up to i've been playing a lot of random stuff recently okay i think for my uh my list of things i submit to you i've been playing a little game that i've been meaning to play for a very long time Uh what is it it is a Shin Megami Tensei game. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Persona 1. Ah, oh, Persona 1. Uh, are you playing the, the original or the, the PSP uh, PSP release? version? I have played the original version before. I've never beaten it. I'm playing the PSP version, though, because it's a little more convenient. Isn't the PS1 version, like, really butchered in the English translation? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, like, more so than usual for that era. 
the PS1 game? Yeah. Uh, it's really... It's super Americanized. There's a lot of Americanization. I, mm-hmm. Look, I can buy, you know... I can buy my shrines and, you know... Jelly rolls? You know, yeah. Shrines and jelly rolls and, you know, eat your hamburgers, you know. <laughs> but it's a, it's a really butchered port. Or at least a brought over. Which is surprising now what Atlas does now with their translations. Yeah, it, it seems that time has been really kind to them and they've gotten much better at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think Persona 1 was one of the first ones they actually brought over here. There's a few PS1 Atlas games. Um, you know what? I know I what the first have. Shinigami Tensei game they brought over was. It was Jack Brothers for the Virtual Boy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Eh? Eh? There you I've go. Actually never, I've never played Jack Brothers, nor have I played any Virtual Boy games, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, we can tell because you're actually looking at your monitor now and you have vision. It's true. Yeah, very true. Uh, there's a couple other PS1 RPGs, like uh, I can think of Rhapsody right now and Thousand Arms, which honestly, those two are pretty good. I have both of those and I like them quite a bit. I remember Thousand Arms being interesting for the time because it had a dating mechanic. It does, and now I'm talking about Thousand Arms more than Persona, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I like Thousand Arms too. And Rhapsody is cute. Yes, Can't yes. Complain. I play trumpet, so I kind of feel for the main character. <laughs> so Persona One on PSP, how you digging it? Uh, I'm liking it all right. Uh, honestly, I'm liking it more than I think I should. Hmm. You um, probably you probably are because I wasn't able to make it through it. I, yeah, honestly, I'm not too far yet into it. I'm still kind of going around the grind. I'm loving. I love anything with first person dungeon perspective. Uh-huh. So that's kind of a, a weakness that I have, and Persona One has that. Mm-hmm. Well, most of them. I don't think anyone Tensei. can understand that. Yeah, I think most of them do. Yeah. In fact, Persona One feels more like a Shin Megami Tensei game than what the Persona games kind of come with. Right. Later on. Yeah, totally. Uh, especially for like, it's very different from Persona Three. Oh yeah, totally. Don't Definitely. go. Don't go into Persona One thinking you're getting anything like Persona no. Three and Four because this is very old, very old school ass, um, very hardcore, um, mm-hmm. like demon negotiation crap that I didn't like at all. Oh yes, um, and now I had played Persona Two before anyway, so. Mm-hmm. I knew kind of what I was going into, definitely. And I have played other SMT games. I've played the original game, or Shin Megami Tensei. Uh, I've played Soul Hackers before this. Uh, I love Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Great my, game. One Great of my game. favorite. One of my favorite RPGs. Strange, yes, I did beat Matador. Strange Journey. I, Strange Journey is my favorite oh, DS game. Strange Journey is really fun. My file died two thirds through, though. Oh, that's so a I bummer. I couldn't finish it. So I want to go back to that at some point. I remember that died, being like super clean. Your file died right before the best part of the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I remember you te- uh, telling Sector me that. Sector 5. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a bummer. But I'm definitely going to go back to that one at some point. I thought that was a really smart streamlining. It is. Honestly, I like it more than SMT4. So Oh, easily. Even I feel... I keep trying to play that game, Shin Megami Tensei 4, and I just... Like I've going played from that, that one twice. Yeah, it's, just going from that to Dragon Quest, it's just like, there's so much bullshit in Shin Megami Tensei 4 that's just kind of layered on top of everything. And like, thinking back to Strange Journey, and then going and playing Dragon Quest, is just like, mm-hmm. there's so much less shit to keep track of, and weird systems, it, and switching the, the camera The system of SMT4 kind of has a 
Some things I like about it, some things I don't. Yeah. I but, um, don't. Yeah, yeah I, Persona, I, I might not go back to that one for a while, and I think I'm okay with that. Persona 1 it has kids with gun- has high school kids with guns. Cool. If you like that in your SMT, which you should. It's, so, you it, it's also a really good gorilla song, Kids with oh, Guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there is a second quest to Persona 1. Yeah, there that, is. Uh, the PSP oh, version really? kind of boasts. Is it the, the Snow Queen quest? The Snow Queen quest. I'm not playing that. I know how to get to it. But it's an alternate quest to the main quest of the game that you'll play instead of the of the main game. Like, we really, it's really through it twice, basically. It's really hard. Yeah, you yeah. play through it twice. It's, it's really hard. It's super hard, but I hear it's actually pretty worth it. But I mean, you know, again, I couldn't really get into the mechanics of that game. It's just, it's too. I mean, even with the update, it's too archaic for me to really enjoy. Yeah, I can see that for a lot ba- of people. Is the battle system kind of slow? It had a weird tactical it's look to it, but I don't somewhat, know. What that you're carries. doing is setting characters up in particular formations, and mm-hmm. wherever they are in that formation, that's where they can reach the other enemies. Mm-hmm. So, say if I have a character that can reach in front of them, if they're to the left of the formation, they can only attack enemies to the left with their physical weapon. But they, hmm. but a lot of magic spells can be used anywhere. So. Mm-hmm. Now there's no press turn system so at all. It's, in it's this sort of a of sort of a half half measure between um, random encounters, regular Shin Megami Tensei, and like a tactics game. Uh, not really, because you're not moving characters. In, oh, you don't in that move formation. them. Oh, no, okay. you don't. You can change their formation to like you have four set formations that oh. you can change to huh. with your five characters, but that's about all you get. I think it's that's I think it's a little more limited, like, maybe a little more limited than a system like, say, uh, Lunar's battle system was, where you can move your characters around mm-hmm. within a specific yes. range, and certain attacks, ha- you know, can only hit on a line mm-hmm. or something like that. I oh, so kind of like Chrono Trigger, where you can, where the movement, well, no, it's because you, you like can't control that, the, you can't control the um, formation at all in Chrono Trigger. Right. Okay. It's that kind of an effect like that. It's it's a pretty interesting battle system. It's kind of an update to the front row, back row kind of thing mm-hmm. going on with the that uh, SMT one and two have, and if and a bunch of old RPGs do. Yeah, and Persona and uh, Persona one is definitely a follow up to Shin Megami Tensei If, which still doesn't have a fan translation. Mm. Oh really? It's happening. Huh. it's happening soon though. Cool. Yeah, they're just moving through all those old ones. Oh yeah, there's a lot of fan translations that have been announced. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a bunch of the old Shin Megami Tensei games to burn through. Yeah, uh, the remake of the of the first two for SNES just got a fan translation. Pretty oh, much that has me almost excited. done. That one sounds, seems cool. At, at least a beta is out right now, so mm-hmm. I probably the, wouldn't play it until I finish the mainline ones one oh, or yeah. two. But still, oh, I'm yeah. really glad that that actually exists in a format where we can play it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll move on from Persona 1 now. I've been playing a little action game oh, for 3DS. I, I love me some action games. I love them too. And now uh, you probably know your action games. If you know your Mega Man especially, you know uh, and it creates, right? Yes. All uh, right, I've been playing their new game. Azure Striker uh, Gunvolt. Azure Striker Blue Gunvolt. Blue Bomber Sword Thunder? Pretty much. <laughs> Tell me about Azure Striker Gunvolt, because this reminds me a hell of a lot of a little Genesis game called uh, Elysia Dragoon, and Ooh, that, 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 amazing. that immediately piqued my interest when I've seen videos of it. I haven't gotten around to it myself, um, but I'll go, ahead to, I'll, go ahead and, I'll go ahead and let you do your babble thing. Okay, okay. you go for it. 
Well, Azure Striker Gunvolt, uh, basically the whole gameplay involves, it's a lot like Mega Man X, really. Mm. Where you have your movement, you have your dashing, you have your uh, sort of dashing, it's more of a forward run mm-hmm. instead. Uh, you have your, it's not really based on sh- uh, shooting a lot of things, though. It's based on basically hitting an enemy once, uh, once to three times, maybe five, and then using a uh, kind of a burst attack to take to out as many uh, basically enemies. take things out around you. Yeah, yeah, that's and whatever that's... enemies you've tagged, you send that electric shock to them, and it kills them. It will, you know, damage oh, them. Oh, that's it, it's a mechanic that looks so damn satisfying on video. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, uh, it was a little tricky. I didn't realize what the mechanic was in the intro stage. But once I started getting into the actual, you know, the six stages you get to choose from, you know, it's Mega Man. <laughs> you get six bosses to choose from. Uh, going into them, I'm, I'm realizing more and more, I'm learning uh, how the electricity works and how I can use it. And you get different guns later on as the game goes on. And what you do it from there, they have different effects. One gun can actually fire straight and then up or down. Oh, I love those kind of guns. Uh, you have a gun that can charge, but it's weaker. But it can, but you can tag mul- more than three enemies with it. Uh-huh. Uh, some guns you can only tag mm-hmm. once, but it's more powerful. So kind of play around with the gun with the guns that you have. So they're Honestly, all related to the lightning stuff. Yes, they all, they all related they, to the lightning. They all build on the core game's mechanic rather than replacing the mechanic like a Mega Man weapon would. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds really smart. Mm-hmm. And it's. There's um, a lot of the stages are really well done. Um, I've never, I don't really have any complaints stage wise with it. It feels really good. I'm pl- I'm really appreciating it, not as a game that's like Mega Man, but more as a new game from Nick Creates. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they did Mega Man Zero and they did Mega Man ZX. Yes, because those is, were some of my favorite action games of like the last decade. I love I those games. I was sort wondering what this would be like if it would be like a kind of Mega Man ZX-ish, if it would be like Metroidvania almost, or with Mega Man, but it's not. It's a straight six-stage, you know, six bosses. There's a, there's a mid-stage boss as well in cool. there, and then a for- and then fortress stages, of course. <laughs> but Well, I like, might prefer are... that. I really liked ZX's mm-hmm. structure, but I think going back I, to the other I one, like I it do. too. Yeah. I guess there, now, there's room for both. Instead of you don't really get weapons from boss, you don't get weapons from bosses. Uh, you do get new guns, but it's more. There's no really weakness order or anything you go with. There's no multiple weapons you can use. Mm-hmm. Again, really smart because yeah. I, I like I I love Mega Man games, but I'm kind of tired of that formula now, and I'm yeah. glad that they didn't. Yeah, just go and with- this is the same structure of a Mega Man game, but without the weakness order, without the that. So you're basically taking on six stages that are. Pretty challenging. There's some good ones. Uh, definitely, there's one stage that it's a does the pitch black thing. Cool. That uh, it's really cool. Uh, there's another stage climbing a large tower with wind. Uh, you know, handling wind obstacles, and a lot of it really plays with the electricity too. Uh, mm-hmm. The switches you have to activate sometimes. Uh, tagging multiple, tagging multiple switches in order to activate a switch at the same time. Ah. Oh, cool! That's, can you, can you do cool shit like jump in water and electrify the fuck out of everything? Um, actually, water is bad. Oh, oh. yeah. Well, I guess it kind of would be. If I guess you it are makes sense if you're like bad. Are you a um, robot? Now, actually, also, with the charging thing. Uh, no, you're not. 
Okay. You're not. Um, everyone's psychic. <laughs> They're all psychics. Um, all right. A lot of the bosses are. A lot of the bosses are pretty fun. Um, kind of in story wise, they have these swords that they activate, which activates their psychic abilities, and they all they go crazy. You know, large scale patterns, almost bullet hellish. That's sometimes. really cool. And with the electricity, you can use that to float, kind of as you're activating it. So even if you don't have anything tagged. You can still electrify yourself and get kind of float around and damage enemies around you. Still, I like well, that. That's, that's really uh, one of the bo- one of the bosses actually has a shield, and you need to use your electricity to destroy the shield first before tagging him. <laughs> so it it has a reverse thing. It's a uh, one of the last bosses. Cool. This is um, just sounding totally a, rad. Yeah, this is it's pressing. Really, this is pressing all the right buttons for me. I'm definitely yeah, going to have to grab this. I, soon. I was for. highly recommend it. Because um, the cool. only the only experience I have with the game is Mighty Gunvolt, which I was entirely nonplussed by. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really boring. Yeah, really? Mighty Gunvolt's in there. Uh, it's a sequel. It's all right. No, it's kind of a and it creates game where it's has Mighty Number no. Nine in there. It's it's uh, it's basically boring Mega Man Azure and yeah, but where what is Mighty Gunvolt? What is it's, it from? It's like an eight bit remake that they made with it. Oh, okay. You get it for free so. if you get it before November something. <laughs> I, I gotcha. got it. I got it for free because I backed Mighty Number no. Nine. Transparency, transparency, <laughs> corruption. <laughs> I also backed nine, Mighty Number no. Nine, but I don't think I got that one. But it's all good. I got, I got Azure, I got it free with Azure Striker, so. Um, but yeah, I, also the electricity, you don't, you have a limit to how much you can use electricity as well. Yeah, you would have to be limited with... You yeah. are, and there's a couple ways. You can actually wait for it to charge after you're done, but if you use it all, it, you'll have to recharge it, of course. Um, so you'll short, and you'll have to, you you know, wait for it to charge back up. Um, if you haven't shorted it, though, you can act, you can actually uh, build your uh, meter right back by pressing down twice. It'll stop you for a second, but you can recharge the meter. Cool. cool. It, it definitely sounds a lot like Elysia Dragoon. Mm-hmm. It, now that I think about it, it does sound like it sounds that. like, but but it does it has its own spin on it in a way that sounds just super inventive and really fun. And <laughs> like I'm just I'm half tempted to go get my 3ds and start downloading it now. It's how it's yeah. just, Sort of Someone. like, and also the Panzer Dragoon vibes of like marking enemies and then releasing a big attack on all of them at once. Yeah, I like the idea. <laughs> That's I really like, satisfying. I like that marking enemies is a part of how that mechanic works. It's it, it's just it, it it adds a little bit more strategy to how you want to go about it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, right. um, I've beaten the game with. Um, there's a bad ending that I have gotten. I'm trying to get the good ending right now. <laughs> Which is a little harder, because I have to equip something. Because you can equip different items that have different effects. Mm-hmm. I have to equip something that actually makes the character a little bit worse. Oh. To do it. It's a little bit harder. Of course. But um, I can get to the final boss easily, but it's... Uh, if you die in the final boss, you have to restart in the first form, so... Mm. As it it's, should be? Yeah, as it should be, yes. But uh, <laughs> it's unlimited lives. It's unlimited lives, so... Oh, cool. That's smart. So, it's more or less... It's great for if you want... Uh, also, the characters are pretty—they're pretty good characters, honestly. Uh, there's one particular character that everybody—I don't know how much how many people love it, but <laughs> the mid-stage boss uh, selection. Cool. But uh, yeah, that's Azure Striker Gunvolt. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, 
I've also gotten back into Rune Factory 4. Never played one, so, like, I, are, aren't those, like, the ones that are kind of like Harvest Moon? They're the Neverland-developed har- kind of Harvest Moon kind of games. I also never played a Harvest, Harvest Moon, Moon game, so that's not actually helpful. <laughs> I played, I played... He just Harvest knows Moon that he likes them. This. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I played a Harvest Moon game before this. I played the SNES game, which I love. But, mm-hmm. um... Uh, har- Rune Factory 4 is fantastic. I am... It's one of those games I'm pretty sure I will never complete 100%. I know that. Um, I'm about... From what I saw, there's three par- three kind of quests, story parts of the game. I'm at the end of the first one, and I'm already like 30 hours into it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's a long game. I'm like at level 65 right now out of 1,000. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's... Yeah. Uh... Wow, got got any long trips ahead of you? Rune Factory Four might be the game for you. Oh gosh, this game, but it's so good. Instead of like Animal Crossing, which I've never been able to get into, Harvest Moon I can, and Rune Factory I can. So I don't know why. It might be the just what I'm playing instead. Maybe it's a JRPG. (laughs) It's a JRPG. Yes, that's what it comes down to. Let's be honest here. We know your taste. And R.I.P. Neverland. I miss them. I miss them now. Oh, they're gone, huh? Yeah, they're gone. Uh, Rune Factory 4 was their last game. Oh. And it's one of their best, in my opinion. It's also the Lufia guys. Oh, God. I love, oh. I love okay. Lufia 2. Lufia 2 is one of my Luf- favorite SNES. Lufia 2 is my other Neverland game that I really love. I-, mm. I love that game, but the first time I played it, the puzzles drove me insane, especially the block puzzles. <sighs> oh, my God. That game is so good. It's, it's been years since I've played it. It's really though. damn good. Uh, it's got, I, th- it, it's got one of the best difficulty curves, I think, of that mm-hmm. that era of RPGs. I agree with that. Yeah, I fucking love, uh, I fucking love Lufia too. Yeah, that's so hard I mean, to nail down in an RPG for some reason. Like, there's so many games that just kind of mess it up in some way or another, where yeah. it gets really like. Like, the original Fantasy Star is really weird because it's super hard for, like, the first half hour where it's just everything kills you in basically one hit. And then after a little while, you kind of get into this rhythm and then everything is just kind of this mm-hmm. flat line. Yeah. But then it gets hard that's, again for the final boss. That's a really... It's a lot of RPGs, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's based on whether I'm grinding or not or whether... And there I kind of make myself harder. I don't grind often anymore in RPGs. If I don't have to, like I might grind once, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that was definitely the case when I played through Lunar Silver Star Story this past year, or this last uh, earlier this year. Lunar Silver Star Story is kind of interesting because, like, grinding doesn't really do a whole lot for you in that and version was, of the game. Actually, be- I was playing the Sega CD version. Ah, oh, because uh, that that doesn't do the same thing. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But in the PS1 version, like it, the boss's stats are multiplied by Alex's, by Alex's level. level. Yeah, that's oh, a, geez, that's yeah. a really interesting mechanic. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, the game's a little tough. <laughs> it's tough, reason. but it's tough. It's, but it's kind of funny it. that happy. It's hiding, funny that happy medium there with what level you have to take on a certain boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you really mm-hmm. want to take on Galleon at level ninety-nine? <laughs> Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Yeah, there must that be kind of must be such, grinding. such a challenge to balance. I, I know East sort of does that uh, at one at some point, or it kind of tells you, "Hey, stop grinding." 
None, nothing's giving you any more XP. Keep going. Yeah, they yeah. They, they start giving you game. less. Ex- it's it's sort of like MMO progression where like mm-hmm. certain enemies once you outlevel them they just stop giving you experience altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My experience with ease, at least the oh, first yeah. one, was in order to get past this boss, you have to be this level. You must be this level. You, you must have yeah. this equipment. And you cannot progress any farther than that until you beat the boss. Yeah. Ease is like, you're one level too low, and the boss is literally impossible. Or you're one level too high, and you kill the boss in like two hits. Mm -hmm. It's like... Now, Rune Factory 4 has a really interesting... uh, The Rune Factory series in general has something really interesting I like about it. It's every action you do affects a stat. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Affects your stats in some way. Like, walking increases your HP. <laughs> okay, so, like, like an interesting take on uh, Final Fantasy II system where you had That's to beat, exactly up, what I was beat up your own it's party so members. Like, actually, it's a lot like that, only without clubbing yourself over only, the head. Only not completely, you know, idiotified. Not yeah, not And an action RPG, action RPG elements also, so mm. it's a little more fun. Hmm. I can beat things down, I can beat, you know, and you can get your own little happy monster cows. Or a, cool. uh, or what I just included a giant chicken. Ah, that sounds really I, cute. I love. Is it a cute chicken. game? It's a it's a really cute game. Tommy loves cool. cock. I like <laughs> <laughs> Cocks make people. Cocks make sexy. people sexy. <laughs> I love that. C dot socks make people sexy dot net. Go there now if you haven't yet. Oh, it's cool. amazing. Um. I'll stop talking about Rune Factory 4. I've been playing something else, too. What else I have you been playing? What you been playing? Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I want this Ooh. game. I want this so, game uh, really bad. I'm going to go into a little thing here. I have never played a Dynasty Warriors game. And that's probably one reason why you're going to enjoy <laughs> this game a lot. I am I am enjoying it a lot because I've never played a Dynasty Warriors game. I, I played I played the shit out of Dynasty Warriors 4, and that's the only one I've ever played. <laughs> so. Yeah, I really like Dynasty Warriors 4. So, Hyrule Warriors is pretty much Dynasty Warriors with a Zelda skin. And Link is hot, and so is Zelda, Sheik. So uh, is everybody. I think all of of the character designs in that game are just really good looking. I mean, not even just from, like, oh, I find that person sexy sense. I think that they're just, (laughs) they're concisely designed. Is is Mm -hmm. concisely a word? Yeah, well, I think I, that makes. Yeah, I'll take it. Designed with concision. It's, sure. It's. I, I can't explain like what they've done with those character designs, but they they. I hesitate to call them perfect, but I love everything I've seen about every character in that game so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree kind of with gotten that. Down to the essence of those characters. Yeah, visually. Now, they've done. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, go ahead. They did interesting things with like their redesigns on Zelda and Ganon, especially. Definitely. Like they don't look the same, but they're instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, stage. It's pretty much what I was expecting. Giant Zelda fan service. Mm-hmm. I- I'm expecting that when it comes to something like this. Uh, not oh, yeah. expecting anything too serious. It, fortunately, it's it's not too serious, really. Uh, I mean, one point in the game, you're going back in time to these weird, diff- these different eras that the main villain villainess is sending everything out from she's recruited the evil overlords of darkness from the from three of the different zelda games it's ganondorf <laughs> girahim and zant <laughs> and you're going back so into those eras of the different then, characters 
it, okay. honestly don't really care about too much of the story. There's one level oh, yeah. where you get to mow down armies of Gorons. That's oh, amazing. Wow. That sounds great. It is. That's fantastic. With Impa. Oh, that's even better. Impa, oh my god, that's Impa, fantastic. Impa is fucking rad. Yes, cool. it is. That was a really fun level. Mm-hmm. Um, I also it's, enjoyed... There is a level where you have to fight the Imprisoned again, though. Oh no. The who? The Imprisoned. The imprisoned. <laughs> is that, that a Twilight Princess thing? Skyward, Skyward Sword. Oh, okay, one of the It's ones. one of the things in Skyward Sword that I think doesn't push it up from Wind Waker. I love Skyward Sword, but... I still have issues with that game. See, I told you he had bad taste in games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like any of those. Oh, we'll get to talk about that. <laughs> oh, we probably will. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, damn, Hyrule Warriors. So, so uh, yeah, this, the story is probably... Yeah, okay. it's bollocks. <laughs> but, it, but it's probably... I, I'm thinking of Subspace Emissary in... You know Brawl. what? It's a lot like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Honestly, it's don't take it too seriously. That. Yeah. It's, it steps above that, but yeah, I you know. I just want to play this game because everything about it looks stupid and over the top, and I exactly. love. It. And I, I mean, okay, I'm only doesn't sell you anymore. Apparently, there's not too many bosses in the game, like big bosses that they chose. I've mm-hmm. seen most of them actually now, but one of the bosses is Mahandala. John's Can you gonna, describe it. John's I'm look. Uh, it. It's the plant. It's the giant plant thing with four oh, other yeah, plants. Yeah, now I know. It's oh, a giant okay. armor yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, and I'm just getting uh, images of cars, so I'm just not going to bother. It's a really cool... That was a really cool boss. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's amazing. In a completely different style of game, too. Yeah, Dynasty yeah. Warriors Dynasty Warriors games aren't really known for bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, they're mostly trying to mimic, you know, the <laughs> romance. thousands of enemies. Yeah, it's just thousands of enemies. I mean, there are bosses in the sense that you fight higher-ranked officers that have a lot of crazy special attacks and shit like that, but... You do that here, too. With, a, like, Gearhem or Zant. Yeah, Or but... Darunia. At the first mm-hmm. level, you fight a, Dodongo, a King Dodongo, so... Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And you fight a Goma shortly after. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mahandala comes in. Then the Imprisoned. Oh my god, this is, this is just Zelda Subspace Emissary in a Argarok's great coming way. up next, I think. Oh. <sighs> From uh, Twilight Princess, mm-hmm. the dragon. Yeah. And cool. we'll see what goes from there. Apparently Ganon's in there too, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool though. I like it. And yes, Smash 4 did come out. I don't, I'm not going to talk about it right now. <laughs> Polly is Look, the biggest Smash fan I've ever seen. I she loves don't like games. the series that much either, but I still play They've them for They've got Pac-Man in the new one. They do. They have Pac-Man <laughs> and Mega Man. They invited Pac-Man? I know, right? And Sonic the Hedgehog, he's back. Yep. It is cool. <laughs> his, I'll just his... say this. My two favorite characters so far from the new ones is Shulk and Little Mac. So, Gotcha. Little Mac, one of my like... favorite mem- gaming memories with Anna is playing through Pac-Man World 2 with her. So who knows? Maybe we could enjoy playing with Pac-Man. Yeah. Um, I'd say wait for the Wii U version, honestly. But the control of the 3DS one is not that amazing. Well, I don't have a Wii U, so I would say that's kind of an obstacle. I would say take that fifty bucks and go go buy five copies of Shovel Knight. (laughs) I would absolutely agree with that, and I would probably do that if I didn't already own Shovel Knight. Well, I would give them out to friends because I want to spread the joy. Oh yeah, you should probably do that. So is that all Um, you've been up to, my friend? uh, I did last night finally play. almost finished something that I've been meaning to. What's that? 
That is, uh, you mentioned Christine Love game. I haven't. I just played digital. Great. Oh, cool. How great. was it? Uh, for I haven't beaten it yet. Um, I've just gotten to. I've just revived the. Well, I'm not gonna say anything. But yeah, super excited to play that. I just spent like an hour. I spent like two hours. But I didn't really mean to playing it and kind of lost myself. It's also funny because Christine Love just bashes it on Twitter all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like okay. Um, I can understand. Like it anymore. Like, no, it's, like a, it's weird. Is huh. it like one of her first projects? Uh, one of her first big ones. It, one of the ones okay. that kind of got le- a lot of legs, I think. Yeah, I, played, I did that. play Analog before this. And okay. I played Don't Take It Personally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well. And I liked both I liked both of those, especially Analog. I've not played Hate Plus yet, though. Hate mm-hmm. Plus is really good. It's got a really cool hook, too. And cool. Okay. Uh, it's I'm probably just going to do Digital, Don't Take It Personally, Analog, Hate Plus. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that's the order you should go in, definitely. Cool. I, so I've kind of played a little out of order, but it's all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I still enjoy. I so far what I've enjoyed reading digital, I really liked. And that's pretty much what I've been up to. Really? Because guess what I've been up to? What have you been up to? I've been playing video games myself. All right. I like you? I like confusing Rhett with, with this little. <laughs> I was so ready with jumping around. I was around. so ready. I was, I was I love, so ready to be next this time. I, I like, love confusing Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest. Oh, okay. It's like, no. I always go last. I'm going to go uh, second this time, bitches. All, all right. right. So, um, uh, like we mentioned the last time, I started digging into East 2. And then the I next... I still and, need to do that. And then the next day, I promptly quit playing East 2. So what okay. happened? <laughs> I got to another tower... Uh, for those that don't know, <laughs> the first East game, half of the game takes place in, I think it's, I want to say a 29 a. level dungeon. It's yeah, a 25 floor tower. Yeah, oh, the great it, boss fight at the end, though, so it's all worth it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Great, Dark bo- great fucking boss fight. Yeah, good. Multiple Whole great boss fights. Them. Well, they're pretty easy for the most part, at least. <laughs> I think Dark Fight took me more than Vagulun when I last played East, oh, which God. was this year. Dark yeah, Fact is, Dark Dark took like forty-five minutes for me. It was Dark Fact is the fucking the it's the fucking dumbest boss fight ever. That fight is so dumb. But he's so cute. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, East Two it has this great start where you're you know visiting a lot of really interesting and varied places. And then it just kind of plops you into another big-ass tower, and it's just all of the same kind of shit. Like, oh, look, I'm going to be backtracking through these floors again, and there's not really much to break up that. you know. And that's sort of the main hook of the dungeon is I need to grind levels, and I need to run back and forth through all of these floors to figure out my way to the top. And I just I didn't have it in me to do that anymore. I just mm-hmm. it, it felt like too much of a retread. The game kind of blew its wad up front. Um, it does okay. a lot of things right. I mean, I, I think that it is overall a much better game than the first one. And uh, the, you know, adding magic uh, to the system and giving you an ability to fight bosses with the projectile is a lot smarter because the bump system didn't really work that great for bosses in the first game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, it's just... I, I I didn't want to do that whole slog through another dungeon again, and it was just like I looked up some of the maps and it was like this is way too twisty and turny for me to really want to fart with. So 
I, I just gave up on East 2. I think it's alright, but it's not anything I really plan on ever finishing. Yeah, it's probably funny. worse off because he played East 1 first. You know? More than likely, I've been yeah. playing more East uh, in the past few years. I've really loved this series as I've been playing it. I think East 1 is my favorite game in the series so far, which is weird. But... <sighs> I would say I really like how East One just structures. And there's another game in there. It's Othenfelgana. East One is better than Hydlide. East One is better than Hydlide. I agree. True. I think we can all agree that. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. All right. Cool. I still liked Hydlide, though, when we played it, John. Yeah, obviously. But, um. Oh, you were that weirdo. (laughs) Yeah, I was that weirdo. (laughs) I enjoy. I actually enjoyed Hydlide. Um. If I write a game of the year list, I'm putting Highlight in there. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. I imagine it'll be on John's as well, because he's a hipster. <laughs> It'd be a biggest surprise, actually. I was mm. not expecting that game to be as good as it, I, or as well, fun as I'd I probably had. put Fairune on my list, the modern iOS game that's kind of a, inspired by Highlight in a number of ways. But you know, I don't have whatever. an Apple. What? Well, actually... What <laughs> So, yeah, that's East 2. I'm all done with it, dude. Um, And then, um, recently, um, I'm not sure how many people out there or how many here are into Giant Bomb content, but um, Drew Scanlon has been playing through the original PlayStation uh, version of Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) And... Um, I've always had a soft spot for that series. I don't think, I I think maybe at one point I was a quote unquote biggest fan, but in recent years I've kind of fallen off and think, you know, Kojima's a bit of a quack, but, um, I like Snatcher better. Uh, I've never played it. (laughs) Having watched Drew Scanlon play through the PlayStation one version of the game, I thought, wow, this game is really super rough around the edges. Uh, and and it was interesting seeing, you know, a, a game from 1998, uh, being experienced by someone for the first time in 2014 because, like, holy crap, there's a lot of really bad game making decisions or yeah, game making decisions in that game that just they don't hold up at all. Um, but rather than trying to play through that again myself, I thought, you know, this 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 game, the way the story is being presented. The, the way everything is so undersold in a way that it just it, it's trying to be realistic. It's trying to be serious and gritty, even though it's kind of dumb. Yeah, and I thought, you know, the more I the more I think about it, the more I, I really think I need to experience Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes again, which is the remake on the GameCube. Um, which everybody loves. Which everybody I played this version. Oh, this version is absolutely insane. It uses the Metal Gear Solid Two engine. Okay. Uh, so, so you've That's got a, a lot. Different. You've got a lot of really great conveniences for things like first-person shooting. The M9s in there, so you can trank guards. Things that weren't in the original game that um, you could argue kind of ruined the experience because they didn't really bother changing guards' patrol routes or anything. And um, the revolver ocelot fight essentially involves you standing in one corner of the room and him standing in another and you just shooting at each other. So um, it's kind of dumb. But what I really gleaned from all of that is that I am I am more than happy with Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes sort of being like the 
the canon version of Metal Gear Solid because the way the PlayStation okay. the way the PlayStation version is just so understated and serious. Um, uh, I think that the Twin Snakes embodies more of what that series became with its just completely over the top stupidity. You've got Snake like jumping off of missiles and shit. Um, you've got him doing 360 flips, grabbing a sniper rifle and shooting someone in the head. It's, you know, when you look at all of the crazy shit that that series started to become in Metal Gear Solid 2 and how that continued through 3 and especially the nanomachine magic that was 4, mm-hmm. I-, I think that the Twin Snakes fits that series' tone a hell of a lot better um, than when it's trying to be gritty and serious and very militaristic. And it's like, you know what? Give me dumb nanomachine answers for everything. <laughs> Give me Snake jumping off of missiles. Give me bullet time. Give me weird airplane sound effects for no specific reason. Give me all of the dumb shit, because that's really what I want out of Metal Gear, and I think that the Twin Snakes personifies that way better, and it fits, yeah, like I said, it fits the series' tone way better, and bring on the hate, bitches, that's all I gotta say. Um, I can't believe anything, I've never played this version. Um, the cutscenes are really... I played Metal Gear Solid a long time ago. And I enjoyed it when I played it, at least. Um, I'd probably say it's my favorite of the games I've played, which is only 1, 2, and 3. Mm. I still need to play 4. Ooh, more than 3? Um, I, I, I think more than 3. I will even die on the hill of <laughs> Metal Gear Solid it, 3. It's okay. Um, mm. I like 3. If I had to pick a second one, that would be 3. Uh, for me, I think I would, I, go, really have experience. I would go three, two, four, one. Okay. Huh. Okay. Uh, and, and, where, and where would you put Twin Snakes in that? Huh. Three, two, Twin Snakes, four, one. Okay. That makes sense. I know Kojima's produced games more, I think. I'm a huge fan of Boktai. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zone of the Enders. Mm-hmm. So, but, from there, um, I know those more. But I will spare everybody the Metal Gear Solid rant for now because we oh, are yeah. going. We're going to do a future episode on that. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, we should. We could invite Austin. He has lots of opinions on Metal Gear. <laughs> oh God, he has. I just want to of... say, the only Metal Gear game I I've played too. is Revengeance. So I am <laughs> and all you about that good being stupid and over the top. You picked, I need to play that too. You picked the great... That's probably what I'm going to do when I finish recording this podcast is I'm going to go start a game on hard or very hard of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance because if anything, all of that over the top crazy bullshit that happens in the you Twin States... You get to States, do it now. Now I get to do it because that game is so bonkers and it just, you know, not everything crazy happens in the cutscene because everything that you're given, all of the tools that you're given to engage with enemies with is like, yeah, you know, you've got riding break dancing and twirling <laughs> geckos around and shit in cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid 4, but you you are actually in control of that in Revengeance. They they found a way to make that playable. And they Platinum Games needs to be commended for that. Yeah, when you go into mm-hmm. like the slow motion mode during kind of a cinematic scene and just like slice up a boss it's so fucking good. Oh, it's just everything about that game is so unbelievable. And the soundtrack. 
all the kicks in at right moments. Oh, it, yeah, they use a dynamic soundtrack. They have a dynamic soundtrack where there's like a theme playing, and as you go further into the level, like more and more elements get added, and it's the same for boss fights where the more you wear a boss down, like the higher intensity the music gets, and like when you that's cru- fantastic, and like when you're cruising into like the home stretch of the boss fight, this part of the song kicks in, and there's like lyrics and everything. It's just. Oh God! Go play! Yeah. Re- go play Revengeance. That game's so fucking good. There's that first part when you're fighting the first boss. I won't say what it is. I won't say what it is, it. but I will say that you will know exactly what you're in for. The it's moment like right when you, it's right when you like first stun the boss and knock it down, and you're running for it, and the vocals in the music kick in, and you're just like, oh my God! Yeah, is, you're a living anime. Yeah. You- oh God. Oh, God, I can't. I cannot. I cannot wait to go play this again. I'm getting super pumped now. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I spent most of the week doing. But I've been playing a secret game the last couple of days too. Ooh, what's the secret game? And I think secret. it's 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 something that John's sort of been bugging people to play, or I know that he's at least mentioned it a few times on the podcast. And I thought, well, I've got Pokemon. some. <gasps> I've got some money laying around. Uh, <gasps> And I might as well throw it at uh, some Caro Blaster. Oh. Oh, cool. Ooh. And I have to say that I wasn't really impressed by it. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, it is an effective a- a- and very adequate simple run-and-gun platformer. Um, and it's, I don't know. Like, it did not grab me for some reason. Uh, it feels like... I th- I'm pretty sure this game was primarily developed as a mobile game. Because, like, the way that everything works, the simple mechanics of shooting, the simple weapons, uh, and just, like, you know, coming from the dude that did Cave Story that had some batshit insane difficulty, I-, I kind of expected a little more, but it definitely feels more geared toward that mobile market. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that said, though, it is a really cute game. It has a shit ton of personality, and, you know, I, I think that it gets really, really far on character. But in terms of what I actually played, it just, like, from beginning to end, I just was not very impressed at all by it. That's fair. I apparently need to play this. <laughs> I think yeah. John's going to cry. Yeah. John, what were your thoughts on Caro Blaster? <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to talk a lot about Dragon Quest in a minute, and for a little bit, that's probably, it's probably kind of the same thing, where it's just, like, this really cute, nice game with lots of personality that executes a few fundamentals really, really well, and it just feels really nice to move through, and it goes to a really nice place, and it just doesn't have any bullshit to it, and it just feels kind of classy and well done across the board to me. I think that it's a well put together game and it's competent but I don't know it just there's there just wasn't a hook I don't think um mm. it, it, you know it's cuteness while the cuteness won me over it wasn't enough to make me go oh this is definitely something that was worth my time uh you know I you can beat it in about an hour and a half easily um mm. It's, you know, if you're looking for something, you know, a run and gunner that's really easy to play and pick up and put down, you know, for eight bucks, you could do a hell of a lot worse. But I definitely think that you could do better as well. I'm probably going to give it another playthrough before I think about the game of the year stuff. But I I think I'll probably still really like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I just I just 
was not really grabbed by it in a way that I, I thought I would be. And maybe some of that is my own expectations coming back to bite me in the ass, but at the same time, you know, I was just sitting there playing it, and by the time, you know, I finish it and get to the final boss, it just, it sort of felt like a chore. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just wasn't enjoying myself in a way that I, I kind of expected to, I guess. So... Do you think it's, like, too long for a single setting game? Uh, no, it can easily be beaten in a single segment, I think. Uh, but, like, shmups and contra games tend to be, like, half an hour long, and you're saying this is, like, an hour and a half? Yeah, I, I think that with this game's pace, um, its length is fine, because it's kind mm-hmm. of a slow-moving game. So, yeah, I think that there were definitely concessions made uh, for that game to 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 be as to exist as it does uh, for the mobile platform. And my thinking is just like the fact that it wor- would also work as a mobile game just kind of speaks to how cleanly designed it is. I, I've not played it on a mobile platform, but when I was playing it, I could definitely say, you know, this would probably feel all right on a mobile platform because of the way the shooting works, the way you can lock yourself into position and just easily move around. It, I think it, it's a much more accessible game than Cave Story 2. Just oh, like, definitely. Just by de- you know, just by virtue of not having as much depth as Cave Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can. That's what I kind of bothered Carib me Mastery though. Yet either. Uh, but I did play Cave Story. I love Cave Story. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I think we all did like Cave Story. Yeah, this just looked like a step back, though. Like it's too simple. Like, yeah, it is. It's like not. Game. It's a completely different scale of a project from Cave Story, and you just mm-hmm. kind of have to accept that going in. Yeah, but like when you talk about expectations, like Cave Story came out of nowhere for us, and then this is his project. Like, was it seven years later? It's been a while. Yeah, that He's probably just been like completely yeah. panic out of his mind. Like, oh shit, oh shit, what do I do? Because he he like scrapped this whole Kira Blaster as when it was Jiro Blaster. He had the whole thing basically done and then scrapped most of it before kind of starting from scratch for a couple of years ago. That yeah. is weird. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. But this just looks like what, what, the, what could have come before Cave Story, not the successor. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. always used to th- things always being bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think as the scale of project it is, I think it kind of really fits that scale. I think it's kind of a perfect take on that type of game so that's why i really dig it cool cool so that's basically all i've been up to uh not much else going on like i said after we're done here i'm probably gonna go throw in revengeance again because i want to feel yeah i want to feel like a badass so hey Rhett. hey talk to me uh i played the game puppeteer this week I've heard some about this. this, is, is, this like anything, a, is this any good? It looks really good. It looks really good. Yeah, that's what I've heard about it. Is that <laughs> it, it yeah, looks, that's pretty. It looks very it's, good. I don't, I'm not sure where to start on this. This was a PlayStation Plus game back in May, and it did take me a while to get through it because it's kind of like it's divided into these really nice little chapters where every couple stages like you get reach a good stopping point, and so I wouldn't want, really want to marathon through it. And, like, there's seven worlds and three chapters each. So each one is, like, a half hour long in this complete little storyline. And the game looks incredible. It's got this really cool puppet, like, puppeteered look. Yeah, it's, like, it's the big budget version of, like, a treasure game. Okay. I can, 
there's a lot of dynamite heady influence in this game i feel and like the visual design or how they evolved it like almost half the boss fights are like the spinderella thing where it's a big circular arena and the boss is in the middle and you're running on the ring on the outside but uh as a platformer it's just kind of stiff and that really drives me nuts because like if the gameplay was on par with the visuals and this music and everything else surrounding it, it would be like one of the greatest games ever made. But the problem with the gameplay is that like it gives you too much and there's no real synergy between anything that you're doing. And there's not like a whole lot of use for the things you get. Yeah. So it's like, it's very choreographed, like to a fault where like every single thing that you'll ever use the bomb on has like a little outline of the bomb on it. Like, it's just saying, like, okay, press this button now, and then you press circle, and you throw a bomb into the thing that is weak to bombs, and it blows up. Is like, everything that has the a hook on it, you use the hook shot on. And everything that has a bull on it, you use the bull horns on. And there's, like, there's so many different moves, too. Like, you start with, like, the scissors are your main thing, and you can move and jump, but then you get a shield, and then you get the bombs, and you get a hook, and you get a roll maneuver. And... <laughs> I think I'm forgetting some. Like, every single button on the controller is used. Mm. And that like, sounds mm. fucking insufferable. <laughs> PS, that PS3? sounds like a game I yeah. would hate. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to... This is the one I mentioned to you on Twitter last night. Listen, where listen you're formalist. Like, From what it sounds like, it reminds me of a lot of other AAA stuff that seems a lot... I like the mm-hmm. word you just said, choreographed. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be something I've been finding a lot. Uh, I don't play too much AAA, like, you know, what you would call AAA anymore. I don't know what we call that anymore. I don't yeah, know why we use that like word. But big budget. Like, like. I did play Uncharted 3 at one point, and that's exactly the word I would call that game. Choreographed. Hmm. <laughs> I think that's all, that's all of the Uncharted games, though. They all follow a very... Right. I've only played the third one, so I mean... I mean kind of in that whole sense like even stuff that naughty dog's doing recently i haven't played last of us but a lot of that also looks kind of else i haven't seen it yet yeah i've had no interest in it though so, i'll probably play that eventually i have that so yeah puppeteer is it's very like like you said it's the big budget version of like a platformer game and mm-hmm. so it looks really good but it, <laughs> again i haven't picked like it up because i don't really know if i would like it yeah, I've had, I've seen I've that, had a lot sure of negative experiences with those kind of choreographed things. I don't know about Uncharted. I haven't played those. I really dug Last of Us and how that kind of handled it. Mm-hmm. Didn't really feel that way to me for the most part. Okay, I haven't pl- I haven't seen it. That was just kind of a snap judgment. Yeah, I I, um, lo- I, I love that game, but um, okay, I'll have to yeah. maybe look at that later. Yeah, I think Reed is Reed kind of the okay. the way he's talking about it. I kind of know what he means, and that just sounds pretty miserable to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, because, you know, in platformers, like, bosses have patterns so that you can dodge their attacks, but it's so choreographed, like, in the in this to, like, it never gives you a moment to figure out which attack to use, because, like, as soon as, like, a boss slams his hand down, and then, you know, you got to jump on it, and then the bullhorns are there, so you do the ground pound, it's just, like, it's so telling you what to do. Like almost sounds like it's a, like you're playing a stage play. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of fit the theme of the game. Which is, <laughs> it kind of does. Now I think about it, but I don't know if it sounds like the best way to do it. It's Because I think this game is for kids. It's really not that hard. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's so it's difficult because it's like, obviously, games 
should like not leave you completely out in the blue. I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? Like the boss is displaying a vulnerability, but I don't know how to attack him. Like, oh, I have to throw the bombs, but I it's so like where it starts flashing the bomb symbol as soon as the boss is vulnerable to it. Like, it's the green flashing arrow at the top of the screen that's pointing where you where you're supposed to go. Does that make Al- sense? Almost as if it's yeah. more of you have a bunch of stuff to use and it's showing you what to do. Versus yeah, if like, you have a couple set of moves, but you can kind of, like how a lot of platforms are, you have a couple set of moves, not too many, but you can kind of use those to do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. that's and good not design. Really yeah, there's so pattern. many moves in this that it kind of just has to tell you, like, very overtly, like, now do this, okay. now to do this. Because everything else just doesn't work at all. Yeah. Basically. Cause, yeah. And there's there's just no synergy between anything except for, like, jumping and doing another thing. Like, mm-hmm. when you throw the bombs, you just kind of pause for a second. And, like, the hook, you can move while doing it. But, like, nothing combines, really, besides moving and jumping at the same time. So in spite of how much I can kind of rail on the gameplay, I really like this game because... It's so pretty. It's so pretty. It's and so the story pretty. and the characters and, the like, the way it's told, it's... <laughs> it's like... It's so stupid over the top, but it's so wonderful. It, it wins That's, you with the charm. It, yes, it wins you with charm and just pure spectacle. It's kind of the way, um, n- n- though not in the same way um, that Puppeteer likely does it for you, but it's for the same reasons that I enjoy Deadly Premonition, and that game is just so ridiculous, uh, but it is just mm. a, it's a nightmare to try and play. Yeah, it's not because, the part where you're shooting stuff. Yeah, it's not the yeah. part. Yeah, I don't enjoy that game for the part where I'm shooting stuff or doing side quests. I like the parts of that game that are just completely bonkers and out of their fucking head. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. I have Deadly Premonition ready for October. I've been wanting to play it. It's a good mm-hmm. time. That looks really cool. You, you'll have yourself the PS3 a good time. version. Uh, I have the PS3 version now, and I've been wanting to pull this one out and play it like around October. You'll have, your, you'll have yourself a good time with it, I think. Uh, just okay. don't go in expecting some, you know, amazing bastion of gameplay and just... I'm expecting Twin Peaks. That's what mm-hmm. you'll get. You'll get a lot okay. of that, definitely. Okay. Cool. Uh, is it, would it be worth comparing Puppeteer to Kirby's Epic Yarn? Which, I'll you, say what I mean. Sh- I swear to God, you read my mind. I was going okay. to do that. Because, okay. like, Kirby's think- Epic Yarn, I think, is a really pretty easy game oh yeah but it doesn't you, have I mean, you literally can't lose it doesn't game. have that huge overload of like things you can do and you've got a couple things and every stage kind of plays with the different things you can do in some pretty interesting ways and i think as a result it's a pretty really good game and, and like puppeteer, <laughs> and i think it fits with the look and like yeah mm-hmm. and like puppeteer it's got its own very unique visual style that is just amazingly charming and the way mm-hmm. the story is told it's yeah kirby's epic yeah. yarn is Puppeteer's play sounds like it would really get in the way of me enjoying the look, but Epic, Epic Yarn's play yeah. does really accentuate it. It, it to synergizes. Me. Exactly. It synergizes very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, they're the same, but they're opposites in some way, where, like, both of those games to me are about, like, the mood and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, like, you really just kind of take everything in and you experience it. And both games I took a very long time to play through because I really didn't want to rush them because of the pacing of both. But yeah, in Kirby's Epic Yarn, you have like the one whip mechanic for the most part, and it's all about mm-hmm. interacting with the world in that way. So like as a game, Epic Yarn is way better, but Puppeteer is yeah, it's the overproduced kind of AAA version of a platformer. Mm-hmm. Okay, but 
it's so pretty, and I really enjoyed the story. It's just this That's cute little. That's really legitimate. That's a totally storybook to enjoy it. Storybook stage show, and like the last stage is just completely bonkers in a wonderful it way. It sounds like something I'd enjoy if I picked it up for ten dollars. Yeah, see, I got this on Definitely. PlayStation Plus, so I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or for free. Yeah. <laughs> or for free. Uh, yeah. yeah, apparently this I was a retail so. game. I honestly thought it was a $15 downloadable. It was a $40 game, I think, oh, when it came out. Mm-hmm. That There is extra stuff in it that I didn't really engage with. Like, there's, like, bonus stages all over the place that are hard to find. And, like, there's a head collecting mechanic. And there's, like, mm-hmm. storybook segments that are unlocked between the levels. Like, there is content in there, but... So there's a head-getting mechanic, you say. But, yeah, Jay, get a lot of head. <laughs> so I didn't know this was rated M kids. at all. <laughs> the life bar is kind of like Sonic the Hedgehog, where you can carry three heads at once, but if you get hit, you drop the head, and then either you pick it up in time. Well, now it's sounding really morbid. <laughs> Just carrying around these decapitated puppet heads. Well, you're wearing the one that you're... I'd rather be playing... Oh, so you're switching around these different decapitated puppet heads on your headless (laughs) puppet body. Well, the game is kind of morbid. It's like about children's souls being kidnapped from Earth. (laughs) Okay. But it's like the heads... Hmm? Can I play as Chuck the Head? No. uh, No, no, okay. You don't think this game goes head-to-head with uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, do you? (laughs) I think in that comparison, Epic Yarn definitely comes out ahead. <laughs> Damn it. But it's like the head thing kind of reminds you of Dynamite Heady, but the heads don't actually do anything different. They're just... <laughs> Dynamite Heady! Never. It's a game about puppets. It's, a... it's the same Hedy. premise. I know that. Oh, but in Dynamite okay. Heady, the heads were different power Yeah, ups. the heads actually oh, had I forgot about utility. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, you had the okay. hammerhead, which would shoot out really hard and do, like, double damage. Or, like, one would shoot out stars in a spiral. So the heads in Puppeteer are just visual. Oh, they're things. just aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Well, well, I, well, I just feel like the game needs any more shit to throw at you. It is. It's definitely kind of overburdened. It does get better in the second half when it's finally done introducing abilities to you. Like, the first four stages are just like, oh, and now you learn this move, and now you learn this move. And it's like, and then you use that move for the entire level and then do something else. So it does start combining things in more creative ways in the back half once you have everything. But the bosses are really fun. and the Yeah, I really liked it. (laughs) This almost completely in spite of how it plays. Yeah, that's legitimate. Playing anything else? Yes, so the next thing I played was PlayStation All-Star Battle Royale, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> I'll be quick I'll be quick with these next two. This was another PlayStation Plus game. I decided I'd check it out and it's a Smash Brothers clone yeah. except my all the lovable characters with a really dumb selectable characters and there's like two girls in the game like I was very disappointed by that aspect but <laughs> this Parappa the Rapper uh, uh. Yeah. and then there's good guy <laughs> from Infamous and then evil guy from Infamous evil guy from Infamous it's just the same guy apparently to be mm-hmm. fair that's the only clone in the game Smash Brothers has more clones than yeah. this does <laughs> but like a game that plays like Smash Brothers minus the characters? Honestly, it doesn't play as... It's like Smash Brothers, I but kinda, it's stupider. I don't like Smash uh, Brothers, so I kind of think I this plays better. 
Because the one <laughs> it's it doesn't. I I have a I had played this way too much with the friends of mine because I have I have a friend who was absolutely bonkers about this game. He was loving it absolutely, he... and then he's like, you know, what? this game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all That's went kind of back what to playing Brawl. We, Smash. We played Brawl for like two years, and then one day we were like, oh wait a minute, this... none of us like this anymore. <laughs> this was about a time period of three months where he was hmm. absolutely loving oh. this game and That's I honestly never saw it but it's more because that one you need to just like build up your special and then use your special and then you can kill everybody with your special and that's about it yeah you that's played this way really? more than I did I played this for like three hours I'm just mentioning it to have something to talk about the one thing I really liked is that it has a jump button yeah no smash is the jump button what does it? Uh, in 3ds, you can assign buttons. Oh, so. well, I, doesn't... I, I played a little bit of brawl, and I thought you had to like press up to jump, and that just felt completely horrible, especially when you're trying to do attacks that are up and something else. No, oh yeah, up is <laughs> still unfortunately. Uh, uh, you can turn that off though in Smash for 3ds. For 3ds, but I'm not going to and get fooled twice. But yeah, I like the way All Stars feels and like the way the combos kind of dial out if you just mash one button. But like you said, the whole charging mechanic and to build your super and then just killing enemies with the super, it feels really flat. Like cheap is the word I'd use. It's like you're doing all of this to build up to one big thing, and it makes everything that you've done up to that point feel pretty useless. Yeah, because you're just yes. you're just kind of smacking each other and building meter, and like at least with Smash Brothers, where you're building up the percentage and the, the ebb and flow of the battle changes because you're going farther. You know, like you're mm-hmm. being knocked around much more as the instead you're just chasing the snitch, as they say. <laughs> okay. So in this golden snitch. The other thing I really dislike is how timed battles where it's just like you're beating on each other for three minutes and then it says, oh, one of you guys won. Oh, yeah. That I think they have really that in Smash, but you can um, set it to stock instead. Where yeah. you just Again, this it. is something I just played for a couple hours yeah. offline. Okay. It's like, okay. yeah, I like how this feels, but the characters are dumb. Like, Except it does have Raiden from Revengeance. <laughs> That's pretty and, awesome. And apparently like everybody uses him. Like He's the best or something. <laughs> I did a whole one online match and everybody was using Raiden. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it has Big Daddy from the PlayStation 3 version of Bioshock. Uh, like, the roster in this game is so stupid. Bioshock launched on 360. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... The Honestly, place- the whole game just feels like we need a Smash Brothers. Make something. Okay, team, we're not going to use you ever again. Thank you. And all it really does <laughs> is right. just accentuate how boring a lot of those triple-A games are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Because mm-hmm. I realized when I was like watching the intro, it's just like I don't have the lifetime of nostalgia for Sony Can characters. Can you have nostalgia do. for this? Well, I, I mean, just never really thought Parappa of Sony as heavy characters. Time, no. Parappa, maybe. I love Parappa the Rapper. So I Parappa and Lammy, those were great games. But I, I mean, love both those. I don't really have nostalgia for them to where I would want to play a fighting game featuring <laughs> them. No, I'm just glad yeah. to see that, okay, someone has this license somewhere. Please, Sony, <laughs> use it. <laughs> if you want me to get a PS4, which 
Yeah, that would be well, a good way to do it. I have to imagine that the, the board meeting for that game went something like, all right, guys, we're going to do a Smash Brothers game. All Basically. right, um, what licenses do we have? What do we actually own that's ours and would actually fit this mold? Somebody go look up all of our IP listings and find out what the fuck we yeah. own. <laughs> and the answer still wasn't dude. enough. We got grizzled white dude. We got grizzled white dude. We got grizzled white dude. Grizzled white dude. There's not that dude. many. Not. Oh, there's evil. Coal. There's the coal. There's the coal, and there's Kratos. At least I don't know about the others. I don't really yeah, know I mean, what that yeah, boss is like. You have Fat Princess. Uh, uh. Did anybody play that game? I haven't. This like, premise made me really sad. <laughs> Like, like oh. I only just got a PlayStation Three, so I haven't played that. It just seemed like okay. they were just like, "Oh, this is an IP we actually own. We can we can put her in here." Yeah, that's Any, that's, anybody? that's what I think. A lot of that game uh, stems from is really that's their character selection. Is what do we own? Um, and then, there's the nine eight nine logo from nineteen ninety seven. Put that in there. <laughs> PlayStation then, startup screen. I have more nostalgia for that than most of those characters. <laughs> Actually, which one is it? Polygon Man? I think it's a final boss <laughs> in that. Yeah. That's one of the one cool things they did. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah, the roster's dumb. Like, a lot of it just feels like advertisement where it was stuff like the new Dante or... You know what? Uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> think. Oh, yeah. Because it had a Don't, bunch of characters who weren't Dante. even out yet. Dante. <laughs> did this come out before? When did... See, I don't know when it came out. Because I know Revengeance and New DMC were right next to each other. Yeah, I don't think those were out yet. That's no, really I crazy. Don't think they came out, which is really weird. So it's just weird advertising nonsense. Instead of getting characters like Laura Croft or Crash Bandicoot or Spyro, you know, things yeah. that people who grew up with a PlayStation or Duck Hunt Dog. <laughs> yeah, Duck I don't think any of us really care about this game. It sounds like. Well, apparently, Jetstorm played it for three months. Oh, uh, well, okay. I don't own it. A friend of mine did. And uh-huh. <laughs> oh, trust I, me, I don't own that game. Ugh. A lot of people, when we gathered from work, we were like, okay, we'll play it, but uh, it didn't yeah. work out. <laughs> it's, uh man. That game still... He, yeah. still pull, he still pulls it out. <laughs> we still Pulls it out it. in size. What could have <laughs> been. And then I bring Mario Kart and everything's better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So the final game I'll talk about is Two Worlds 2, which I'm not actually going to talk about the game itself. I'm just going to say I bought this and then discovered you can't play as a girl. Oh. No. And then, big, and then, it has a dumb then you immediately uninstalled. Oh, this mm-hmm. is a... So <laughs> picked this up on a Steam sale. I'm like, oh, open world game. Reviews say it's got a bit of a jank in it, like like 60 to 70 Metascore or whatever. But then I'm like, oh, you can't play as a girl. Well, fuck this. So I'm looking mm-hmm. online like, oh, there's a mod to play as a girl. <laughs> because apparently in the single player, you can only play as a dude. But in multiplayer, you can play as either. And it's like, well, why would you do that besides not wanting to record twice as much VO for one character? That sounds mm-hmm. like what it is. Yeah. 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 Oh, this is something I forgot to mention earlier. <laughs> I don't think this necessarily affects the quality of the game, but the... um. The guy who made Puppeteer, who was really big behind Puppeteer, got mm-hmm. really, really hostile and weird when an interviewer asked him why he can't play as a girl puppet. Oh, like, really? He was like, it's, it's, it's authorship. You can't tell me what I put in my story. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. I am shocked and appalled. 
that's that's really weird because your main character does nothing in that game. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. All they would have to do is have a gender neutral name, and it would work. Is your character's uh, no, name? No, it's, it's it's my story. It's authorship. I can't accept this criticism. Blah, 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 blah. So that's that really also kind of turned me off of the game a little bit. Like. That is the most you are an avatar game I've ever played, mm-hmm. where your character just has zero personality whatsoever. Mm. But Chrono anyways, has more personality. Hmm. Chrono has more personality. Oh, totally. Slightly. Chrono expresses his agency throughout oh, the yeah. game. He's no, the one no, who... no, John. We mean you. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I thought you, you meant John. You. Yes. <laughs> oh, of course. I was about to go into my thing about silent protagonists, and I, I, I will. Would say, we'll talk about Chrono Cross later. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. say Chrono shows more emotion in Chrono Trigger than Kutaro mm-hmm. and Puppeteer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. anyways, so I'm looking up that there's a mod for Two Worlds 2 to play as a girl. And then, oh, the link doesn't work anymore because the forum updated and destroyed all attachments. Oh. So then I find an older version of the mod that doesn't work with the current version of the game. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm boned. But then I'm looking through the folders for the game. And, like, it's just literally update 1-1, one, one, update 1-3, one, update 1-2. So I'm like, well, let me try dragging those out and putting them on the desktop and then applying this mod because I found the older version. And I get to the desktop or the title screen, and it's like, oh, there's a girl character. I can play as a girl character. Make a girl character. Start the game. Crash. Uh... And I'm just like, oh, And then it. you uninstall and then I put everything back, and I tried playing as all guy, that effort, and I, All that effort to play Two Worlds 2. I know, right? I was so goddamn determined at that point. And then mm-hmm. I played, like, two hours of the game. I'm like, oh, this is shitty anyway, so fuck it. <laughs> the title is so dumb. It's yeah. such a dumb title. A, they couldn't think of a subtitle. The one part, the one time a subtitle would have been appropriate. Instead of calling it Two Worlds 2. <laughs> So yeah, that's what Just I've been playing. To go with two two worlds revelations or whatever you Anything. need. Two worlds reawakening, revengeance. <laughs> two worlds souls, resouls, <laughs> reborn. So, two worlds unleashed. So that's what you've been up to. Yep, John. John. Yeah. Why don't you tell me first of all? Have you played Hunters or Dark Souls yet? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I've at least played a little bit of these. Wow. Well, aren't oh. you a special snowflake? Tell me about I Hunters. <laughs> I played a level. <laughs> Thank I you. Play, I played the I first actually, level. Anna's actually heard me play Hunters a lot, and she refers to it as the orgasm game at this point because well, she thinks I the don't... main character's uh, pain sound effects sound like a woman. I don't like yes. her anymore. Sorry. It's like, oh, is that the orgasm game? Whenever I bring the guy who made the orgasm game. I'm yep, pretty sure weird. there is an orgasm game on Newgrounds. You can look it up. Yeah. I'm sure there are many. So, <laughs> orgasm, orgasms aside, now that we've come to a head. <laughs> John! Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's, let, what have you been doing, John? I've been playing Dragon Quest games. You don't say... I really like them. I really like Dragon Quest games. Which ones have you been playing in particular? Well, I've had these unfinished files in Dragon Quest 2, Dragon Quest 4, and Dragon Quest 9 for like four years. Because I played a bunch of them, and then just set them aside for some reason. 
and then just didn't get back to them. So I'm going back to them like three years later, and I I just beat um, two over last weekend, and I just beat four about two hours ago. Okay, so the two Dragon Quest games I actually know almost nothing about. <laughs> yeah, well, I've beaten I beat one and five and Rocket Slime like ages ago, and those are fantastic. Oh, uh, this. Yeah, five is my favorite, obviously. But I, I really just like all of the Dragon Quest games so much. They're so friendly and nice and fun to play, and they feel so good. And I just really like them, you guys. I like the, I, I liked, uh, three and four on the NES, cool. and, and I really liked eight. Cool. I've been meaning. Uh, yeah, the ones I want to get to next really are good. three and eight. Um, Eight is really astounding for, for you know, oh, for man. what it is and how it sticks to its guns as to what that series is, but manages to still be this really engaging world with these really cool characters and, you know, a fairly decently told story, if a bit simple. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are sort of hallmarks of that series, but, yeah. like, the battle system is great, the way that you grow your characters feels really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that's just, where they introduced the whole tension system, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a nine, and that's it's really cool, good there. It's a pretty cool system in there. And uh, I played the Dragon Quest eight years ago, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever want to do it again. But it's one of my favorite level five games, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Then that and Dark Cloud. I love Dark Cloud. Cool. Yeah, level five games are cool. I wish they could yeah. have brought a lot of that Dragon Quest kind of simplicity to Nino Kuni because that's a game that I feel yeah like. I, I, all right. Th- this, is a bi- this is a big part of what I love about Dragon Quest games as a whole is that there's no bullshit in them just at all. They strip out. There's no drawing magic or Dream of the Faith or <sighs> Chrono Cross or Dragon all of Chrono Cross. No, oh. Dragon Quarter is a different kind of no bullshit. Um, Dragon Quest is – it's just – kind of stripped out to the essence the fat combat is fast mm-hmm. and the story kind of stays in the background for the most part it's mostly just walking around this world talking to people um the story's basically what you get out of npcs conversations a, a lot of the time exactly. there's some some later games have more involved uh, plot lines uh, more involved plot lines five especially mm-hmm. yeah but even um, five it stays in the background for the most part and then just yeah. comes in for these really powerful emotional beats and they're uh, all, they all have a little bit of that, which I really love. Pappas, Pappas is, uh, well, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm not going to say play it, it in the future. There's two um, big moments in that game that I think everyone knows about with your dad and the statue. Okay. That um, statue, yeah. Pappas' yeah. death still gets me a little Dude. bit. Um, <laughs> it doesn't that. matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, both of those are great scenes. Um, but yeah, they're just so clean and crisp mechanically. And then after coming off of Pokemon, where everyone, where the NPCs, not not mechanics, but the dialogue, everyone is like this weird, it's a small world facsimile, video game facsimile of a person in mm-hmm. Pokemon games. None of the dialogue really feels supernatural. Going to Dragon Quest, it the writing feels a lot more human, which I think is a big part of Hori. And I think it's Hori's. because it's simpler. It yeah. feels more conversational. It doesn't like go out of its way to sound overly verbose, mm-hmm. you know, to be theatrical. It's just there are very simple conversations happening uh, everywhere. Exactly, just little, mm-hmm. little simple human moments, and the whole series is just filled with those kind of little 
human warm touches. And the fact that the mechanics are so crisp in comparison to like base just almost everything else. Nino Kuni, this is what I mean, because Nino Kuni uh is a really well told story, I think, and I really like a lot of the characters and how it works, it's how it um comes across. But there's so much bullshit on top. There's the like you can collect all the monsters, you can feed you have to feed your monsters. There's a bunch of quests where you capture emotions and bring them to people and they're all the same because it's just that your fairy psychic tells you what emotions they need and then you go find somebody right. with that excess of that emotion. I'll agree with that. Um mm-hmm. but I explain a little I have not actually beaten Nino Kuni. I need to mm-hmm. go back to that one. It was it was Anna nice. I really all right, I will say that I like mm-hmm. Nino Kuni a lot because it's also the game that got Anna Anna into games. She played it with mm-hmm. me and it was really fun. And then, she, but, and then she graduated to a much better game that kind of ruined her for the rest of her life in terms of, ever, Trigger, yeah. of ever I enjoying... I think you did Chrono Trigger way too early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would at least thrown in Illusion of Gaia or Terranigma <laughs> next. Mm-hmm. Well, Even it's I like coming blank. off of Chrono Trigger, like Final Fantasy VI has random encounters and it's blood drearier, so that doesn't really fit. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it is hard to go off of that. Terranigma. Um, I still throw that one out. Mm-hmm. Well, that one's also pretty dreary, right? Um, it has its moments, mm-hmm. especially at the end. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she got super into Pokemon, which is really okay. nice because like those games aren't—they're definitely not dreary. Um, but My yeah, brother Dra- finally got his wife to play Pokemon mm-hmm. himself. Th- uh, actually, it was Y version she played. Cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. I thought that. I thought the story structure was really friggin' dumb in that game. Uh, it's like, Ruby and Sapphire all over again. It's, it's all of them after the first couple ones in Black and Except White. Except for Black different. and White. Black and yeah, White it's are just, beautiful. Yeah. Okay, but... Anyway. The, then Pokemon's the, all of the, Another thing I noticed about Dragon Quest is that with the remakes, they're all... They don't really change anything. They just change... like They make things faster. They add diagonal movement. They make enemies give more experience. They make weapons cost less. But, like, conceptually, they haven't really changed at all. No. Which I think just speaks to how kind of... What version of 4 did you play? The DS version. Okay. Uh, what version would you recommend to play? Would you recommend the DS version? Yes, yeah. DS version, yeah. Okay. I, th- I think that the remakes, they sound like they were definitely made with a more modern mindset, but they don't meddle with too much. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I went I and watched the, the final... six. I played the DS remake of six and it felt the same, like kind of that. So four is like that. That's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four and five NES feel version. the same. I think they all feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, five is a really good DS remake. That's the version I played. I thought I it was fantastic. I have never played that version. Um, mm-hmm. I am yeah. looking for a copy of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went, I went and watched the final boss on of four on YouTube. Uh, okay. I can actually talk about the specific games now since um, two is probably the, probably the hardest dragon quest game i've played okay um it gets it has a really tough last dungeon where with a lot of like navigational puzzles not really puzzles they're just kind of like you it's it's the version of that maze in any zelda game or whatever where you walk left and it warps you back to the start so you know to walk oh, right and then you know to like walk Link, left Link's awakening you, you know yeah that thing okay so they have that kind of puzzle and um They've got a number of other things like pitfalls in the floor and also just a, real, a lot of really tough enemies. Um, so two is probably the toughest of the mainline Dragon Quest games and it is probably a lesser one for that. 
Um, it doesn't really have a hook like the later ones do too, but still feels really good to me. And I still really like just being in that world and talking to people and raising up my numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's um, Dragon Quest. <laughs> exactly. Talking to people and raising numbers. Raising up numbers. Um, and raising them quickly because the, the fights rem- the remakes, take a million, million years. Yeah, the remakes make that a lot easier. Yeah, I, I played the Game Boy Color version of Dragon Quest 2. Um, I feel okay. like I could probably go back to the NES games and they'd probably be slower and clunkier. But in everything about yes. the NES games seems slower and clunkier in ways that don't seem as annoying to me as a lot of other NES games and other NES games. I keep coming thinking about it in comparison to like the NES Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't think there's any version of that game that's really solid. Yeah, I, I don't think that <laughs> they've done like a definitive version of that game that has really <laughs> felt like it retained the spirit of the original but corrected some of the flaws. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's the Donna Souls version that just made everything piss easy and added MP. Yeah. And then there's Origins, which is 32, which is like orchestral music over 16-bit graphics over the same game. Just never works. Uh, I, I, I just don't the like NES that version. game. <laughs> so, yeah, Dragon Quest Two is was really satisfying. And Dragon Quest Four is fantastic. I really like that game. Especially coming off of 2, because 4 feels... Coming, kind of coming back to four from five, it felt a little bit dry in comparison. But okay. coming off of two, it has all these cool. It has the whole narrative structure thing where it's divide, where you have the four chapters with the other characters before you actually start playing as the hero, and then go and gather everybody. And that's just a really cool little structural twist that I think works really well. And this is the one with the uh, shopkeeper Trenenko, right? Yeah, that exactly. That okay. that's such a cool chapter, like conceptually, where you play as a shopkeeper, and you can I even like hang out one. in your store and wait for people to come in. Um, Racketeer on the NES, and it's and it's also the only one I've played that actually that actually tries to like flesh out the villain in any way at all. It does it doesn't really, but it adds a little something to it that makes character. A, it makes a noble effort. Yeah, in the other game, Dragon Quest games, the villains, the final bosses are plot devices. Yeah, and that's okay. That's just mm-hmm. what they are. That is just At what least you expect. Their design, their alien so, Akira Toriyama designs, and I love his alien designs. That's true. Almost pretty much, and they're I love them. Just why I love all the random books in Dragon, like Dragon Ball Z or something like that. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Because they all look really fun, still. Uh-huh. They're kind of so, creepy and weird. If it was, like, uh, any other designer, then they'd just be, like, totally freaky. But then he adds kind of a playfulness to them. Yeah, and it's... And mm. All the Dragon Quest final bosses are like that, too. They look mm. really good. Yeah. Um, Fora is probably my favorite final boss of the bunch that I've seen so far. It has this really cool hook to it, where the whole time the villain has been seeking this secret of evolution that will allow him to change his body into the ultimate monster warrior. And um, you fight the previous – you turn into the Lord of the Underworld and you fight the previous Lord of the Underworld early in the game. Well, not earlier in the game. And then for the final boss, he starts off as the same guy as the previous Lord of the Underworld and it's playing the same music. And then you fight him a little bit and then his arm falls off. And then you fight him a little bit more and then his other arm falls off. So and the sprite little, is changing in battle? The sprite is changing mid-battle. Okay. And then you fight him a little more, and in the DS remake, it like gets blown off, and just green blood flies off. It's it's great. 
And then his head flies off. And then it says Zorro's um, body torso writhes ominously. And then this is true in the NAS version. It starts like undulating in his yeah. torso. And then it opens up into a new mouth and eyes open around it. It's so twisted and weird. And then it like grows new arms and it has like the splorchy sound effect to it. It's sort of and, like the first really big quote unquote epic final bosses. Yeah, totally. And Weren't you just talking about how cute the enemies were? I know. Yeah. It, that's the thing is it maintains <laughs> that. It, and it's still the, cute. I, I haven't played cute. Dragon Quest Four, but this sounds, I need to play this one now. Body horror is adorable, Rhett. What are you talking uh, about? <laughs> it's Kira Toriyama body horror. And then its leg, like, falls off and then grows back as bigger. And then another head pulls its way out of the, out of the back and then opens up and its horns grow out of the whole thing. So and the music, the music stops for this point. And it's true in the NAS version. And then a new, eerier song starts up and it opens John's its really second head. <laughs> and it has two heads. He does this. And it's just so weird. And it's so it's cool. Cute. And it's so adorable. <sighs> so yeah, just, this, just give me a Dragon Quest slime. Let me hug it. <laughs> so yeah, it has seven forms, all in all. Jeez. Oh wow! And it's an NES game, and it it's true in the NES game too. And it moves quickly because it's just kind of instead of like having a laborious transformation thing, it just has little tiny scenes that are just long enough to be effective, where the arm will melt off or whatever. Is yeah. it still in battle? It's all in the same battle. It all happens in the same battle. Yeah. I know. So it's completely different from like an Ultimecia or whatever, where it's just completely changing everything about the battle. It's it's like they had two different forms, but then in deciding instead of having it just change from one to the other, they decided to gradually make it make the shift. And it's so much cooler. It's it's much more effective. It's so cool. It's a really cool effect. Yeah. And it's so yeah, that's a really cool hook. And there's this whole big thing where you climb up to heaven and save an angel who broke her wing. And it's just a really sweet game. <laughs> and um, I, I'll always point people towards five first. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm really excited. I, I'm really excited to play three next and see how that one kind of compares. I think, so, the, I think the NES version of four still holds up. I think cool. it's still really good. So cool. if, if if you even you know without the modern conveniences, mm-hmm. um, I played that a few years ago and I still remember enjoying my time with it. Neat, because like I don't really mind pressing a menu to open stairs to go upstairs. That makes sense. It's like I go to the stairs and then I open the menu and select the stairs option. I don't think it really makes sense. Yeah. I think it's just yeah. functional. It's functional yeah. in the terms of this is what you expect of this video game, but I in no way think that that makes sense or is convenient. Okay. Mm-hmm. It just, it makes more sense to me than the weird design choices in Final Fantasy 1. Like, having to buy all the, po- not only having to have 99 potions on you for basically every dungeon, but only being able to buy them one at a time. Yeah. Stuff like that really wore on me in Final Fantasy 1, whereas Dragon Quest, it just makes more sense to me. But, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's, what I really loved in Dragon Quest Four, and I really enjoyed two, and I think, I think I'll probably revisit the Game Boy Color version of one more than I would want to for two, because one has this kind of, 
it's so stripped down and simplistic that it kind of has this light it's RPG charm. Charming. Yeah, it's definitely charming. Um, mm-hmm. I still tell people to play Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior, uh, whichever version mm-hmm. you want to do. I recommend the SNES version, honestly. Cool. Yeah, oh, the Those Game Boy good. Color version is based off of that. Yeah. Same mm-hmm. thing. And I like the, I like the SNES. I like the smaller sprites, I guess. The less okay. detailed sprites. Yeah. Um, I played a few more Game Boy RPGs recently. Got mm-hmm. a few. So Yeah, I saw that. You had Final Fantasy Adventure. Final Fantasy Adventure and Legend 2. Yeah. Which adds Adventure to my is fantastic. I list love that of, game. I've played a little bit of Adventure now. Uh, and from that, I'm I'm liking it, too. Cool. So I've, I've played Sword of Mana before. and That remake right. sounds like garbage. It's... <laughs> Um, Garbage isn't fair, but it sounds nothing at all like what it I. It has its good moments. There's some there's some good moments in there, but there's also some other things. It's a lo- it's not like this. It's not like adventure is so mm. at all. Like adventure is more of a Zelda kind of feel to it that I find it's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, it's cool in a cool weird way. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. the cool thing with Final Fantasy Adventure is that you'll go is that it kind of directs you along and you go through these mostly linear kind of quests and mm-hmm. the story kind of pushes you forward in a n- nice way, sort of like Final Fantasy Four does. And then at the, near the end of the game, it opens up and you can kind of explore this whole world map and you can see how all these different little puzzle pieces fit together. And mm-hmm. you've explored most of the world already. And it feels it's really neat. Mostly, yeah, I just, sort of mana. What it does is just kind of takes you through all those areas, kind of in one kind of long go. Yeah, they don't. There's no fitting it together. It's there's a little no, more boring. Mm-hmm. Music's nice. Mm-hmm. Like Reed, Reed, you told me that's something you really like about Dark Souls, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the world, the world connects around in on each other, mm-hmm. and but there's not really a world map or anything. No, no. Okay, and um. I guess that's it for me. I played another game, but I think we were going to talk about that one later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I imagine that's going to be quite the discussion, but we've still got a few points of business to take care of before I turn you fuckers loose on that. Cool. Uh, the first thing that we've always got to, we got to check in. We got to make sure we've got to, you know, keep our ear to the ground. Rhett, tell me, how's the old early access doing? Uh, it still sucks. All right, moving on. We have some news as well. Rhett, why don't you get us started? Uh, Blizzard has canceled their long in development MMO, codenamed Titan. Oh, I thought that. I thought this was saying that Blizzard was canceling Attack on Titan, and I was really pissed for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, this is a game they've been working on for about, I want to say, seven years, yeah, and they're just much. and they're just flushing it down the drain, just like, yep. That's done. Oof. Must be nice to be able to throw that kind of money around and just be like, yep, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much for that shit. Yeah, it's I always think- a bummer when they release games that they worked on for like seven years and it was clearly just kind of at the end. They were like, well, we got to fit all these assets together <laughs> somehow. Yeah, some so stuff I don't know. that's in development for too long eventually goes bad. Uh-huh. Like Duke. Yeah. What? Who's to say that that was ever going to be good in the first place, though? I mean, maybe for if it would have been released at its time. But even then, if, uh-huh. like, if it was released with the kind of content that it got released with today, even back then, I think it would have been fairly ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, about Titan, what I think is really interesting about this is how 
like World of Warcraft is just about ten years old now, I think. Two thousand four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like we've seen a decade of like companies just trying to take down the king, just MMO one after another failing or going free to play and just never having that same impact. And now even Blizzard is like, Yeah, we don't really have a successor lined up after all. Yeah, I think like um director of the game said something like he just wanted World of Warcraft to run forever. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't see that, but I mean I yeah. think some I mean, stuff like seems quote. like it's working for them. Stuff like EverQuest is probably still around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I just think like this really kind of almost signals like the death of that genre for the most part where there's not going to be another Yeah, I don't think we're ever going hits. to see uh, like anything big like I, I I'm trying to think of the last big game that got a push and it nothing's really coming to mind because even if it got a push, you know, I can guarantee you if it hasn't gone free to play yet, it will. I think Final well, Fantasy 14, the new one is doing okay for itself. It's but. doing okay for itself, not only in terms of its numbers, but just general opinion in that game seems really positive. But, like, World of Warcraft was magnitudes bigger than any other yeah. MMO. It, it's probably not anything we'll ever see again. That's just... It, it's yeah. kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, like the way the way that Minecraft was crazy and what it did... Oh, jeez, yeah. You know... Uh-huh. World oh, of World yeah. of Warcraft definitely got people playing games that never played them before. So it's it's just as ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Is Minecraft basically the closest thing to that kind of? Is, has there been anything? Has there been anything that has that kind of zeitgeist <laughs> since World of Warcraft? Besides Minecraft, I think Minecraft might have more now. Yeah, yeah probably. Minecraft has the kids. Yeah, uh-huh. for the kids, the kids. I. Mm-hmm can't run I into a period it's where got my the ki- it's got the little kids. cousins are not playing Minecraft. Yeah, my little cousin, I went to babysit and sure enough, she was playing Minecraft and it's modding got on it. It's phone, on their phone. Minecraft uh-huh. has the kids and it doesn't have a subscription, right? Yep. That's, yes. But they keep playing it, too. Right. And I just yeah. checked, and it's true, RuneScape still exists. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I well, think it's of... no, I don't. I don't, if you guys probably... Polly and Reed probably have no idea what no idea there, but that was sort of a childhood thing, sort of like RuneScape is stupid. I know, I, I know what RuneScape is. I never played it. Uh, is that the web based one? Yeah, because you weren't you weren't MMO. twelve when it was a thing. Yeah, I've heard of it. I was. No, um, <laughs> is Ultima I online discovered still my around? best friend from high school was an avid RuneScape player. <laughs> we all did. I is, laughed at him. Is oh Ultima God. is Ultima online still around? Probably. <sighs> Yeah, that's how old I am. I was playing that when I was like 18. That was yeah. like one of the early ones right with EverQuest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess Final Fantasy I guess Final Fantasy 11 was huge in Japan, not here. So it did yeah, okay here, I mean. Yeah, but the landscape like stuff just changed when World of Warcraft came out. Like Final Fantasy 11 was popular, EverQuest was popular, uh Lineage 2 was popular. And then mm-hmm. World of Warcraft came out and just like had like ten times the subscriptions of everything else. Yeah, it came and then out. and then kept getting bigger to the point where it was like capped at like sixteen million or something worldwide. Yep, it yeah. was ridiculous. I blame Final Fantasy. No, actually, I blame Fancy Star Online. That's what I blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was ever. that's the good one, right? Is Fantasy Star Online? Yeah, yes. just of this genre. <laughs> yeah. Well. 
it's a little bit different. No, I'm sure honestly. that's it's more of a dungeon there. crawl. Yeah, fa- Fancy Star Online is more like Diablo than yeah. It's it's mm. a hack and slash loot kind of game, okay. and it's four player, and it's four mm. player. I played PSO with y'all for like fifteen hours, so yeah. I kind of have the gist of it. Yeah. Beat Darth Falls. Dark fact: it, it dark <laughs> face. Dark. Dark, dark they, force. Is there's? It's like dark no. Force, like, there's dark Vegas. force, and there's Darth Falls, and they're different characters in the Fantasy Star lore. There's, there's something weird there. Dark forces. My, I think it's just a translation fuck up. My cousin. Okay, I, I could have sworn I remember reading that there's they, they dark dark falls is a different character. My older cousin gave me a rundown in. of the entire Fantasy Star timeline, or at least his opinion on it. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems weird because there's so many of them that were like on the PSP and DS and stuff, like Zero or something. He's more going stopping at Fantasy Star Online when he talks. Okay, that seems more reasonable. The first mm-hmm. four games are kind of self-contained. Yeah. Yeah. And then the online games just kind of go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Explain three's multiple endings to me and how they all well, work. I haven't played three. I won't bother explaining anything about three because it's boring. I yeah. Just, that game lost me so early. I love that I just... game's title screen music. I can yeah. listen to that all day. I, I have a big Fantasy Star guy I follow, and um, he's like... Talk, talked a lot about like the weird things that things that are so weird about three and how it has like one person who worked on any of the other games and everyone else was a different staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and a big part of that is it just it sounds kind of unfinished compared to the other games. I don't know. So you want to know? I'm not going to play three. You want to know a secret? What? Fantasy Star Three was the first game I played in the series. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, you went back. Uh, and four was the second one. <laughs> Smart. I got them go. both from that same cousin. I know which one I'm playing next. Yeah. Oh gosh, you need to play four. Ah, I, I can't play four. It's like the the fan. It's too popular. It's too game. popular. And John, no, that's not trigger it. of and the John, Genesis. And John, and John, and John is a big fat fucking hipster. <laughs> that's play not it. That's four. It's play the ultimate Sinti. ending to the whole series. You need to play one and two to get the co- proper context. Maybe dabble in three to see a little bit of that and see what it's doing, and then you can play four. I like three's music. If that helps enough, sure, a little bit. I love that title <laughs> screen music. I love its title screen music. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. <laughs> Emails. So, with the news out of the way, Brett, I hear you might have some email for us. We got some email beef. People are calling us out. Oh, shit. Really? Any more really? stuff no. on retro Japanese computers? That was my uh, question. Sorry. No, unfortunately. Ah. All right, next time. Be sure to send in questions about retro Japanese computers. <laughs> I'll take I your MSX. Them. I'll take the MSX into further more consideration, even more than I already have. Cool. I'm loving the MSX, by the way. <laughs> ah, rad. Well, I, the, uh, really, everyone should be playing... Emails! Emails! <laughs> emails! Save us, Polly. Emails. Rhett, read an email right now. Okay, so the first email is taking us to task for the the roguelike discussion. Oh, boy. He really didn't like how we defined roguelikes. Okay. Oh, and Lord. This is a bit okay. of a long email, and I've already like edited it down to half size. All right. All right. So, is it that well, we, it didn't have to actually. Be t- <laughs> is that it? All right, go ahead. 
Well, actually, the things you guys all bring up as being core to, quote, roguelikes, like permadeath, having to eat, dungeon crawling, are all secondary to the true defining thing about roguelikes, the core gameplay. Roguelikes are grid and turn-based games where you move square by square, and every time you move or attack, the enemies do too. That is the core defining thing about roguelikes. Games like... Oh, no. Keep... Let me go for a few more minutes. I'm calling Wait. first answer on this one, by the way. Okay. okay. Games like Binding of Isaac, where you, which you mentioned in the podcast, are not roguelikes. Permadeath does not make a game a roguelike. Dungeon crawling does not make a game a roguelike. It's the grid and turn-based action that make it roguelikes. Claiming that Binding of Isaac is a roguelike is saying Gears of War is a first-person shooter. Dungeons of Dreadmore, on the other hand, is a roguelike. It has the core gameplay of what makes a roguelike a roguelike. Changing the definition of what makes a roguelike like you have is completely changing the core of what it is. I should add that the only roguelike I've ever played is Zetai Hero Project Unlosing Ranger vs. Dark Death Dark Evil Dead. Man. A oh, game okay. without permadeath. I love that so, title. <laughs> my favorite roguelike is chess. Okay, one second. Okay. Seriously, though, I disagree with you because what I think the definition of video game genres should be based on the core gameplay, not everything surrounding it. As such, I think it's the turning grid-based nature that is the definition of roguelikes. You can believe what you want, but I disagree with you. Okay, Polly, go. Here's my answer to your email. Oh. <clears throat> Genres fucking evolve. Get over it. Yeah, you're gonna wake somebody up with that. I don't I'll go with that. Plus, yep. you're literally saying that like chess is a roguelike or glitch tank. That game, I, I think there's tons of games that are operate turn based on a grid that have nothing in common with like Rogue or Eight Six Eight Hack or any of those or Dungeons of Dreadmore. Mm-hmm. That seems like a really shallow reading yeah. of that genre. I think it's. So the one thing I really thought about was how at the end he says it's the core gameplay that defines a genre, not like the stuff surrounding in it. I agree. And I can't really, I can't agree with that either because then I wouldn't call Final Fantasy thirteen an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> then what is it? Final Fantasy thirteen, if by that definition, is a uh, is a cinematic movie <laughs> <laughs> where I press a button sometimes and things happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I don't like 13 that, much. that doesn't sound like it's fitting in. It doesn't sound like it's uh, that like it's latching onto the core uh, core gameplay. It sounds like it's taking the shallow perspective and how it plays and d- using that as a defining attribute as a port, as opposed to the actual things that make those games work, the actual core. Yeah. Cuz it's like the genre I can compare this the most to with my experience is metroidvania which i feel is also a very kind of abused and misused term a lot of the time but the one thing i think that defines a metroidvania is not it has to be a 2d perspective and have jumping on platforms like that's not what makes the core of that genre for me where it's more gathering power-ups and unlocking new areas and that doesn't necessarily have to be a platformer. And can I just yeah. say that saying that, like, if you told me that Gears of War was a first-person shooter I'd just call you an idiot because that's that's not even the same thing as saying... I know. As, as trying to call a roguelike, 
you know, Binding of Isaac or, you know, what what the fuck ever. Because it's not a first-person game. Yeah, Gears of War is a third-person shooter. If you look at Gears of War and think first-person shooter, you're just an idiot. This is just merely a case of a genre evolving. Mm -hmm. Because if if you said, if I told you that Binding of Isaac is a turn-based, grid-based roguelike, (laughs) then yeah, that'd be wrong. (laughs) But... (laughs) That's not what we're saying. We're saying that Binding of Isaac is a successor to Rogue. It is a rogue-like, a rogue-adjacent, rogue-esque. The best you'd be able to get here is that rogue-like is not a genre. It's like a theme where it's mm-hmm. you know what people mean when they're talking about that. Right. And like mm-hmm. Binding of Isaac could be like an action rogue-like as opposed mm-hmm. to a turn-based rogue-like. It's the essence and of Splunky, the thing. And Splunky's a platformer rogue-like. Mm-hmm. Like games are too complex to really distill into one word. For and the, the, way, genre, the way with genres are evolving and and just mixing and getting all sexy with one another these days. It's, I mean, like it's harder to pin down one individual thing that anything is by you know by just being so restrictive about titles like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like fucking everything is an RPG these days. And maybe we're defining genres wrong. Doubling. I don't even like genres. I use them as little mm-hmm. as I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about genres, the Steam page is ridiculous. Oh, where my God. Browse oh. by a genre, and it has indie. That's not a <laughs> fucking genre. Like, indie is one of their top genres. Every, so. time I, every time I see that, I want to just fucking stab someone. <laughs> like, half the store is tagged as indie mm-hmm. now, so whatever. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for the email, and we hope you <laughs> keep listening to our podcast. If you oh, want a good... Roguelike, you should play Baroque. Ooh, that's that game mine. sounds cool. There's mine. There's mine. I want to play my favorite Roguelike. Wait, I have. I need a question on this. Are Baroque and Brogue not the same thing? Baroque, they are yeah, different. No, Baroque is yeah, not. Yeah, they are different. Okay, Brogue is that... a 2009 PC freeware game. Baroque is a game that was on the Sega Saturn and got ported to the Wii like 10 years later. It's also on PS2. Oh, okay, it is. Okay. I read about Baroque. There's a PS2. They're the same thing. Baroque was on Zeal. Um, okay. So that's where I got you, exposed to it. Yes. I read about that yesterday, and I'm thinking, was John just saying Brogue like, by accident the whole podcast? No. Okay. Rogue with a B is what I was thinking of. Okay. Next Don't email. This one. Uh, this one's calling you out, John. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. Actually, Cybernator was Assault Suit Vulcan 1 in Japan, not Assault Suits Vulcan 2, as John professes. The <gasps> Mega Drive... The Mega Drive predecessor was Assault Suit Lanos, released as Target <gasps> Earth in North America. The real Assault Suit Vulcan 2 was a PlayStation release, where Assault Suit Lanos got a Saturn sequel. Get your shit together, Wiki John. Yeah, there are bigger nerds than John around here. <laughs> I was actually doing that part from memory, but, and I actually haven't played any of the Cybernator games, so... Okay, you're right. I was wrong. I think I remember that now. We're going to punish him adequately, <laughs> don't worry. I've got a dungeon in my basement. He will be in it once he is finished with this podcast. Don't worry. Is your dungeon turn-based? Yes, (laughs) of course. (laughs) I take a step, and then John takes a step. Are there random encounters? Classify these. Are there random encounters, or is everything in first person? Is there permadeath? (laughs) My dungeon is a first-person shooter, just like Gears of War. Are there resources to collect? (laughs) Well, if you you try to... There is hunger. There will definitely be hunger. Don't you worry. Your hunger meter will be skyrocketing by the time we're done. Don't worry. 
What hunger are we talking about here? <laughs> In your belly. In your belly, idiot. Sure. <laughs> Any more email? Yes, there's one more. All right, hit us up. If you could only recommend one album, which would it be? Oof. Ooh. Oof. Well, let's see here. Uh, Rhett, you go first. Oh, geez. Yeah, I was hoping to get more time to think about this because I just read well, this email. I would okay. say uh, that first Mars Volta album. Uh, Deloused in the Comatorium. Yes, I love that album. Uh, Tommy. I am thinking here. <laughs> I can go. If I would recommend one album, it would be John. a really weird 90s album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tears for Fears Elemental. <laughs> good choice. I love that album. Very good choice. John? Okay. Well, I just got a whole bunch of music recommended to me on Twitter, and I have that in a list on my computer, so mm-hmm. I'm going to start pouring through that soon. I've basically been listening to the same music for like four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you've got, and you've got to pick one. Back to your choice, huh? I'm kind of sick of all of it at this point, but my favorite is of them is probably The Downward Spiral. Spanish Nails. Okay. I really like that album. Um, but yeah, I and I'm also just not very musically knowledgeable. I'm really working on wanting to expand my horizons there as much as I can. So my shallow perspective, I've really dug into Nine Inch Nails and the Downward Spiral a lot. And I think, I think recent years I've been more influenced lately, uh, probably by Coheed and Cambria. And I would probably choose um, Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star for Volume 1 from Fear Through from the Fear Eyes of Madness. <laughs> I freaking love that album. That That is just, I think it is probably like the culmination of their best work. I still think they're doing great stuff. The Afterman <laughs> albums are good. I like both of Afterman. But um, yeah, Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star for Volume 1. It's... Did you recommend that to me or did I pick that up on my own and you said it was good? Maybe you recommended it to me, and Jetstorm saw it. Maybe that was it. I don't. I don't know how you came into it. I picked up the album a couple of years ago for like six bucks, and I went on a musical journey. Good album. <laughs> that. that that that's my pick. I think that album is just really well rounded, uh, and it's really tight and concise all the way through. There's not a dud on it. Just great album all, all I, in all. I'll agree with that. So is that it for emails? That is it for emails. Well, Mr. Rhett, oh boy. I've, I've got a pretty big responsibility to hand over to you, and I need to know if I can trust you with it. No, but you're going to have to. I'm going to have to, because I'm not going to be here for this next portion of the podcast, because I don't have much to say about the topic at hand, so I'm turning the rest of the show over to our good pal Rhett to do the hosting duties and... If it sucks, yell at him. Yep, great. I'll, ca- I'll catch you folks later. Enjoy your discussion. Cool. Hey, folks, for our big discussion this week, we have decided to tackle the legendary Zelda game, Majora's Mask. As you may remember from episode one, John and I were playing it, and we finally both finished it, so we decided to do a big-ass discussion on it, and that's why Jetstorm is on the podcast this week as well. He's a huge fan, 
And I just want to say one thing. If you do not care about Majora's Mask whatsoever, just stop listening now, because this is going to be a pretty in-depth spoiler cast. And we're not going to... Or just keep listening, and then maybe you'll get interested in playing it. But we're going to talk about damn near everything from bosses and bosses ending some theories. We're going to do the whole shebang Shebang. here. Yeah. (laughs) Shabuamo, as they say. So, just to start, uh, what is your history with the Zelda series? I mention this because... John and I, you know, we're playing this game 14 years after it came out. So, John, what led to you deciding to pick up Majora's Mask now? Um, I played Link to the Past when I was a kid. Um, I've played basically all the other worthwhile Zelda games. I've played 1, 2, Link's Awakening, Ocarina. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to wrap this one, scratch this one off the list. And then it turned out to be really good. So, I'm glad I did. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh Thomas? My history with the series kind of comes from my mom, actually. Oh. Um, Some of my earliest memories is watching my mom play through the original Legend of Zelda. Oh. And her beating it. By the way, my mom has beaten the original Legend of Zelda. But (laughs) that's a lesson. Better than I can say. Um, I didn't play Zelda 2 before this uh, game at all. Uh, Link to the Past I did, though. And Link to the Past is... probably my favorite Zelda game, this and Majora's Mask. I played Ocarina of Time when it came out as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably one of the biggest kind of games that leads me to what kind of games I like today is Ocarina of Time. However, Majora's Mask is just something completely different. Um, I got it for Christmas uh, after it came out. And uh, the strategy guide uh, that I actually still have is a guide that I've had way before I even owned the game. But um, I kind of went into this game knowing it's not like Ocarina of Time at all. Cool. And really wanting cool. to get into it. And I was about nine years old when I uh, got Majora's Mask. Jeez, I can't imagine Badass. playing this game as a nine-year-old. Oh, God. It's, it's kind of hard. Yeah. My save file is still intact. <laughs> nice. <laughs> From it. So I played the first two Zelda games, the NES ones, when they were new, but I was a little kid and never got very far in them. And then I played this NES one, uh, Link to the Past, and I beat that, but it never really stuck with me for some weird reason. And then I played Ocarina of Time, and that became like one of my favorite games of all time. I really loved that game. And then for some reason, I just skipped over Majora's Mask, and I'm not really sure why... Because it came out in, I think, 2000, and the Dreamcast was out by then. I think it launched against the PlayStation 2 and Mega Man Legends 2. And I just kind of felt like I didn't have time for a game on the N64 at that point. But here I am, getting back to it 14 years later. And <laughs> I think it was worth it. Cool. So, figured we're just going to talk about the whole damn game, start to finish. So, first thing that really strikes you about the game, well, obviously, is... The first hour where, up till you get the ocarina back from Skull Kid. Uh, mm-hmm. And then do your first warp back through time. Yeah. I know so many people who give up at this point in the game. Yeah, totally. Most people I have talked to with Majora's Mask, I find a lot of people don't like this game. Hmm. But it's mostly because they haven't really played it. They've well, only played this first section of the game. And that's what made them give up? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think Majora's Mask is a game that's very inaccessible, and I think it advertises that in a neat way in the first hour. The first, the first hour, we can all agree that the first hour is really striking, right? Oh, yeah, I think it's so like good. might be the best part of the entire game, honestly. It's okay. certainly my it's... favorite like Zelda intro. Um, 
like the other first hours, like play the first hour <laughs> of Wind Waker, Ocarina, or Twilight Princess. I mean, the and they newer- try to ease you into the game. They're like, all right, we're going to kind of lead you along and let you figure out a few of these things about how to play the game. Then we'll lead you towards the first dungeon and it'll be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Majora's Mask is more like they have their tone and their story that they're going for and they know what it is that they're trying to do. And they present that in a really cool way in the first hour. And it's a little... It sort of drops you into the time uh, yeah. that you're going to be doing. You're going through these events that are are always flowing in this order of this. Mm-hmm. And now it's your job to kind of play around with that. This is kind of your introduction to, say, stray fa- even stray fairies, too. You know, finding the stray yeah. fairy. Yeah, knowing totally. that it appears in different places based on what time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, based on what time it appears in the one place or the other, depending on day or night. Mm-hmm. And a lot, and since it's kind of hard to find all the kids, there's a lot of chance that you might screw up once and have the moon fall in your head. So, um, I don't think it's that hard, but I guess I never have really trouble with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For I me, didn't say just, that first time player, the there's a chance, right there's a pretty significant chance that you'll, that you might, um, have the moon fall on you. Yeah, is all I, I, mean. I came mm-hmm. pretty darn close to failing my first time. Yeah, For me, me too. It was like just this perfectly paced hour or so where I'm just trying to start learning the town and I'm trying to find the stray fairy. And I really took a while to find that damn stray fairy because it needed to be night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, it changes location. Yeah. Based you, on where you are, it's in the uh, laundry mm-hmm. area in the, uh, during the day. Are That's you, where I found it. Are you able to get it as a Deku there? Yes. Oh. Uh, the Deku can hop over water. Yeah, I know that now. I, I'm not yeah, sure if I realized they, that at the they time. can hop over water. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of learned that in the beginning of the game, in that first area, after you become a Deku Scrub. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's where I kind of learned how to do that. I remember my first time playing. I know it was late at night when I first time playing it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. For me, I didn't find the Stray Fairy until the second night. Oh, wow. I'm like really rushing. You are like, screwed for time. Yeah, that's what happened with me too. So I talked so to the kids, like, and they start the game, but then it was I like started at five a.m., so it immediately ended, and then I had to start that over, and then the Oof. whole rest was just this rush to like the observatory and then back to the end. And I'm like, <laughs> I have yeah. Like, once you get the observatory, I think you're fine. After but like, that. I had like four minutes at that point. I'm just like rushing, rushing, <laughs> rushing back to the thing. Oh, it was it was so exhilarating. Oh, I'm like, this was a hell of an intro. Because I exactly. did it my first time, but like just barely, like less mm-hmm. than a minute. Probably you probably had the best possible experience. Yeah, I think that, that is. Um, I think a lot of times I usually whenever I go back to Majora's Mask, I usually have everything done by the first day because I know where everything is now. Yeah, uh, so mm-hmm. it's nothing. Does... But I remember probably being second. I think first time it was probably the second day. Like it was, I was nine. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Does the number ever change that the, that the kids give you? I think it's no. randomized every every playthrough. It's, it's randomized it's every playthrough, in the play but it's itself. static the entire the way through itself. Yeah. That's really cool, then. So, which is perfect. Yeah, right? it's like the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to play that side quest no matter what, unless mm-hmm. you're a crazy speedrunner. There's a way to skip it. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, maybe we should talk about not talk about the speedruns yeah. and stuff in normal. So play, yeah, the first that. the first hour. Build is a really good way to mm-hmm. kind of introduce you to a lot of aspects of that game and also just give you a portrait of how that game presents mm-hmm. itself. I but think. in a way, 
I think it's almost kind of misleading because the rest of the game does not have the time crunch pressure to that degree yeah, in any way. Yeah, which is kind of a bummer. There's so. one particular side quest that might, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. After we finish the first hour and we go back in time for the first time and then we turn back into Link, mm-hmm. then we're just kind of set loose in Clocktown for a little while and we can kind of yeah. piece our way around yeah. this game. And Clocktown is so cool, I think, because oh it's this super dense network of human beings with Especially these schedules. Especially compared to Ocarina of Time. Yeah, compared I to think Ocarina of Time. it's better if you do that. Like, you mm-hmm. have Ocarina of Time's big air, you know, look, Hyrule Castle Town is a boring place. Yeah, Nothing's happening in, in there. Just a bunch of people gathered around. They're all kind of static things. Mm-hmm. Majora's Mask takes that whole time mechanic and has every NPC follow that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so everybody has their own pace that they follow. And it's really cool to see this bustling area, you know, getting ready for a... Actually, they're getting ready for a, you know, festival yeah. here soon. So it's a little more interesting than that. It's, you know, tourism, trying to pe- get people gather for the mask festival. Uh, then you have all the problems with people thinking the moon's going to fall. People think that the moon's not going to fall. Yeah, it's really interesting how on day three, the mood is totally Ooh. different and it's just, it's empty. Like, people, most of the characters the have evacuated. The last night is creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have the terrifying song playing. Oof. Oh, the, um... The night theme is, yeah. On the last day, yeah. The last hour, the last hours, which is a yep. remix of a fun, awesome, my favorite remix of Ganon's theme. <laughs> That's oh, what that is? It's oh Ganon's theme? Oh, <laughs> it's good Ganon God. It's Ganon's theme. From the, from the, the final boss battle? Go hear it. That's cool. Well, as you know, like the whole, uh, you know, da, 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 da. It's, it's a remix of that. Jeez. But like, um, if you didn't notice, down. there you go. It's, that is my oh. favorite version of that song. Cool. That's really neat. Yeah, there's some cool stuff with the music themes in this game where they get used in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like the main overworld theme is just super cool and how it's slightly eerie and everything. Mm-hmm. So after Clock Town, I guess... Did you guys engage with the mini games that much? Um, kind of the important ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, never... Clocktown also has a few ways to really make money easily. Uh, there's a certain chest that I always visit. Yeah. I think like Clockwork every time. Uh, it's in East. Yeah, it's in East Clocktown. Yeah, it's like a hundred. There's a chest that's on the rooftop. It's a hundred rupees every time, every cycle. Oh dang, uh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I didn't build up money for the uh, for a later side of the quest. Mm-hmm. I never found that myself, but I saw the speedrunners using it, and I'm like, oh, damn, I wish I had known about that. Yeah. It's cool, though, because it's one of those things that once you know it's there and you can hit it every cycle, like, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. speeds things up. Yeah. I guess that's just the main thing. It's just this one town, and it's so dense with secrets and people. And because of the time schedule stuff, they really do feel like actual people mm-hmm. compared to stuff like Ocarina of Time, where they're more just scripts of dialogue or hell Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. And even I think a lot of it kind of helps with Majora's Mask that I don't think Majora's Mask does the whole adventure thing that a lot of Zelda fans that seem to think that Zelda does. In what way? It really doesn't sell. I don't know. With the I always notice with Zelda games, a lot of people 
like say adventure is the biggest part of Zelda. I don't agree with that for all of them. I'd say with the game like Wind Waker, it does. But with Majora's Mask, we're focused on a small area of what's obviously a larger world, I think. Uh-huh. Maybe something else. And just if you go by that, it's Yeah, it feels really contained. It's a lot smaller area. More contained, but it feels more lifelike because of it. Yeah, I agree. But I think Versus like say, Hyrule Field, which is this big empty expanse right. and it's just comparatively Which lifeless. Zelda doesn't really do adventure well. Uh, even Link to the Past, I don't think does the adventure thing because it's kind of also a, kind of a self-contained area in itself. I think Hyrule is pretty self-contained when done right. I mean, I think the nature of the older games was you couldn't have huge expansive areas like the ocean. Right. But I think that's mm-hmm. what they were going for. It was just mm-hmm. Wind Waker. I think, I think they fit at the idea of the adventure. They are Quests, basically. Stories where mm-hmm. you're going after these items so that you can beat the right. wizard and save the princess. It's one large giant puzzle box that I need to solve. I just, I know a lot of people... Which I guess Majora's Mask is, is yeah. too, but I mm-hmm. th- it's just a different sort of mood, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The mood is completely different. But I, still, I still think Agreed. there's a sense of adventure, like, yeah. when you're starting the small town and by the end where you're on top of the, the Stone Tower temple... Uh, yeah, kind of look back at how far you've come since the beginning. Yeah, can, can't wait to talk about that area. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. But first, how about we talk about the Southern Swamp? Uh, um, I'm not sure I have as much to talk about this one yeah. it, compared to some of the later areas. It's just kind of a slow pace. Uh, just a is. I think the Poison Swamp is kind of interesting. I think Metroid Prime does that too, mm-hmm. where you go mm-hmm. and kill the swamp creature and it unpoisons all the water. Right. Mm-hmm. When you take on Flagra and of that of the Chozo Ruins. Yeah. Which comes which actually goes into uh the one of the really interesting things in Zelda in Majora's Mask is that once you've unpoisoned Southern Swamp and then you go back in time and then you go back it's, to Southern Swamp, it's poison again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll talk I, we can talk about that yeah. when we get to Woodfall. Yeah, but uh, I think a little bit more. So, and kind of how Majora's Mask handles its dungeons and bosses. Mm-hmm. Well, but, I, uh, I think this is relevant. Just like that's a big thing in Majora's Mask is like no matter all of these side quests that you're doing and people that you're helping, they when you go back in time, it all <laughs> it just reverts. Yeah. So it's forcing you to ask yourself it's if it, anything you're doing is actually worth a damn, which I think yeah. is. A really interesting challenge, and I think, I think ultimately might be ahead of its yourself yeah. here, though. Sorry, oh, you may want to stop there. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, let's. I think that'll be in well, the ending. There's yeah. a big question there in the ending the where ending. we <laughs> we're get, we're where we want to talk over. about that. We're not at the ending yet. All right, so then, then we get to well, the first temple. Oh, right? oh, I'm the one. <laughs> oh, actually, with the Southern Swamp, I, I do want to take a few things on that. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, especially with how Majora's Mask is kind of built. Mm-hmm. Like in how it handles, you know, it requires the four meg memory for the N sixty four. Uh huh. And this is an area that you can really see a difference in that. If you know Stockton at time and its woods and its lost woods versus Southern Swamp, and just how different it looks. Did is Ocarina? it just bigger or just just bigger? the different textures? Different oh, textures yeah. used the different the uh, more you know more detailed textures. Just how colorful it looks. Mm hmm. It felt compared like, to like Ocarina of Time. It felt like Majora's Mask had less loading zones as well. Yeah, I like, got that. When you're walking over like to the witch's house, 
like the map just kind of shifts over without a real load. Like you just walk through yeah. a narrow tunnel. It's really slick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then you just co you know Koma and Kotake are back and yeah, they're potion de- they deal potions. Mm-hmm. I love them in Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah. The one thing that really struck me about Southern Swamp the first time is that. Like, you've got the first hour of the game where you're really rushing and rushing, and, like, you come to Southern Swamp, and the pace of the game really kind of dramatically changes, where you don't right. really have to worry about the timer as much. But, like, I had drilled into my head so much, like, you're on a timer, you're, you you got to rush. Like, I ended up restarting time way needlessly in this part where, mm-hmm. like, I would do one thing and go, okay, I know how to do that, and then reset, and, like, do it again and faster. <laughs> Like, it seems mm-hmm. like you're just wor- maybe you're more worried about not hitting that time limit in time. But yeah. now that you have access to the Song of Time whenever you want, you can obviously change the clock back. Yeah, I more find myself playing Majora's Mask whenever I do. I do certain events first, and then I go back in time. Mm-hmm. Like do up to certain events. Like I would learn the Sonata of Awakening, and then get to the Owl Statue in front uh-huh. of Woodfall Temple, and then reset time from there. Yeah, I think you can do well, the areas in one timeline, and then you can do the dungeons in the next one. Yeah. Right. That's a pretty solid pace. That's definitely the intended pacing, I think. Uh-huh. But for me, it was like, I thought I had learned how to use the beans, so I reset time, and then I went to the bean vendor, oh. and he said I didn't know how to do them. I'm like, <laughs> what? And so I had to like do everything else mm-hmm. over again. But then yeah. I think you realize... There's a lot of like, ugh, moments like that. I yeah. Don't think okay. So actually... the mask also does weird things with puzzles that Ocarina of Time never did, and I know I'm comparing a lot to Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it's a worthwhile it's comparison. Pretty much. In... <laughs> I think it. I think it is because it's based on almost the same, almost the same engine. Uh, it's got to be the same engine. The, it, this game graphics was made in engine a year. is obviously very different. Mm-hmm. Graphics engine is a little bit different. Probably uh, uses more memory. Like I said. Yeah. But it was made in the year. You're right, and uh, a lot of assets were reused again. There's different models, of course, like the deck, the DQs are all redesigned and they mm-hmm. look wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Deku society that's in Woodfall. Yeah, I really like that. Really good. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the same. I'm comparing it to Ocarina of Time a lot. It's kind of where I came in when I played it, is how different it was and how I liked it, I think, even more. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as I kept playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel a little more lived in, I think. And the other thing you yeah, was going to mention with the magic beans, how many times do you use magic beans in Ocarina of Time? I used it in the Southern Swamp and then never again. Oh, Ocarina of Time. Oh, there's magic, magic beans. beans in Ocarina of Time? Yes, there are. Isn't it like <laughs> once? I don't remember. There's a couple of time, more times Majora's Mask you use magic beans. There's a couple of times you use a lot of weird different stuff. There's a couple of like times bomb, where you can use magic beans, shoes. and I just bomb said, fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, bomb shoes had a really big push in in Majora's Mask. Really? I never used them there. I I guess because I didn't do all the masks. Well, you didn't do the moon dungeon. The moon dungeon. Yep, that's it. Oh, yeah, there's that's the one point. The Mm -hmm. fourth kid. But we're getting ahead of ourselves as well, again. Mm -hmm. So the one one other thing I noticed in the swamp though was that the NPCs with the two witches when you talk to one really early on the first day, she won't even mention that her sister is missing because it's only been a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. And then if you talk to her later in the day, she'll be like, oh, my sister is missing. But then by, oh, day, so cool. t- but then by day two, like there'll be a little cutscene where you see her going into the forest. 
So it's an interesting yes. thing where the time really matters. That. Like that side quest is kind of difficult to complete on day two and later because you can't buy a red potion. Mm-hmm. And, I re- and she won't give you a red potion. I, she yeah. can give you a red potion. There's a couple different ways you can do it. Yeah. yeah. But day one, you can go and find You're right, it does make it more challenging. And then go back, get a red potion, and then go into the woods again mm-hmm. to do it. It's interesting that compared to a lot of the main areas, that one felt much more time-sensitive in comparison to almost everything yeah. else. Probably because it's denser with like humans or with like people. I just mean like, that as, specifically that something yeah. changes about the side quest on day two. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then I really like the stealth section in the Deku Palace because it went to the really overhead view. Yeah, that was kind of cute. And you had the line of sight stuff. See the line of sights yeah. at, during the day. You can't see them at night, I think. Or is it either yeah. way around? It's one of those. I noticed they mm-hmm. did. It, yeah, it's one of those. I can't remember. Yeah, more time-sensitive stuff. That is cool. It's also funny how someone told me the stealth in this game was absolutely terrible, and then I do the Deku stuff, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad, and then I had no idea what was coming later. Mm. Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but for now, I think we should move so, on to Woodfall Temple. Yeah, which is the first of the dungeons in the game. Because, mm-hmm. all right, just if you haven't played it, then there's four, four dungeons in Majora's Mask. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but because the areas before the dungeons are a lot more lengthy, and because the dungeons themselves are really big, um, mm-hmm. it kind of it really fits the t- pacing of the game. I think. I think any more would have been unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Woodfall's the smallest of the dungeons, but mm-hmm. it's pretty small. Honestly, I have to go back and compare Ocarina of Time again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> uh, the Child Dungeons in Ocarina of Time feel nothing like Woodfall. Because there's no keys. There's no keys in the child dungeons in Ocarina You're right, of time. there aren't. I think that kind of is... That could be a big thing there. Mm-hmm. But they are a lot easier, aren't they? On um, the child dungeons? Yeah. Yeah, partially. Time. Yeah. And Woodfall well, has some weird puzzle. Has some pretty cool puzzles. I almost think I might really like the child dungeons in Ocarina of Time because they don't have the keys mm-hmm. um, thing to fall back on. So they can't just be Zelda dungeons, which yeah. leads to more kind of real or puzzles i think like jumping mm-hmm. down into the spider web in the in the first dungeon and a couple things like that mm-hmm. i don't think majora's um, mask overuses keys though no it doesn't there's only like three in stone temple mm-hmm. like one in yeah the you're right day. yeah they're it's pretty tactful about that um in general i really like majora's mask dungeons um i think stone i think this first one woodfall temple is probably the least interesting like conceptually but I think it is a good introductory segment. What do you guys think? Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I really like the puzzle at the end where you have to like shoot the arrow through the fire in order to light something. That's Oh, that was clever. That was something where you like you kinda of had to think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when yeah, it works you're actual... just yeah, I have to light this torch, but I have no way to carry it oh wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's an actual puzzle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which are Really kind of rare in Zelda games. Zelda, yeah, it's kind of rare. It's, an it's actual... mostly just like walking around rooms, shooting eyes, yeah. getting keys, opening doors. And or then every now and then there are these... To roll the eye around. Yeah, and then every now and then there are these real puzzles that aren't just like light the torches. And I really find those mm-hmm. moments super satisfying. And Majora's Mask has a lot of those. It's like something that makes sense in the real world, kind of. Yeah. It's not or, a lock and key, it's shooting of thing through fire to catch it on fire like that makes mm-hmm. sense 
but when it works, you're just like, oh, that felt real and not video gamey. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's the moments when Zelda actually feels more like a Team Ico game for a minute. <laughs> okay. And I think is a worthwhile compare. Like Ico is nothing but those puzzles, and I think it's stronger for it. Mm-hmm. But you can't mm-hmm. take out all that. St- there's all of that lock and key stuff is kind of what makes Zelda what it is. Yeah. So I feel like that's just this is the, the Majora's Mass dungeons are probably my favorite iteration of that flavor of Zelda dungeon. I would agree. A lot of my favorite dungeons are Majora's Mask dungeon. Mm-hmm. Probably all four of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good. Uh, yeah. So I feel like I don't. I have issues with that whole structure, but as Majora's Mask iteration is probably my favorite version of it. Because once you get you have a, a Zelda boss that doesn't really use the dungeon item. I know. I yes. love that. The all of them are so like good. that. Oldawa is badass. A very cool first boss. Uh huh. It's just this action scene. It's very kinetic <laughs> and exciting. The, when, this is what happens when you get to Wind Waker is that all of these dungeons feel like choreo- these choreographed sequences. Where I you're just kind of being can agree with that. Let along. You get the item. You go, oh, I need to use this new item here. Oh, look, I, there's a grapple hook there. I better use the grapple point and then hit the boss three times using the grapple point. And it's just this tedious exercise and the Majora's Mask dungeons feel more like these actual puzzle boxes instead of these choreograph instead of this choreograph nonsense. And I really love it for that. Yeah, the whole trend of get the dungeon item, use the dungeon item on the boss is really played out by this point. I really like that Majora's Mask finally broke away from that. Mm-hmm. I like finding my dungeon items in dungeons, but I don't always like using them on bosses. <laughs> yeah. I do like these like, you do get the bow in Woodfall Temple. And you can use yeah, the bow in Odawa. You can use it to stun him. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's really not the one way to stun him to open him up to right. damage. It's not you, can also you use, use the... You, it's not you use the grapple hook to just stun the, <laughs> stun the lava boss. Yeah. The lava spider. Blah, blah, blah. Shoot it in the eye. Shoot it in the eye <laughs> with an arrow. But it better be a fire arrow because it is glowing red. <laughs> <laughs> and you got the fire arrow in the lava dungeon. Yeah, so that yes. that stuff is tedious to me. Um, and yeah, Aldo, Aldoa, the bosses are all... Plus the way they incorporate the bosses throughout just the whole thing. But yeah, Adalwa is super cool. Oh yeah, it's you know mask jungle warrior thingy that... Mm-hmm. It felt like it felt like a real fight and not just... More threatening than, like I said, the child dungeons. Not yeah. during the time. Yeah, that's what... Additionally frightening is that you're not even adult Link. Like, there's this guy who's, like, however, 20 feet tall. You're just like, I have to fight that? I know. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Dark Souls a bit. Mm. Like, where it's more, like, <laughs> hit-and-move tactics than just, like, okay, wait for the choreographed weak point to appear and smack that. Mm-hmm. So, moving on, I guess, to Snowhead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And c- kind of continuing on from like the poison and the swamp is that everything is cold and dead. Everything's oh, we didn't supposed that when to you be beat like. Odawa, did we mention that when you beat Odawa, the poison fades away? Yep. Oh, yes. We did I a little bet. bit. Did we mention that, you know, you can refight the bosses every cycle? That's true. You can refight the bosses. It's interesting. You'll like go in. If you revisit the dungeon, then the boss like yells over you as you enter. Hey, why it's do you like, have my dead body? Hey, yeah. Why are you carrying my dead body? Here's a warp. I want to see you and figure out why you're carrying my corpse. And then you can fight him and then you'll heal the swamp again. 
but there's no reason to because once you do, it all just turns back into swamp the second you restart the cycle. But when I need swamp water that's not poisoned, you have to do that side quest. Yeah, exactly. Comes, that, actually, that actually comes into this next area. Mm-hmm. I think even more. Cool. And yeah, Snowhead. Snowhead's Snowhead. really cool because you got the Gorons, and the Gorons are adorable. And um, I think this is the part where it started hitting me how like weird and abstract the fetch quest stuff is in Majora's Mask. Because it's like you need to get this thing that shows invisible icon, I- invisible things, so that you can see the giant floating invisible Gorons. <laughs> but you need the lullaby so you can put the giant floating invisible Goron to sleep, so it doesn't blow you off the bridge before you get to the boss fight. And in order to get the lullaby, you have to go to the kid. And I actually forgot the steps leading up to that. Yeah, you need to find his father, get the first part of the melody, and then yeah, and just like with the you know the witch side quest, you have the father actually moves location closer to Snowhead every day. Oh, does he? Oh, cool. He does. He does change the location every day. He's still frozen, no matter what you find. So he's like struggling to move towards his kid, even though he's frozen. Well, actually, no. He's yeah. Weird. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's it just kind of fits in with Majora's Mask as a whole is that it's all like it has these weird and human moments and they're built into this shell that's like super video gamey and abstract and Nintendo y. <laughs> oh yeah. And I kinda hate that and I'm kinda okay with it too, because if you want to fix it, you kinda have to change the whole game. So I don't know. But yeah, that's when I started realizing how weirdly abstract all that all the Zelda fetch quests are. Yeah, mm-hmm. the part was weird with the invisible platforms that you had to jump on. Yeah, I think the I think the invisible eye thing is stupid. I think, was it in Ocarina? Yeah, it was. Yes, it's probably stupid there too. But it's especially stupid in Majora's Mask because you only use it for that area, and then like once in the next two areas, it's like yeah. you walk into a room and there's nothing you can do, and you think maybe I use my invisible eye, and then there's <laughs> a floating platform, and it's just like, what is the point of having this thing? It just well, the truth is a uh, it's a kind of a stable for the, these three these these uh, two especially. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a stupid stable. It's, Both in there. Yeah. I I like I like it. It's all right. Mm-hmm. There's just so many items already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are a lot of items in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a lot of twenty four like, masks. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm gonna say well, a lot of things really- that sound super negative, even though I really like this game, and mm-hmm. you can just we can just roll with that. I'll mute you. Speaking mm-hmm. of okay. rolling. <laughs> oh, you get the Goron. Oh, the Goron mask. <laughs> okay. That's actually a super cool thing in the game is all the different masks completely change like the movement. Yeah. And then there's actual reasons to change into those different masks like constantly throughout the game that feel natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like how uh, Ocarina of Time really focused on the sword fights against bigger enemies like the Stelphos and stuff. And uh-huh. in this game, it felt like that stuff does play in a bit towards the end, but early on, there's really not a lot of sword fighting stuff. So it's yeah, like barely any. You encounter a couple wolves early in Snowhead, but then you get the Goron mask, and you can just like punch them and one kill them two hit. Is it one hit? <laughs> I think it's one or two. It's one or two. It's one or cool. two. But it's you, feel so, roll you feel so strong when you get that mask, and it's just like I am trivializing the combat now. I feel badass. <laughs> Plus, rolling is really fun. Yeah, it's oh. it's so mm-hmm. fast. And rolling over a ramp over a gap is another like <laughs> supernatural feeling puzzle, I think. 
it's just like, oh, this is a yeah, of course I can just use well, this rolling thing and get over the ramp. I wasn't a huge fan of like the charge up that you had to do. Yeah, oh, okay. it did yeah, feel a little stilted in a couple ways. It is kind of hard to figure out the how that works exactly. So I don't know. Way to build up your meter. Way to build up just kind of your speed mm-hmm. as you're yeah. rolling on, and then you go spike boron, use magic, and get out. There's get that going. one thing. There's that one passage where you have to get like five ramps in a row or something before you can get to the dungeon, and that was a bitch. That was really hard and annoying. <laughs> Because I kept screwing it up halfway through, and then I couldn't rebuild up the the speed because there were all the snowballs flowing at me. So yeah, I the boulders coming at you at the oh, same time. The spiral, like up the mountain. Um, no, before that, there's like a scene. The spiral up the mountain is pretty easy, I thought, but the one before that is just kind of a pain. Doing the race was really hard to do. Oh my god, you- the Goron race. Yeah, I guess I can mention this now. That drove me freaking nuts because I beat it the first time. And I get the gold dust, and I didn't know what the gold dust did. So I go and talk to like the swordsmith, and he's like, "Oh, oh I'll, I'll need to d- a day to do this." But this was after the first time I'd beaten the dungeon, so it was already day three. And I'm like, "Well, shit, I don't have time for this." Yeah, you pretty much need to do that on the yeah. next go. Yeah, so and there's no way you could really know that. So I restarted time. So melt, melt the area again, and then yeah, go back. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I beat the do- boss again. For that kind of purpose. That's the only boss I beat twice for the Gilded Sword. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I reset time. I beat the boss again. I go do the race. And I lost like five times. I was going to like fucking throw my controller. <laughs> yeah. That's pro- that's one of the most controller throwy it parts just, in the it game. It felt so random. Like the AI was so obviously like throwing it when I was behind. But then it would just come up behind me at the very end and knock me over. I was like, mm. oh god. I beat this the first time and now I can't do it again. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, and you played it on Virtual Console, so you didn't have save states. No, I, yes, that's... I was able to tactfully <laughs> apply those in a couple of points to uh-huh. smooth over rough spots. I played this on an N64. Yeah, whoop! <laughs> well, aren't you a special snowflake? I'm so special. I have a Japanese version of this game. Oh, oh God! Wow, speedrun! I can tell you the differences in the Japanese version. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was a lot. Scared. I couldn't lot do that fun. for like five games. <laughs> I can do that for quite a few, actually. So, no the judgment. The main difference is how owl statues work in the Japanese version. Apparently, really? what, you can't the use them You can't save. use them to save. Yeah. There's a third save slot instead. I never use the owl slots to you save. save. It's easy states. for me. You had save oh, states. Yeah. Well, that's because you save states. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other yeah. thing. It's a lot different when you can't use save states in this game. Yeah. I suppose... I think you're clearly supposed to wait until you go back in time, wimps. Yeah. It only take like three. It's only three a three hour loop. Well, come on. Sometimes if when you're slowing down time, I guess. I mean, if they remake this game for 3ds, they will have to do something dramatically different with the save system because people just got to be able to stop whenever. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's gonna be like a quick save. They just need a quick save wherever you are. Yeah. I, think like Dragon I, I hope it's a quick hard save because losing multiple I... <laughs> hours sucks. No, it I don't know if I could do that for this one. I I like that the cycles are kind of you know it's just like you have to do the cycle, then you can save and do the next cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're coming back to it after a little bit. Like the cycle has reset. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think not hard saves 
I think quick saves and only doing hard saves at the start of each cycle makes the most sense for the game structurally. Mm-hmm. So they probably just didn't have the cap capacity to do quick saves or didn't care. Yeah, uh, they do a 3DS remake. They should probably do at least quick saves. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Quick saves are obviously important. You need to be able to drop the game. Yeah, on its notice. I use sleep mode, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, battery still drains in sleep mode. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I keep my DS in sleep mode. Any 3DS in sleep mode anyway, and it honestly mm-hmm. goes fine. I put it back on the charger. Gotcha. If I have a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. So anything else we know, think about Snowhead? Uh, did we even talk about Snowhead that much? Yeah. Well, talked about we it. talked about the area before. Yes. No, I, I mean, say. Uh, yeah. Anything before Snowhead Temple. Oh, okay. Okay. Because Snowhead uh, Temple's... I, <laughs> do you want to go into that? I want to go into that. Man. Yeah. All right. So Snowhead Temple's super vertical, right, Reed? Oh, I thought I was going to do the delete, and I have a joke. <laughs> All right. You go in. You and do now it. the, the segue is totally ruined, but whatever. All right. Anyway, so, speaking of areas where save states really comes in handy, <laughs> Snowhead Temple. Oh, Lord. I can't imagine falling being I, pleasant. Uh, I've done this, it. This is the first of my real trials with this game where I kind of wanted to stop a few times. Yeah. Because after this dungeon, I fell like five times or something. I was just like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I beat the dungeon, didn't play for like a month. And getting the stray fairies here is so important. Oh. Don't even talk to me about those fuckers. Oh, fuck that. The stray <laughs> fairies are the most are the single like the, there's a lot of wrong-headed design in the game. I think the I stray, think stray fairies, fairies I think you're right on that too. I think the stray um, fairies are the only piece of wrong-headed design that you could just excise from the game completely and it wouldn't make anything else worse. Like they're you're right. They're really bad. They're just stupid bullshit. <laughs> 15 in each dungeon. Two of them are very important to get. Mhm. So uh, Snowhead is the first one. The other one is Great Bay. Ugh. Didn't do any of them. Yeah. Don't care. Oh, wow. The uh, Snowhead gets you the longer magic meter. I know. I didn't. I looked it up didn't at the very end. Like, what am I missing? And then I was like, oh, fuck oh, okay. it. All right, what's the second one? Do you need them to get the masks? Uh, the Stray Fairies? No. Oh, okay, God. good. <laughs> yeah. No, they're just upgrades. <laughs> it's not a abilities. hard game, like, combat-wise, so... F- it's harder than Ocarina of Time, as I yeah, think. Yeah, it is. We thought, we thought the third boss was really hard, but we, okay, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I've been wanting to... Th- All right, so Snowhead I, I've Temple... I've been wanting to most of the that one. So Snowhead Temple is super vertical, which means there's lots of falling and screwing up Ooh. and then climbing back slowly and laboriously to where you left off. I think beyond that, I think it's a really cool dungeon. Oh, yeah. What do you all think? I, the vertical things kind of reminds me of a certain Link to the Past dungeon, kind of. Which one? Ice, oh, the Ice Palace. Okay, yeah, cool. Ice Palace does remind me of that a little bit. That one's kind of vertically designed as well, but not like this. Well, the, te- the third the pair three, is power the is super vertical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the three yeah, yeah. changes it dramatically. Yeah, the pillar in the center that you're knocking down to keep your, you know, keep being able to access the upper floors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was the kind of um, then going around, kind of going around the dungeon as you go from there. That center room being the big point, that ramp that you need to kind of go on, roll your way around. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was the falling point, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it's all really conceptually yeah. interesting, and I think the um, punching the levels of the tower was kind of like the arrow through the fire moment for that dungeon. In a sense, that was the thing where I was just like, what am I supposed to do here? I've cleared all the rooms. I've collected all the chests. I have no idea. 
Oh, and this is punch. Yeah, this is also where your dungeon items are going to be the elemental arrows for the rest of the dungeons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's the boring stuff like shooting fire arrows at eyeballs covered in ice. But yeah, again, but you the, have game, robes? the game uses that more tactfully than something like Wind Waker, I think. Yeah. So and then you have whiz robes. The what? Whiz robes. Yeah, and those are fun too. Those are all yeah. the mini boss fights are pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to the. Yeah, and then the boss of the temple is really cool once you figure it out. I played it like I was doing like lancing, and like I'd go around the whole loop, hit him once in the face, oh, go around the loop again, and I did that for like ten minutes before I thought, you know, there has to be a better way because I died twice. This is my favorite Zelda boss. Yeah, Wait, I think really. I yeah, this <laughs> okay. is my favorite Zelda. Boss. I got a I had a blast with up. it when I figured okay. it out. What was your Goat experience is... with the beat? Basically, all I did when I did, I just chased him down. Mm-hmm. I started rolling to. and chase him down, mm-hmm. and it's a really fun battle. Yeah, what did you think? Rick? I chased him down and I hit him in the belly, and then he died. And I thought that was insanely easy and crappy. Oh, I, I stuck a gorum up his butt, and it was good. <laughs> I just thought after I've done it a few times. So the <laughs> really intense battle of the first guy, like the first temple boss. This was like the total opposite, where it's just like you use the move, the rolling, and you win. Yay. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, well, he's firing lightning bolts. I liked the first boss a lot, but I beat it in like two minutes. This one, because I had trouble figuring out what I was supposed to do, there was a lot more just kind of thinking about it. And then once I got started attacking from behind, it was really satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think pretty much all the bosses you can beat in like three or four minutes once you kind of know what you're doing, but it still yeah. is kinetic and exciting in the moment in a way that the later Zeldas aren't really for the boss fights. Definitely. This one, again, like Odawa, doesn't really focus on a weak, like hitting a weak point. Mm-hmm. It focuses on staggering, though. And then dodging bombs. Staggering the boss, dodging his bombs, dodging his lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stagger him, you can, and you can damage him just by not doing that, but you can stagger him and deal way more damage by rolling into the air and then hitting him, which looks right. really good. You can sideswipe him. You can uh, get at him from behind if you want. Mm-hmm. I think there's good. nuance to it. Mm-hmm. Any other stuff on Snowhead Temple? That so that one part you mentioned earlier about punching the column being your yeah. like arrow through the fire moment. That was, well, was the, my look at a walkthrough moment. That, but, um, <clears throat> anyway, no, that's what I was about to say. That was my first. Fuck it, I don't know what to do. I have to look at a walkthrough moment. <laughs> And yeah, that was pretty hard to figure out, I think. I think the problem with it for me, I mean, this isn't a huge issue. I'm sure I would have gotten it eventually, but the whole temple is about shooting fire at ice. And mm-hmm. then you have these like really obvious light blue discs. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll shoot the fire at them. And then nothing happens. I'm like, oh, yeah, and I'm that's just sitting there scratching my head, shooting arrows. Like, what, what, what am I missing? And I just look at the guy that says, punch him. I'm like, well, I haven't punched ice before. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a failure and just like visual cues. They should have thought of that. Yeah, I think if they had been like cracked or something, I would have thought yeah. to punch them. Like if they uh-huh. were like light brown and cracked or something. That's the kind of thing I think they'd get if they um, maybe play tested it more. Maybe. It feels. It definitely feels like this. You can, <sighs> There's a lot of moments where it's like, yeah, this was a game made in a year, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I'll mention those, but that was the first where I was just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, and I'm running out of time. Yeah, I was. I'm pretty liberal with. I was pretty liberal with the guide for a lot of this game. <laughs> I really tried not I to look. I would not blame you. I used to guide uh, too. Only mine was official. You were nine years old. I mean, <laughs> I was nine years old. <laughs> Definitely so don't blame you. You can't blame me. Yeah. Actually, the guide made me like even more ready for this game. I think, like mm-hmm. going in. So I think it's, it, was it was a lot ocarina. of it. I knew it was an ocarina. I knew it was very different. Like, even as a nine-year-old, I don't know if I caught a lot of the morbid stuff, but after replaying it, I'm like, you know what? This game is dark. This is really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's dark, and it's my other favorite Zelda game next to Link to the Past. So. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about all this weird stuff is that um, I think this all contributes to this game being very inaccessible. All the old people I've known who play Zelda games have fallen, like my aunt fell in love with Link's Awakening and it was the only video game she'd ever played and she got really she played a whole bunch of it and my grandma on from my father's side step grandma fell in love with Ocarina of Time and played the beat the whole thing and then tried Majora's Mask and hated it okay. and you you're talking about your mom who played the original Legend of Zelda which yes I think in a way is a slightly more accessible game even though it's harder kind of harder action wise so, she also beat Super Mario Bros. 3. So geez, cool. That game's hard. And Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> yeah, that game is hard. It took a while to finish that last world. So I think about yeah, Majora's Mask being inaccessible, like the time mm-hmm. limit just fundamentally changes how you think about the game. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't really become much of a deal, like it's the subconscious thing that you can't ever really unthink it. Mm-hmm. You don't really realize it's, like, it's not that big of a deal till like the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and even then, there are a couple moments like at the by the end of the third and fourth dungeon, I was kind of pushing it. So yeah. it was it it does have its moments there. It it has it moments, feels like the but it's not the entire game. Like yeah. it's not the first hour of the game over and over and over. It's not like thirty mm-hmm. minute hero. Yeah, I kind of wish it. I there's a big part of me that wish it was, because <laughs> like um, I feel it feels like the slow down time spell is a concession to make the game more like Zelda, yeah. and yeah. just kind of loosens up the vision. I use that too, bit. mostly for the dungeon areas. I use it I just so I have enough time to, especially first time going through a dungeon. You like you know you want to kind of have enough time to do that dungeon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to try it again without the time. Just skip the time spell. And see. Yeah, I want to play this game on three hearts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Geez. We have different things we want to do. Yeah. But the time, pressure, the time. time pressure seems more interesting to me than the heart pressure because the combat isn't what is, you know makes me really interested in the game. It's, yeah. it's the time loop. It's the conceptual yeah. weirdness. It's the dragon quarter factor. Jorah's Mask that makes it that. good to me. Like, Ocarina of Time, I did that on three hearts. That was fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was a lot more fun. I think the next one I actually want to do with that is Twilight Princess. And I think that would be also really fun. I think I'd enjoy that with Link's Link to the Past. Um, I don't know. I'm just not sure I enjoy playing the 3D ones enough for that to be worthwhile to me. Yeah, I, I get enjoyment out of them. I replayed Twilight Princess this year, actually. Cool. Uh, this time for the GameCube, which I never played before. Neat. And I enjoyed it. I kind of like how GameCube games like feel, but okay, okay, we're getting pretty off topic. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. okay, all right. The farm, the farm was definitely one of the highlights for me. I really liked finally being able to get in there on the first day. 
when you got mm-hmm. the giant, what is it, the bomb thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, the uh, the power keg. Yes, the Yeah, because you get there on the third day, and the girl's sad. She's and just, like... It's confusing. She looks like she's zombified or something. Like, her eyes are just kind of vacant and, like, huh? Like, who are you? And then you more figure Majora's out why. Mask, more <laughs> awkward time than Majora's Mask comparisons. <laughs> uh, get ready. I love Vermani and Crimea. I love them. I don't know who those people are. Who are those oh, people? This is Majora's Mask. Okay. That's the Majora's Mask. I don't really remember a lot of the names. There are a lot of characters. Then you have, Malon, you have Malon in Ocarina of Time. Uh-huh. Who is uh, Crimea and uh, Romani in Majora's Mask. Mm. Romani, There's not a uh, bunch of... People aren't fawning over Link the whole game like they are in Ocarina. <laughs> yeah. No. You're not building up a harem. Ogre, yeah. Ocarina's no. a harem game. Ocarina's time you build up a harem. Mm-hmm. Although my OTP there is probably Malin. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Okay, Crimea is uh, both of them are really awesome. <laughs> then you have the weird part of Majora, one of the weirdest parts of Majora's Mask. The aliens, I love that. <laughs> <The> aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's another like weird out, out there abstract moment, and it fits the emotional beat, which just makes it weirder. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. So the the alien side quest is really cool for how it kind of, you kind of figure out this little mystery, what's making this girl sad, and then the reason is really kind of heartrending. Was it, Fixing it then, feels really good. If you don't succeed, it's even funnier. Mm-hmm. And if you don't succeed, it's sad. If you Sadder. succeed, it feels good, but then you go back, and like every other side quest in the game, it's undone. <laughs> Pointless. Well, it's there's fe- actually a little thing there that I noticed that was really weird. Uh, Romani yeah. will ask if you want to practice, but then she goes, I don't know why. Oh, so it's like a tiny sliver of a memory is carrying through, but she kept, she knows she wants to practice. She doesn't even know what for. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just accepted that. It's kind of like a, you know what? Now I'm just realizing that. Moment. Shoot. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, there's a lot of aliens in Zelda. I kind of see more. A lot of the a lot of the um, side quests have like these weird human moments in them and I think that's what gives the game a lot of its yeah. flavor. I really mm-hmm. liked the part where you ride with Kremia back to town to guard the mill. Yeah. Like that, that was really nice. have another side quest in there that I really like that we'll talk about later. Cool. Is that okay? Sure. What, do you mean the okay. one with the chickens? No. Because that one was really nice too. Because you like help this guy get his chickens. And... And not that one. That's that's not the that's not the Gar Brothers. Uh, well, it's still a really nice side quest. Yeah, I... we'll talk. We'll talk the side quest later. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'll um, just mention talk... it now because we're there. Yeah. I cried during yeah. the chicken one. I, I, think that's, chicken. I think that's pretty legitimate. That one really hit me for some reason because it was like it was before I did. Yeah, I know all the music in this game. <laughs> it's really nice because the guy was just expressing like this. This is the one thing I want before the moons fall down is to see my chicks raised. And up. then you reset the game and everything's pointless. Yeah, it's like. But I still have the bunny. I go in there. It's day three at evening, and, and he just wants this one thing, and I did it for him. And I'm like, oh, that's so happy. And now you're gonna die and get crushed by the moon. I know. But I'll yeah, see. I kind of have a theory for how all that fits together, oh. but we can get to that at the end. <laughs> so yeah, I really like the ride with Cremia uh, back to town. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like because the world feels alive with all these NPCs, but this is one side I hadn't seen yet this deep into the game. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And then you get the horse, and you can go to the Great Bay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I really like I really like the horseback riding in all of these games. It feels kind of yeah. heroic in a nice way. It's not as cool as the Goron, though. No, it's not. No. <laughs> yeah, opponent. But I, it's nice having a little horsey. I like having it's a, a horse. Cute little pony. Mm-hmm. It's so small. This one. You know what? Dr- oh, you know what drove also, me nuts, though. Yeah. First, like very start of the game, I go to the farm on day three. I see the horse. I play Epona's song from Ocarina of Time, and it doesn't do anything. Uh, and then the game teaches me the same exact notes ten hours later. I'm like, I knew that. <laughs> oh, that's another little minor failure there. I just mean, that would have. I didn't go to the farm until much later. So the alien should have stole a horse. So you, Look, I can fix it right there. Alien should have stole a horse. <laughs> oh, jeez. But um, what I got... Morbid, of, but hilarious. What I got the first hour when he says, your horse was useless, I got rid of it for you. Oh, God. I thought that he had fucking killed my horse. <laughs> and I was just, like, completely sad. So when I saw Pona and realized I was going to get her back, get him back... Get, the horse back it was just this really nice moment like you're alive (laughs) oh my god because the tone of that game was presenting itself in such a way that the way he said that made me think he had killed my horse god i didn't even think of that Uh uh-huh it's majora's mask we're never gonna deal with death in this game Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're about to talk about great bay aren't we yeah yeah (laughs) all right so um yeah this was a big strong death moment wasn't it because in the oh, first, geez, in the, yeah. in the How, snowhead, we came across the hero's grave, and then we took his body from there. And, but in the beginning of the Great Bay, we have to drag him up into the up to shore and watch him die and have this weird dying dream. You find the Zora Prince yeah, band guy. However, you say and uh, he's actually not a get, prince; he's a guitarist. <laughs> and um. Then you get the mask, and then you take the his body. Guitarist formerly known as Prince. So it's super eerie. Yeah, because you're getting that identity theft thing going on even more. So yeah, that was really weird. How he just dies, and you take his mask. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this is a Nintendo game. Like, I know characters are dying in front of me now. Mm-hmm. And one thing. Oh, I want to say this here. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about when you're doing these. You're playing the song of healing. Mm-hmm. Which is my favorite Ocarina song <laughs> mm-hmm. of both Ocarina Time and Majora's Mask. Yeah, it's a nice song. That song just so, feels so good. It's kind of it's a little more darker than the other ones, but that one mm-hmm. that plays inside of the clock tower, doesn't it? The clock tower, yeah, yes. Mask salesman. I love that theme. Mm-hmm. I think that I, a couple times it's a weird puzzle for me because uh, there was a couple times where I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" And then I played the song, and then I looked at the guy, and it's like, play the song of healing. And it's like, oh. <laughs> so that's another example of like having so many different tools kind of yeah. dilutes yeah. the puzzle solving. And that one, definitely. It's a, but it's a, it fits the song. The song fits emotionally. I just think it's kind of a weak gameplay part. And uh, we could get to a side quest where that definitely, I think, works mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. So getting and then getting the Zora body, the Zora feels really good. To, swimming as the Zora feels really good. I think. What do you all think? This is the best Zelda game with water controls. Yeah. And what do you think? The Zora mask is the reason. Mm-hmm. Th- what do you think, Ray? I thought it was good when you were going straight ahead. <laughs> I don't know about navigating corners and shit. 
mm. the camera. I like leaping really out of the water onto platforms when I could pull it off. That yeah. felt really good. It was really cool when it worked. That's actually changed in the Japanese ver- from the Japanese version to the English. Really? In what way? Uh, there is a the marine lab where you have to jump on to get to the owl statue. Yeah. You don't have to jump on in the English version. You have to jump on in the Japanese version. Huh. Cool. I wonder if they yeah, I just thought they wanted to force people to get the mask before going up there. Probably. Mm. That's interesting. And also just the fact that you can't save Mikau no matter what. Yeah, that was really weird. You come back on day one, he's not there anymore. Oh, oh, weird. Even in later yeah, rewinds? as far as I know. I've seen no mm-hmm. mention of... Evan. Yeah, I haven't... Yeah. I wonder if there's a textual reason for that or if it's just an over... If it's just like, a, fuck it, we, he gives the mask, we can't do it again. I took his soul and now we're taking his soul <laughs> through other timelines. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but the, you take the boss's souls and they respond again. That was, huh. I feel like that's probably just kind of a... Fuck it, whatever. It's more of a way to get the... Uh, redo the stuff in the timeline and not... You know, kind of keep the whole thing going. Mm, I'm, I'm still I don't not really sure how the mechanics of the... Not gameplay mechanics, but like the time travel mechanics it's, really yeah. work. It's kind of vague. It's really you take back some things and some things you don't. You don't take back rubies. You take back masks. So. You take back the number on your head that says how many mm-hmm. rupees you have in your bank account. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's really silly. Uh-huh. It's really silly, but it makes perfect sense. I think the bank makes sense, yeah. As far as the things go. But like, it's a, the way you lose your bombs and arrows just kind of feels pointless at some point. I know. When you're not losing everything else on you. Yeah. it's That's a common tr- trend in this game is that it's really messy in how it's put together. But also a lot of the mess is kind of intrinsic in what makes just the game worthwhile. Part of it. Yeah. So It is funny when like you reset time and go into a dungeon and you're like, oh, fuck, I have no arrows. God damn it. I have nothing yes. in my bottles. That's basically it. So I guess the that that almost seems like it's out of the different game we were talking about with the t- with the harsh time limits. Yeah, and you don't have all your items, and so it's like I wonder what this game would look like without all the Zelda baggage. But mm-hmm. then it would be a completely different game. Yeah. So yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Like one of the things, I think being a Zelda game kind of. Makes this a little more interesting. Yeah, because it feels I don't like, know if, that, like compared to the rest of the series, I think too. If you I think take the rest of like, the games it, before this into account, I think it makes it a more interesting Zelda game. I don't. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the version of the the that if you could take a couple of the ideas in this game and then and then like strip it down like Team Ico style and present okay. it like that with just honing out right, the time li- I think we'll limit. Do. I think that could be something amazing. Um, I think this why this is the most interesting Zelda game to me at least is because it's very different from the rest of them. Yeah. Kind of how it's played out and mm-hmm. again we're, we keep talking, you know, talking how different, you know, things happen at different times and it's a little messy but yeah. I, I can't really think of a game before this that did something like this. I don't yeah. think there are any games about time travel in the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The closest thing are like the ones with the ti- with the time limits like um Dead Rising, or even Dragon yeah. Quarter, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, but even those aren't exactly the same thing. Yeah, this is built around hitting checkpoints and then resetting and being able to skip to those right. checkpoints. And then uh-huh. still, some you know, kind of 
exploring this yeah. whole area in a doomed three-day cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I think you kind of need that to have a game that's, you know, 10 to 20 hours long. Where yeah, you can't probably. just be actually playing, playing the same right? half hour over Dead Rising's like three hours, right? It's feasible to beat that in a sitting, right? I have no idea. I haven't played those. I'm right, not I have. shy. I haven't played them either. I think uh-huh. I'm sure the. Th- I, I don't really. I think the later ones kind of dilute the concept from yeah. what I hear. So I'm just probably gonna nab the Xbox 360 version at some point and play it on my brother's 360. I think the first if game I had a 360 uh, is the one that's weird. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want. And then the third game, like the time limit is like I'm not even sure <laughs> if it's an issue whatsoever. Uh, yeah, maybe it, there's like, like a hardcore mode I think or it whatever. Just changes your ending or something if you go over. Which is just whatever at that point. It's like, okay, I'm playing this beat em up thing. Yeah. I can make weapons, whatever. When what I want is the Prince of Persia game or the Dragon Quarter essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, so, what's weird about Majora's Mask is how they took the engine of Ocarina of Time and then slapped that time element onto it. It does feel like kind of two games mashed together mm-hmm. at points. It's, it's an excellent Zelda game with this really conceptually interesting schedule management simulator yeah. thing on top. Like, the dungeons just feel so different from the rest of the game. Uh-huh, they're slow and empty and kind of yeah. plodding and methodical. But, it's, uh, it's, a nice, it's a nice pacing counterpoint, I think. I like how the game has that slightly, that repetition of the structure there with yeah. the mess around and clock down, do, a th- do some areas, and then you enter the dungeon fight a boss, go back. It's, um, I like that aspect of it a lot. Yeah, there's definitely a tempo to it where, like you said, you go through the areas, then you hit the checkpoint, then you do the dungeon, and then the boss is the big climactic moment, and then mm-hmm. you go back in time and you're back at Clock Town, it almost feels like you're back at square one again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like All you have is this little mask in your inventory. Yeah. All the people you, you help don't even of matter. Kind of a larger, pu- kind of that larger puzzle kind of every time you go, every time you go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even so though you're slowly unwrapping this entire game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though I bitch about the save system, the way when you come back from a hard save, you're always day one clock town. It that that repetition is really neat. Yeah, I like that too. Mm-hmm. And then you see cafe deliver the letter. I know every time, and and you pick up the dog and throw it in the water every time. <laughs> I never did that. Did you guys get the uh, the mask of truth? At all? I don't know. That's, a, don't that's so. when you get with. You didn't do the uh, spider house in the oh. woods. Uh, oh, in the swamp. Fuck, there's sculptulas, aren't there? Yeah, there are sculptulas. Uh. There's two of them. Honestly, they're not that bad. There's one in the swamp. There's one in the swamp, and there's one in the, in the uh, Great Bay. Yeah, I saw the one in the Great Bay and killed like twenty. The one in the swamp is kind of out there a little bit. It's surrounded by other swamp water uh-huh. uh, during the pat during the tour. I'll I don't go, think you I'll, pass it in the tour. I think you go a little further and you can get to it. I'll do Sculptulas so I can get the 20 masks when I, if I play it again, but um, I think Sculptulas are stupid. <laughs> Honestly, it's... You go into a small mini-dungeon and collect the Sculptulas. You get the Sculptulas, you find them, they're hiding everywhere. And, oh, it's just one mini-dungeon? Yeah, it's one, one mini-dungeon. Oh, they're all localized. Yeah. Yeah, it, there's no Sculptulas in the world. Oh, that's so much world. nicer. It's just in there, and you get the 30 of them... In the one dungeon, you get the Mask of Truth. Okay, that's like infinity and, times better than like right. Ocarina of Time or and Twilight Princess where they're just then everywhere. Then there is another timed one. The, uh, I replayed this one particularly this week. It was the uh, Great Bay one. Mm-hmm. 
just to go ahead and see what I can do. Uh, in that one, that's how you get the giant's wallet to get a certain mask later. Huh. Mm-hmm. So you yes, can carry okay. 500 rupees for a certain mask that's in the curiosity shop. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can talk about that later, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to do that one before day two in order to get that. Huh. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird and that. Yeah, I found that the Sculptula house and did like 20 and I was like, you know what? I don't think this is required, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, basically. And for, yeah, it's not required. If you want the best, if you want everything, it's required. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. If you want to get the, if you want the Fierce Deity Mask, which I think is thematically relevant, but we can get to that. Oh. So um, Great yeah. Bay has the uh, stealth section, the oh, actual God, I, stealth oh section. Oh, I forgot about What y'all this? think of that? So I'm going to give everyone a tip. Everyone a tip. Uh-huh. Go west. You go to Ikana first. Get the stone mask. <laughs> oh. <then go. laughs> the stone mask works in that in that area. I never even got the stone mask. I got the stone mask, but I never used it for anything. Oh, the stone mask is the most useful thing. This is where the stone mask is used. <laughs> okay. Jeez. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I heard. All right, I'll totally do that. But you know what? I, did, I didn't think the stealth section was all that obtrusive, yeah. I guess. Yeah. There's some tricky stuff in there. I mean, yeah. it's harder than Grudo Fortress. Oh, wait, duh. I had save states. <laughs> well, okay. of course. That probably simplified things a lot. It is harder than Grudo Fortress, I think. And mm-hmm. I heard that uh, the Gerudo have lower vision at night, but only in the Japanese version. Do you know anything about that? I don't know. That's kind of cool. I'm going to go look at that. I have no idea why they changed that. Yeah, I heard that quickly mentioned in one of the speedruns. I'm like, wait, is that true? Like, they can not huh. they can barely see at night? Like, that makes total sense. I might have to go look at something. That makes <laughs> total sense, on. so obviously it couldn't be in a Zelda game. <laughs> yeah. Americans don't make sense. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stealth section fucking... Yeah, it's, it's hard. And the fact that you have to do it twice. It's like... Wait. Wait, how do you, you do twice? I only have three bottles. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. So this is where you get four bottles back. before you can get four bottles before you get to this area, mm-hmm. and I recommend you do so. Yeah. yeah, I think I got the first one and then came back for the other three. Is this the most laborious of the um, pre-dungeon sequences? Probably. I think so. Yeah. So I guess I'll mention it now. This was my second. Fuck it. I got to look at a guide moment where I got the four eggs in there. And I deposit them, and the guy's like, okay, just three more. I go, what? <laughs> what do you mean there's more eggs? Like, I look through mm-hmm. that whole section. Yeah, the Gerudo mentioned, or the, the pirates, they're not actually Gerudo, they're pirates. Oh. They mentioned that they dropped the other three eggs yeah. and they got in another pirate. area. They have, like, snakes. And this is where you have to get the seahorse. And yeah, yeah, so the seahorse, so. Reunite the seahorse with its lover. This was your guide moment, harpies. right? Yeah, that was my guide moment where I'm just like, okay, where are the other three? And the guide just says, talk to the seahorse. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I nev- Seahorse, what? You go in the fisherman's house, put on the Zora mask, and then talk to the seahorse in the sh- in the fishing oh, bowl. Oh, obviously. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I never would have done that. I might have been on day three by then because I had fucked up the stealth so much. You need much. a picture of Lulu to get that, right? Oh, yeah, so then you have to go back to the pirate fortress you have to go back to the pirate fortress and take a picture but it has to be like a good picture i brought like oh, two geez. pictures back that weren't of sufficient quality oh my god for the fisherman so that was fun i got that my and first you can't try thank get god close to take you can't get close to them to take pictures because they see stone you mask unless you have the stone mask <laughs> so 
yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and then we got to the snake part, and Jetstorm, when you first played this game, did you know to press R to do the electric shield thing? This took a while for me to figure out, actually. It took a while to figure this out, too. But no, wait, 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 eventually, wait. I... John never figured it out. I told him. I beat the game without using the shield. Yeah, I figured out the shield at Georg. Uh, that probably would have been helpful yeah. if I had known about the shield. That's when I figured out the shield. I didn't use the shield my first time playing. Now that I know the shield, I'm like, okay, I'm going to use the shield. It's a complete mm-hmm. game It's changer. the best ability in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's more actually. That, it's more. It's more of the weird, weirdly kind of bad design in Majora's Mask is that they can be shitty about teaching you things, but it's so nice coming off of other Zelda games that are, like you said, choreographed to such an extreme extent where they're just kind of directing you along. Yeah. So the bullshit in Majora's Mask is this completely different kind of bullshit from the bullshit in other Zelda games. Yeah. And I kind of love it for that. You want? You want the. Uh... The stuff where okay, I'm going to do this, and this is your definition of fun. Where I can make my own definition of fun, but I don't know quite how to do it. Mm-hmm. The new it's, Zelda's it's would bullshit have, that like, makes the game. Yeah, the new Zelda's would have like a five minute tutorial on how to use the shield. Like, uh-huh, and then you have to go through rings, zapping them as you yeah, do it. Yeah, something like that. Like, did you understand that? And no is selected first. I like Skyward Sword. I, I like Skyward Sword. I like Skyward Sword. I have problems with the desk, but I like Skyward 75% through Super Mario Galaxy. You jump into water and a penguin swims up to you and say, <laughs> uh, mandatory says, press A to swim. <laughs> really? I pressed the only button on the controller, basically, to swim. Thank you, penguin. Game I thought it was the Z button. <laughs> oh, okay. So... There's a lot of so the bullshit in Majora's Mask is the kind of bullshit that makes the game more mysterious and evocative, as opposed to the bullshit that makes it less mysterious and evocative. And between those two breeds of bullshit, I'll, I'll take Majora's Mask. The, the first, yeah, well, yeah, the mysterious kind. Yeah, it does. So I, t- we both killed. Yeah, it does feel kind of sloppy that you can technically get through like the snake section by abusing the boomerang. Mm-hmm. Without ever actually using the electric shield. That's what you're supposed to do. But it feels so wrong. Like, you know something's wrong when you're, like, clipping into the corners to shoot them. Mm-hmm. But it works. But I, like, you can get through it. And it is... So I did. It's really slow and, and boring. And you can them all and reunite the seahorse with his lover seahorse. Yep. Mm-hmm. Only for it to revert once you go back in time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> but you get the heart piece. Mm-hmm. That's true. So... I think if they had had more time, that's another like place testing thing where they would have seen people like abusing the corners to clip exactly. into the sea or not the seahorses, the snake things, mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, this is supposed to be the electric shield tutorial." Mm-hmm. But then you have to wonder if they had more time, would they keep like processing it and Uh-oh. fixing it up and fixing it up until suddenly it was more Corey yeah. half bullshit? Yeah. So does the lack of playtesting make the game more or less interesting, ultimately? I think it has to say more, because it has those rough edges that are uh-huh. interesting. Because if it was just yeah. this perfectly polished thing, then it'd probably be pretty dull. They might like, say, well, you know, a lot of people were having trouble with the time limit. Maybe we should make oh, it God. four times <laughs> as long when you use the thing instead of only three times. Yeah, I think the three-day Groundhog Day effect that it's going for is good. Mm-hmm. 
Well, maybe, you know, maybe maybe we should make it five. Give you five times as much time when you use the song. You know, we we don't really. I'm not really sure we taught players enough to how to use that song. Maybe we should have more people. We should maybe we should make that conversation mandatory. Oh, I. Yeah. You know, I think that you talk to Pierre, you get a clue of that song. The mm-hmm. game kind of teaches you, but anyway, but it's mm-hmm. you have to talk to Pierre to do it. You know, this guy only visible. tells you. He only tells you that you should do it backwards. Maybe we should have force the player to do it at least once so that they know how to do it. Yeah. And then they just keep adding that shit on and adding that shit on and eventually yeah. have a boring, shitty game. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Majora's Mask is interesting because it lets you fail. It lets you mess up. Uh, it lets you miss things. So its particular breed of fuckuppery is really <laughs> admirable. Mm-hmm. And ultimately nice, and also makes it completely impossible for my girlfriend to play. Yeah. So, I mean, that's shitty, but... Yeah. It's no. a hard game that kind of assumes you've beaten Ocarina of Time, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it you does. You know what? I think going into it after Ocarina of Time, but like a year after, was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I already knew Ocarina right. of Time at the time. So, I think I beat Ocarina of Time when I was like seven years old. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was eight. I was eight. There's some pretty tough stuff there. It took me forever to figure out in the first dungeon that you um, have to light a torch with a stick. Probably because that's stupid. <laughs> I played Final Fantasy VII at the same time, so... Uh, there you yeah. go. There's I my history. I played Final Fantasy VII were both games I, when I was young that I would play the first like three hours of and get stuck and then restart and then do that mm-hmm. seven times. Same with Metal Gear Solid 1. Okay. That's just kind of how I played games as a kid. Was just I'd get stuck and then restart. So I'd memorize the first three hours of the game. Um, my uncle introduced me to Final Fantasy VII, so mm-hmm. I blame him for that. I always got st- stuck trying to make up my pretty outfit because there's a lot of running around, fetch quest and stuff you need to figure out there, and it's kind of... Oh, for, is that for the uh, my favorite part of Final Fantasy VII? Well, yeah. That is my absolute favorite part of that game. Mm-hmm. It's, pretty, it's pretty wonderful. The Walmart experience is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, back to the Majora's Mask. So then we get to the oh, Great Bay Temple. More about right? the temple. Can I mention something else with... Great sure, Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more stuff with the Great Bay, sorry. I like the Zoras. I do too. I love the Zora band. It's yeah. cheesy as hell, but I love them. And there's a you can have a jam session as a side quest in there mm-hmm. with the, the other guitarist. Yeah, I remember doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you can also get the heart piece from the uh, uh from the pianist by playing the song as Link mm-hmm. that you get from it. That's a pretty cool side quest though. Just another one of those I always liked. That's a, that one's actually in Great Bay, so it kind of fits into the hair. Mm-hmm. I thought the mood of Great Bay was really weird because, like, you can't be sad at the beach. Like, the previous <laughs> areas are like, they're going to execute this monkey or the Goron are freezing to death. And then you go to Great Bay and it's like, that monkey looks really delicious, though. The Zora are just, like, having a band and partying. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like this weird tonal shift. But then when you dig in deeper, like, these eggs are dying, and then this guy drowns the on the beach. guy drowned in front of you. But like, and has, like, a dying dream about yeah. his band. But the band stuff... About the happy band. The happy band stuff did seem really kind of a mood lightener in the midst of mm-hmm. all this other crappy stuff. But that area as a whole, like... It really felt oppressive to me for some reason, where it was the real moment of like, you've got this three day time limit. You literally can't help everyone. Like mm-hmm. everything you do is you being have reset. 
Like, you can't. Azora Mother has lost her seven eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, kind of I a downer. <laughs> that was the one thing, is that when you see these things that have been happening every timeline without you noticing, like, knowing now that these eggs were dying in every timeline, it's just, like, fucking depressing. It really is. And then... You rescue- and every timeline afterwards, they're dying. And then you rescue them, and they're like, we were born to teach you this song, which is kind of weird as well. That's another weirdo, abstract, yeah. invisible, flying Goron moment. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of silly, but... Yeah, it works. It, it directs you along as the gameplay systems need you to. But, um... And then Giant yeah. Turtle. And then Giant yeah, Turtle. Yeah, and then, then Freaky, like... Miyazaki giant turtle thing is cool. I was surprised he didn't eat you. Mm-hmm. I thought all the best Zelda game or the best Nintendo games had gore in them. Or vor. Mm-hmm. Also, and then gore. we ride him to the Great Bay Temple. Okay, we re- yep. ready to go to the temple now. Yeah. On the hook, on the awesome new design of the hook shot. <laughs> I think the hook shot and the all right. Hookshot's big in the 3D in the whole game. I think the 3D hookshot in Zelda games is dumb. Um, I think it's dumb because they have these little labeled squares. This is an area where you shoot the hookshot, and then you can shoot them okay. at chests too, and that's it. And like the trees, I can see definitely that's a good place to kind of use a hookshot. Uh, um, in Link to the Past, you can use um, uh, you can use the hookshot on blocks. So yeah, in Link to the Past, you can use the hookshot on a bunch of shit. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm not. I do agree with you on that. The hookshot's uh-huh. kind of out of place. You know, kind of out of place area sometimes, especially like say Water Temple and Ocarina Time. It's like the Spider Ball in Metroid Prime versus the Spider Ball in Metroid Two. Yeah. In Metroid mm-hmm. Two, it's this giant, expansive. Um, power up that completely changes how you approach the world and how the world feels. In Metroid From what Prime, I've seen in Metroid Two, yeah, in Metroid Prime, you have these Spider Ball tracks. That, okay, yeah. you use a Spider. This ball is track. a Spider Ball track. Use the Spider Ball here. It progresses you to the next area, and it's just way less interesting. That's how the hook shot feels. Yeah. I still yeah. Metroid Prime. Like imagine, oh yeah, Metroid Prime is one of my favorite games. Um, the epitome, but imagine the epitome of the hook shot being silly is. That first room in Great Bay Temple, where like the solution is, there's a tiny little hookshot point directly above one of those fountains. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. like the the puzzle is look up. Yeah, that that's that's like Zelda 3D Zelda. It's worst is when the puzzle is shoot an eyeball on the wall with an arrow. It's looking up. Uh huh. Oh, there's a thing up there. Oh, didn't you see this eyeball? I guess you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, there's one particular Zelda game, actually. Claw shot in Twilight Princess is a little better. There's some better moments on that. Sometimes yeah. I, I there are Twilight points Princess. in that. One. There's some points in that one too where you have okay. There's a grate right here. There's a circle shaped grate with a with a red dot on it. <laughs> I wonder what you're you supposed can to use that to use your claw shot. Mm-hmm. With, um, also, the claw shot you can grab vines with it, so it's mm-hmm. a little different. But that's cool. Windwaker is really bad about it because you have like a grapple shot and a grapple hook and they are used for different things to cross gaps. Yeah. And it's really freaking dumb. I hate that because then it's like they go, you just – they a puzzle in Windwaker is you look into a room and then you see a grapple hook tree. So you th- swing your grapple hook at it and it shows a little cut scene as it wraps around and then you mm-hmm. swing across. And like yeah. that is just – Boring as Honestly, sin to Waker, me. I love its story and its exploration. It's a, some of its dungeons I <laughs> ugh, 
Except for Tower of the Gods. That's the mm-hmm. one dungeon, that one that does it well. You know how Majora's Mask feels like, as much as it has problems, it feels like it ha- is, is this complete vision? Yes. Wind Waker, Wind Waker feels, doesn't, feel like doesn't feel like that. It feels like a compromised, broken vision by the same guy, Aonuma. He did Majora's Mask, and then he went and did Wind he did Waker. The the, he did the rest of them, too. So. Yeah. Majora's yeah. Ma- Wind Waker feels like the guy who made Majora's Mask stopped being confident in his vision. And he had this badass vision of a Zelda game with the sailing and with this kind of cool story. Because I know Majora's Mask's reception was not as Glowing. high as the Ocarina at the time when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more people are starting to realize that it is a better game, in <laughs> mm-hmm. my opinion. Like us. But, Me and John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that you finally re- played it, right? Yeah. Yep. So Wind Waker but, is this weirdo compromised vision that has to be where you fight Ganon and it has to be a Zelda yeah. game. You have to collect the three things and get the Master Sword and blah, 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 blah. And Look, it, I'm bored with the Zelda story at this point. Can we get more games like Majora's Mask that give us uh, a different adventure with Link? So you have this amazing beginning in Wind Waker and you have this amazing end and then everything between oh, it is the part yeah, where it's this, a Zelda game and that's the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Majora- then you have like, say... Twilight Princess, which does the same thing as Ocarina of Time. Yeah. But the entire yes, game. Skyward Sword. Only fucking, with... Uh, Skyward Sword has its own issues. Yes, but I still like that game. I still like that game. Good on you. Good on you, man. I have reasons for it. Uh, there's one particular boss in that game that I really like. <laughs> That's cool. I played seven series. hours of it. and uh, I understand if you uh-huh. dropped it. I, don't I generally know. I am of the going. mindset that if I've played a game for seven hours and I'm still not into it, I'm comfortable giving up on it. I can understand That's that. That's a long time yeah. to give it. Seven hours is a long-ass time. The Skyward Sword's like, about a 35-hour Zelda game, I could watch like, Seven Samurai twice in that <laughs> amount of time. And it shouldn't be that long. I could watch Citizen Kane like three or four times. Yeah. That's pretty... That's a lot of time. So... so yeah, Majora's Mask. I, um, one thing about the Great Bay Temple, I think it's a really visually striking area. Oh, I can't. I walked into it and it had this awesome camera angle where it shows a bunch of the different like um, pneumatic tubes and everything, and it was really mm-hmm. colorful. And I was just like, "Whoa!" And took a screenshot and saved it to my computer. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is beautiful." Yeah, I really like and this. It's a very different dungeon than, say, the Water Temple. Yeah. And then you get to uh, the middle, and there's this giant washing machine in the center, and it's really conceptually interesting. And all the tubes are connecting to this whole thing. And they're all connected to this washing machine. These tubes, and it's connected to this washing machine and this one, and mm-hmm. it gets really fun. Yeah. Because yeah. then you have to reverse the current and then go, you know, on the opposite side of the dungeon, go to the other side of the dungeon as well. Mm hmm. Get the ice arrow, which is much more interesting in this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess that's why the um, Woodfall Temple doesn't stick out to me as much, as it doesn't have that hook that all the other temples have yeah, that's in true. comparison. I can see that. Yeah. I think um, Woodfall's a harder dungeon than other beginning Zelda games, but it's still not as interesting as, say, Great yeah. Bay. I think it's still... Okay. I think Woodfall Temple is still good because it doesn't feel... It doesn't do a lot of Zelda bullshit. Um, I think it's a great beginning, like first dungeon. Um, yeah. I think it just it's doesn't. It's just it's that baseline, and then the other dungeons add to that by having like interesting hooks to them. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the hook dungeon. shop though, is not an interesting hook, <laughs> you could say. But the ice arrow is stupid. Yeah, the ice arrow is interesting. the The melting and freezing mm-hmm. dynamic is way more 
is pretty cool and a hell of a lot cooler than shooting frozen eyeballs on the wall. Or playing the uh, Ocarina of Time to raise the water level. Or playing the Ocarina to raise the water level. So, yeah, I really like Great Bay Temple. I thought that was super cool, and it would have been really nice to have known about the magnetic field. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it would have. Especially with the plus. Like, with all I the enemies that Gior, around. And I'm not sure how I didn't know about this. So, uh, anything else for the temple itself before the boss? Well, like, I really love the temple, but yeah, the enemies in there are fucking insanely annoying if you don't know oh, I hold R and they die. Uh-huh. Like, those fucking skeleton have, uh, fish are so bad. <laughs> like, you have the, uh... You can't punch them, like... You have the water-based Deku, you know, the Deku fl- uh, plants, whatever they're called. Babas, oh I think. I don't... Yeah. Bio Deku Babas, that's what they're called. The only way to fight enemies in that game is to, in that area, without the magnet, is just to sink down to the ground while they attack you, take damage, and then charge up your um, boomerang thing and shoot them one at a time. Because yeah. you can't... And then while you're falling, you just have to take the damage. Mm-hmm. The, but they have the magnet shield, so Having to charge the boomerang, dumb. it's too slow for what it asks of you at times. And you can't do it while you're swimming. You have mm. to sink down to the floor. And then when stuff hits you, you pop up off the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's kind of great. <laughs> so I'll just mention this now because it did help me appreciate this dungeon. I had an issue with the owls. I went to save and my save just disappeared and I went back to the start of the cycle. So I had to do this dungeon Oof. twice. But it was so much better the second time because I knew to hold R to zap stuff. <laughs> so I just, I breezed through it in like an hour, including the boss. And it was just like, oh, you know what? This dungeon's actually really cool. Because I liked the puzzle, like the whole puzzle with the moving the pipes and reversing the flow. Like that's maybe the best Zelda puzzle in my opinion, like the whole dungeon being this one that. connected instrument that fell. It's definitely one of them. It was really neat. But the combat mm-hmm. and the boomerang were just driving me up a fucking wall the first time I went through it. So I'm gl- kind of glad I had to do it twice. Yeah, This is a game I feel like might be better on the replay because you'll know about all of the, the bullshit. bullshit and <laughs> how to handle it. Yeah. I think my second playthrough was a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Because it's me knowing kind of what to expect now and how to really get around things. Mm-hmm. Well, so a lot of the game is learning what to really do doing it. because you're on a time limit. Mm-hmm. Like even if you don't, this is definitely a game I played multiple times. <laughs> yeah, even if you don't end up having to do it multiple times because of, you hit a checkpoint, like just having that knowledge of how to handle something the next time around is kind of the mm-hmm. core of the it's game. It's really satisfying. And I played. An, I've seen a number of people who've um, enjoyed the game, but only played it once because it was kind of it's kind of a laborious first playthrough. So, I mean, which makes me wonder if um, playing through it, which makes me kind of sad because it fe- seems like playing through it again would be more satisfying for that reason. Yeah, I kind of don't think I'll revisit it. I tend to not revisit games that often anymore. Yeah, especially if it's like a twenty fifteen hour game. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, I I, I am satisfied. With this playthrough, yeah. although I might want to shoot for all the masks at some point. Yeah, I might. It's been about a year off. since I played through this again. I might. You're making me want to play through it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. The, really, uh, I, I get moods for Majora's Mask, and it's just <laughs> it's one of the. It's probably in my top ten favorite games of all time for sure. Cool, absolutely, and just as a 
a game, just one of those ones to come back to. It's a game from my childhood that I really like that nobody else does. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, was voted, it was voted the Game Facts game of the decade. Which surprises <laughs> me. People like Majora's Mask at this surprises point. Surprises me has, a lot. I, most people I have met hate it. Yeah. I really think they were just voting for the Ocarina of Time stand-in personally. Because oh, Zelda is so popular on that site. Like, as Link wins the character battle every year. Mm, weird. Oh, does he? I haven't noticed. I haven't mm-hmm. paid attention. I just think I feel like this game's won more than, say, Dragon Quarter has kind of its aged. Its opinion has aged better in time. Nobody knows like, what Dragon, Dragon Quarter, Quarter is. I know. And even <laughs> Storm's like okay. playing all four of the. You've played like all four of the shitty old boring generic Breath of Fire games. And then you're like, eh, I don't want to play this one. It's I'm about to weeaboo myself here. I met a drag. I met a Nino cosplayer at a convention about <laughs> two months ago. Cool. Uh, from Breath of Fire Three. Oh, okay. And she also had disdain of Dragon Quarter. <laughs> yeah, she played the entire because series. Breath of Fire fans are dumb. <laughs> now I will tell you still, John. All of you, you still have play Breath of Fire Two at heads. least. At least play two. I can't play another Breath of Fire game because all Breath of Fire fans are dumb. Why else would they dislike Dragon Quarter? I like Dragon Quarter, Joe. I like Dragon Quarter, at least when I played it. I haven't beaten it yet. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think. Anyway. the one I like it. The one other thing about Great Bay Temple that I didn't appreciate on the second playthrough is that fucking eye boss with, like, a billion bubbles. It's really long. He, he's okay. impossible to target. I don't know what the fuck to do on him. You just you have to hook shot his eyeballs over to you, but then or just they slash at him. Yep, the hook shot. Then you too- slash them with swords. Yep. The hook shot just seems too slow to kill them one by one and eventually clear a spot for the eye. Really, I I just kept wailing on them. You can sometimes get to the I eye. I think them, sometimes can you get to the eye as you clear them out. Yeah, you can. It just seems like and they, you don't and have they to, kind of fall apart. You don't have to beat every single one of them, but um, I just thought they kept coming back even when I was killing them. Oh no, I don't. They don't respond. I there's no, they a don't. Not until you fuck ton of them. That's why it must feel like they respond because there's so many of them. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck this. I'll use fire arrows, and then I blow like a whole bunch off, and they start bouncing around. But then, <laughs> yeah, yeah then you have to slash them with swords. You slash them with swords, that. and then they die. But then the part at the end where. They all just go berserk, and the thing's bouncing around the room, and it just like yeah. fucking combos you I to death, and I die. I thought, I thought that was really fun, because I managed to survive when it did that. So when it started just going nuts, I was like, whoa, cool. Do you have a quick question? Did you guys have the Gilded Blade at this point? Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I had it okay. by a great day. All right. Yeah. That's pretty much how I did it, too. Which made, the one, which made it when I was fighting the pirates in the stealth section, yeah, they died and I took hit. it out in two hits. I was like, oh... Because I remembered, like, oh, yay, a sword fighting segment. I remember these. Oh, wait, it's over already. You Zora Link. <laughs> uh, no, because oh, I, I wanted to fight with swords and shields. Okay, and you can do that later. Hey, John, if you want to fight with swords and shields, I know a game for you. Ocarina of Time? Dark Souls. Zelda 2? Dark Souls. Zelda 2. Gotcha. Dark Souls. Zelda 2 is just Dark Souls anyway. Um, so the boss, bosses. All right, so I beat the boss without the um without the electric shield. I can't believe oh, you did it this way. Um, I, I thought it was really satisfying. It took like five tries, but um, what I did was I jumped. I jump into the water. I shoot him with the arrow. Jump into the water. Slash at him a couple of times. Once I land him on the ground, 
immediately turn around and swim away and leap out of the water and onto the thing just in time for him to not bite me on the butt. So I was, and then I do that multiple times in a row. I was trying that, and then I'm like, there's something fucking wrong with how I'm doing this. So I looked online, and I'm like, oh, electric shield, right. And I asked you how you did it. I'm like, I can't believe you pulled that off. Mm-hmm. The timing is was- so tight to like the laboriously slow float down and then wa- walking up and punching him in the face and then getting away. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. How did you do that? Uh, a fairy. This is a what I had to... Fairy. Okay, a fairy. There you go. I had one fairy. I totally banned cool. myself from using fairies in Zelda from now on. Yeah, I didn't use any, th- any potions or fairies in Link Between Worlds. That helped potions a lot. Potions I'm allowed to use. Fairies I'm not. Yeah. I just avoided all that in Link Between Worlds because it was a pretty easy game otherwise. It was. Yeah. I agree. A really good game, though. Talk about good. no bullshit. Good. I have my own problems with it, but I there's hey, parts you I guys, really love. You keep going off topic. No, I think that's kind Sorry. of the fun aspect of this at this point, <laughs> is we just go completely off topic, and then someone goes, and anyway, the cool thing about the boss... It's 2 a.m. So, yes, okay, Georg. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Georg, right. you just figure out how to... I think it's Georg. I don't know how yeah. to boss. I knew game. one guy on... I saw one guy on Twitter who was like, I should go back to Majora's Mask. I rage quit on the third boss because it was a piece of shit. It is. I mean, it. Okay. If you don't if know, you don't then, know because the fucking Magnus Shield is so weird to figure out. If you don't know, yeah, it seems like the stupidest boss. boss ever, where you have to jump directly in front of the enemy that can eat you and punch him in the face and then run away. And it's scary because it's a giant fish that eats, tries to eat you, and that's scary. It is. Uh, okay, look at the strategy guide that I have here, and basically the strategy it has is using Human Link to fire an arrow at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then going in a Zora Link. <laughs> and then what? And then get the heck out of there. It's, seriously, the guy didn't think to use the electric shield? Oh, no, he's using the electric shield. Okay. Yeah. That's shield, what, and then getting the heck out of there. That's what I'm saying, is that I did that without using the electric shield. I just okay. was slashed and at him. punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. I tried to do that. Because the game... Kinda lets you do that. It kinda lets you get away with that. Yeah, there's and it kinda lets you get away with everything like that, so you can just kinda get by having a crappy time. <laughs> yeah, there's just enough time to punch him in the face, but I screwed it up enough times where he was I would like get right in front of him, right within range, and then he would immediately wake up and eat me and I'm like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I'm like But then the guide says to flip yourself back onto the platform. Yeah, that's what I do. Doing the dolphin flip doing the dolphin. Yeah. Which is thing. so fun. That's pretty oh satisfying, God. too, doing that. I When it works. This is the same guy that I used when I was nine. This is mm-hmm. the same guy. <laughs> That's cool. It's torn apart completely. But mm, it's that is cool. Just, there you go. So, Great Bay Temple Boss is a bitch if you don't know how it yeah. works. Fun. I think but it's a, Just yeah. like the second Temple Boss, if you're trying to play it oh. Lancer style. You can kill the second boss with arrows, apparently. Yeah? Yes, and it's really boring, because you just sit and wait for him to loop around every time. I tried that. It was really hard. And I didn't, because they're also throwing bombs at you. It's not even like Dark Souls, where it has the dignity of being completely easy. Because you have to dodge the bombs when he throws them. Yeah. I think Georg is. When he cheese a boss in a Souls game, I mean. Yeah. Just by standing outside of its range. I think Georg is a really fun fight once you know to use the electric shield. Yeah. Because it's I think really the first hit and run. I think the first and. The first and last bosses, um, the first and last of the dungeon bosses don't really have, like, anything you need to know in order for it to be fun. <laughs> Whereas the second yeah. and third boss are fun if you know the trick, kind of. I hesitate to call the second one a trick. I thought that was well, super Well, I obvious. thought it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was doing it right. I just was going the opposite direction. <laughs> All right. So, so moving on to the canyon. Kana uh, Canyon is grim. Uh-oh. I love. I it. love it, Kana Canyon. It's so fucking eerie. This has always been my favorite area of the game. It's so dead. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead. We moved from except for a little girl with her mummified father. Oh God, have mercy! Yeah. So fucking game. I noticed so her, and she was still mummified in the subsequent <laughs> timelines because everything gets because you worse. didn't get there in time. <laughs> <sighs> So I had noticed this theme of like death being more and more prominent as you went through the game. How like, mm-hmm. first you get the spirit of the Goron guy, and then you see the Zora die in front of you and take his soul. And I'm just like, what are they going to do to top this? And then you come to an area where yes. everyone is dead. I'm like, oh, of course. Like mm-hmm. it's the perfect like thematic through line. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, I will say one thing is that I've probably been repeating a lot of your ideas, Reed, yeah, from our chats. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> I was about, game. I was just about to go in and say, and you know, there's this developing theme <laughs> of death. So yeah. you know, when I was nine, that. I probably didn't realize this. Reed smart. But, mm, yeah, I, I didn't realize this when I was nine, but now I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, that's what this game is going for. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, this is. My favorite area mm-hmm. of Majora's Mask. And Ikana Canyon has two, maybe three if you count the mummified corpse dad, um, two really good moments with um, the sergeant uh, guy who salutes you and you salute him and then yeah. he dies. I yes. really like that part. Uh-huh. Just for like a dopey little mini boss thing and then it ends with that weirdly sentimental, sentimental little moment. And then um, the similar thing where you go into the castle and fight the three guys at once, which is a really good fight. I think you told think, me why, Reed. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite fight in the game. Okay. Just for having that moment of, I mean, we're way ahead now, but whatever. That moment of, it's like... It's the same. Yeah, they won't oh, you're in the same area here. They won't, King of Ikana? Yeah. Like, I'm like, they won't stay dead. What do I do? And then, oh, wait, he closed the blinds. So I'll shine this light up on the blinds and set them on fire. Or... Not shine mm-hmm. the light, but shoot a fire arrow, and then I can shine the light on them to keep them dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have the mirror shield before uh, before this as well. Yeah, you get the mirror shield, which is this is my favorite mirror shield design. It's so, so creepy. creepy looking. That was really weird. How it's this creepy face. face. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That was a perfect balance for the game design because if they didn't have the little cutscene where they showed the uh, yeah. curtains closing as you wouldn't, then it would just be bullshit. Yeah, but they give you just enough to go on, and then mm-hmm. still let you figure it out on your own. Yeah, mm-hmm. just in the like, right. Oh, I need to shoot this curtain. It's it's uh, shining red. Mm-hmm. I can use my fire arrow on this. Yeah, yeah. So they give you enough hints there that you don't think that you realize. Oh, I need to use my magnet shield. So it's it's still it's better than that, but without going into the bullshit Zelda future land of yeah. Press A to swim. I'm sure some people would figure it out of immediately, but yeah. When mm-hmm. I had that that snap in my head, it was like, oh, right, they closed the blinds. I got to shoot them. Like, that was mm-hmm. so, so cool. Like, and they have a little, pretty long, a pretty little cutscene before that. This gives you time to mm-hmm. think about, be thinking about what they're saying. So oh, then your right. brain will go, will take a little bit of time to go back to before that cutscene and think about the curtains closing. Yeah. It's a really well done sequence and it's a fun sequence just action wise. Yeah. Uh, this that. Uh- there's one section where you're, I really like in this area is probably my favorite 
one of my favorite parts of the game is, especially with the song of healing, mm-hmm. is using it on the father. Yeah, yeah. And there, because it's kind of a part of the game where if you draw your sword, the little girl will kick you out. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me actually. I don't think I yeah. drew my sword. This but, is your yeah. other bullshit guide well, moment, yeah. right? The bullshit guide but moment was basically using the song of healing and kind of its whole power that you know the father doesn't actually die at this point he's restored back mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's i i like that i like the hopefulness part of majora's mask a little bit i think it's ultimately because a very it's hopeful there. game and yeah. i think i think, I think we can there. get to that with the ending I, yeah we'll talk about that and what uh-huh. i think the game is about yeah but later but yeah there's definitely Stone an undercurrent of home, hope there and that's the present with the dad and the song of healing and then the statues Statues. Well, statues? The LG of emptiness. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. What was Reed's bullshit yeah, guide so moment Yeah, so my bullshit first? moment was the girl ran away from me as soon as I went up to the house after, you know, doing the sharp flat thing. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. right. I don't know how to get into the, what is it, the uh, the well. I don't know how to get mm-hmm. into it's... the castle. I don't, I can't do anything in this tower. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? So I look at a guide and it says, throw, throw a bomb at the house. It's just like, what? <laughs> you ha- Stone mask. Kneel at this cliff. But she had already and ran inside. And kneel at this cliff for ten seconds holding this item. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have even thought to use the stone mask because I didn't know she was going to run away from me to begin with. Yeah. Right. The solution is put a bomb at her door. <laughs> I thought that was so To freak silly. her out and make her run out, I guess. I guess. Right. Yeah, like, why does she run outside when you do that? So you're terrorizing this little girl. You have a bomb at the whose door. Whose dad is a zombie. <laughs> it's an out of character moment. It's an, it's a really obtuse puzzle thing. Yeah. Not not even a puzzle. It's an obtuse progression mechanism. It's weird because you got the little girl. Out, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. Uh-huh. I thought this area kind of started to get a little heavy handed, where it was giving you hints directly when you summoned those Garo fighters. I think. Yeah. Like. They almost outright told me to play the song of time. They were like, there is someone that needs to be healed in like blue letters. Uh huh. Song of healing? Yeah. Uh, song of healing. I, I'll take it here. Yeah. I thought. Mostly, you know, getting to give the mask is just. The uses of the song of healing are so far apart that I um, would almost always forget about it. Yeah. So I appreciated that hint. Yeah. But it just felt like they were being a little more heavy-handed with hints in that part. But you might then be right. dropping Maybe the wonder. bomb was totally not hinted mm-hmm. at whatsoever that I can see. So weird. But uh, what did you guys think about the well dungeon? The well dungeon. Where you had the redeads that wanted things. Yeah, this is weird. Guide, 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 guide. Talking to redeads. <laughs> think about that. What are the redeads in Zelda lore? Uh, redeads are zombie, basically dead zombie things. Uh, do I need to pull out the Historia? I might have some. Whatever doesn't matter. Um, three hours into it, don't pull so, out. The so the whole thing, the whole thing with the world dungeons that you have to run around the whole world collecting items. Well, so here's they the want. thing. At the very start, there's a guy who wants a blue potion and a guy who wants five magic beans. Uh-huh. Besides those, everything else can be found in the dungeon. Right. Really? Yeah. So that's what I really liked about it is that it seems mm-hmm. much more intimidating than it really is. Okay. 
That's better. Like, That's that is cool. There's fairies in there, and there's actually a cow you can get some milk from. Like as long as you have a bottle, which I think you must by that point. I didn't know there was a cow in there too. Yeah, there's a cow when you play Epona song for there it. There is a cow inside the bottom of the well. Huh. So yeah. Okay, that is that is better than 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 I thought it was. I thought I had to know to bring no. magic beans and milk and you do have to bring blue, magic beans I know, and I know you need the magic beans, blue. but aside from that, you can find everything in the dungeon. Yeah. So I brought that's yeah. way that's way less annoying yeah. than I thought it was. So I thought it was really cool cuz it's kind of like the scavenger hunt, but once you realize, like, I will be able to finish this without leaving, it's not so bad. And you have to, cool. you're running back and forth, and, like, there's f- fresh spring water that you have to move to one part before it mm-hmm. dries out or cools down. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's cool. So I really like that dungeon. And then you go to Econa Castle. Mm-hmm. And then you have a really nice moment with the where you have a really cool fight. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then are we just going into the Elegy of Emptiness? The worst part of the game... <laughs> Oh god! The stone tower. Um, I don't know if I hate the whole dungeon, but that fucking thirty-minute climb up to the tower. Yeah, I'm just talking about the tower just right miserable. now. Miserable. Uh huh. Shitty. Because all right, the allergy of emptiness. When you make the little statues, they're all really creepy looking, and that's cool. That's cool. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. And the link statue in particular has a thing has quite a history to it. Yes. With, um, the uh, creepy pasta. Ben yeah. stuff. So that's that was grand seeing Dad and be like, "Wait a minute, I didn't know that was actually in the game." Oh no, <laughs> I thought that was only in the stupid no, internet. Hit myth. That's, a, <laughs> that's a that's actually a pretty good creepy pasta. Oh yeah, I, I didn't even need to say stupid. I think it is good. So I started kind of looking over my shoulder at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, no one here uh, with me is there. But the actual mechanics of using that song are so dumb. abysmal. Like oh, it's boy. so much so worse silly. than the Iron Boots in Ocarina of Time. You have to let's go over it. In order to lay down, you have to do this. Um, you have to put down statues on multiple switches. Usually four different switches. It's it's three and the Deku yeah, one doesn't well, do anything. Yeah, and then you have to stand on a fourth switch, usually with yourself. So you stand on the first switch. You change into a specific form. You play the ocarina to and play the elegy of emptiness. You play it once yourself, and then the game replays it for you. You can't skip it. And then it does a little animation where the thing where the statue appears. You can't then skip it. Then it gives it. you con- you can't skip any of that. It gives you control again. You go over to the next switch, you press you change into another form, you skip the cutscene where you change form, you play the elegy of emptiness, you play it once, the game replays it for you. And then it does the animation where the statue appears. You move over to the next switch. You change form. You skip the cutscene where you change form. You play the elegy of The game replays it for you. You change those to the little statue animation. And then you stand on the fourth switch. And then it moves. And then you get to go up a level and then do it all again. It's not even a puzzle. Yeah, like there's barely a puzzle where there's like one switch you don't want to do first because it'll get blocked. Right. Uh-huh. But, like, because the animations take so long, they were afraid to do anything really interesting with the puzzle. The only interesting one is when you think need to find the box behind a wall and put that on top of one of the yeah. switches. It took me a while to figure that I one like out. That mm-hmm. one. And at the mm-hmm. end of the stone tower, you have to ride one of the blocks up, which is was a good twist. Yeah. But the lead-up to that being, like, 20 minutes of 
Blood uh, switch. The reason why I like Majora's Mask so much is that I clear this dungeon out of my mind. I clear this particular part of the game out of my mind <laughs> when I do. I was yeah that thirty minute trudge. <laughs> oh, by the way, I fell at the. top. It's all good. I got to the top and fell before the owl. Oh my god! And I wanted to die. I stood up and turned the system off because I knew I was just going to be back at day one. Oh my god! Poor soul. <laughs> I was just oh, like, wow. Now, what? it's all good because it all leads to Stone Tower Temple. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Which is pretty damn probably cool. Probably my favorite Zelda dungeon of all time. <laughs> um, what do you think, Rate? I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was. You said it was like super long, and I was expecting this massive thing. And it, for what it is, it could have been way worse. Like, it could have made you flip it like three or four times. You only really. Uh, it only makes you flip it once. You only have to flip it once unless you're going for stray fairies, which you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You'll right. have to fl- you, I um, think you have to flip it um, nope. in the little individual rooms okay. where you have to flip the um, boxes up and down. There's a that couple. one doesn't. Yeah. Like I meant that. the whole thing from the outside. Yeah, you when you're once. flipping the whole thing from the outside. So, um, and I think that's a cool hook because falling into the sky is terrifying. Yeah. So I. So I think that's cool. Um. But it's a really long-ass dungeon, huh? I didn't think it was that long, though. Maybe it's really? because, like, I did the first half. Oh, I got, stuck on, I got stuck on the block puzzle where you put the block on the switch for, like, a half hour. So that might have warped my oh. perception a bit. <laughs> Maybe. Because uh, I got yeah, Anna in doors. on that one. That's why I didn't just go to a guide, because I was like, Anna, can you help me figure out this puzzle? And she was like, this looks like a game for people who already play a lot of video games. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. This, isn't... this is for Zelda people who want a better Zelda game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did the first half of the dungeon and then like... I realized I was gonna have to flip it, so I just went back to the first day and saved and then came back the next day, so that probably made me think it was shorter than it was. So I did uh, it over two nights. Gotcha. Because um once I flipped it one I guess it was because it was, I was ready, ready to finish the game. I plopped myself in front of the dungeon. I was like, all right, I'm going to oh, beat the game tonight. Yeah. And then, okay. so then I was getting to the end of the dungeon and like for the last 45 minutes or so, I was just like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm done. I'm seriously just come on. Fuck Jesus Christ. Come on. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, mini boss number four. All right. Mini boss number five. Oh, okay. One more mini boss. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's a few mini bosses in this one. There's they there's re- like Garamaster and They reused another, that another Magimite dashing guy way too many times. The um yeah, that they did, didn't they? The um invisible wizard thing. Yeah. Wizrobe. Wizrobe? Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't really a twist on it either. Yeah, that was was really confusing. It's like, oh, it's the same guy again. I run up and hit him with my sword. Uh-huh. Like I didn't know why it was there again. So that was just kind of tacky. It's still an in conceptually interesting dungeon with the flipping, yeah. and I think it's still a good dungeon. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, I think it's okay that it's as long as it is because it's the last dungeon, basically, right? It didn't, yeah, kind of. It didn't really mm-hmm. feel like a last dungeon to me, though. Like, yeah, when you think about, okay, so my perspective was that you know you've got this rising tension of death in the game, like being the mm-hmm. major thematic driving point so far. And then this dungeon kind of came out of nowhere, and I wasn't sure what the deal was. 
And then you flip it, and you see the sky beneath you, and I kind of go, oh, like, this feels like I'm ascending to heaven. Mm. So I did really like that part. Mm-hmm. There's a couple Zelda fan theories that come along with this dungeon mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. It kind of involves, say, the upside-down Triforces, the licking of the Triforces, kind of a whole Babylon. Huh. Uh, like a, a I think I saw. I think I saw one of those. It, it looked kind of labored. The one with the yeah. just focusing in on all the tiny architectural details and that yeah. didn't seem as interesting to me as all the grief stuff. Oh yeah, this is uh, a couple different things. Uh, kind of what the heck happened to Ikana as a society, maybe as well. That's kind that's of where some of the fan yeah. theories come with that. That's why I kind of like about it as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why is this a dead world? Because it may have been destroyed by a goddess of some kind. Mm-hmm. Or lore, like, lore is interesting, that. but. It, um, I yeah, always feel it's, like it's a means to an end. Ultimately, I agree with that as well. Yeah, uh-huh. so I don't. Um, I, don't I do get like. Sucked into I do it. like some of that for this one. Uh, just this one's a little more interesting. Is a kind of Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. Zelda, which I don't know if we've really yeah. seen ever in the series. From that, yeah, I, I like the idea of it being at the top of a giant cool. tower. I like that. It's oh yeah, just that getting to the yeah. top of the, the tower temple. is so miserable. The temple at the top of a tower is you know, some kind of place of worship of some kind mm-hmm. definitely yeah i liked how it was like you go from Ikana canyon where everyone's dead and then you head up into the temple in the sky and you're looking down at the sky and it kind of feels like you know thematically like you're ascending to heaven that's yeah, what i kind of took away that. from it and then the boss kind of ruined that uh, the boss is probably my least favorite part of this dungeon yeah hmm. twin mold is you get the giant's mask you use it you bust some heads. It is know. weird that the giant's mask is just this random ass thing they give you right before the boss. Like a room before it. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of coming in here expecting to be like, fuck yeah, twin mold. But I guess that makes sense. I think I just really like the scale, the way it messes with scale. Because it looks so big when you're just regular Link, right? Yes. Yes, it, it does. Feel, it doesn't feel like something that the N64 should be able to do. It looks too big. I definitely agree. That was really cool. The sense of scale like I there. said with the kind of the memory and scale of you know, kind of how the game handles its memory with the four meg that requires this game. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a lot different from Ocarina of Time scale. I almost mm-hmm. I almost felt and like this boss was something they cut from Ocarina of Time. Like it almost would have made more sense in the desert there. Yeah, because it's what? just this random ass like that. area that kind of makes sense. But it's so big, it feels like a Colossus. From It feels like Shadow of the Colossus, practically. Yeah, I was about to say, though, you know what would have made this boss better? If you could call Epona. Yes, you if you could arrows. call Epona, and you had to use arrows, and you didn't use the giant's mask. I like, it's funny how it messes with scale. Yeah. But it instant, it, the fact that you spend most of the fight... Just kind of hitting it. Giant, and it, it only looks cool. The boss only looks cool when you're small, Link. Yeah. Once you get big, it's just a worm. So the they should have given you more time as Small Link to appreciate the scale of it because you just instantly transform into Giant Link and then it's gone. Yeah, there wasn't a, like a pace to the fight. It's just you go yeah. big at the, as soon as you can and then uh-huh. maybe you find a magic potion to do it again. Uh-huh. Or you use uh, another special item. What's that? Chate- uh, the Chateau Ramonai. What's that? Oh, The uh, alcoholic yeah. milk. Oh, okay. So I think that boss is kind of a failure ultimately, but I think it's—I it, think it had a, a lot of cool potential for stuff, though. 
I think it's a failure because like it's the last dungeon boss. Like, if it had been earlier in the game, not that it really would have meant made sense as a desert boss, but as the climax, or near the climax of the game, it definitely fell flat, where you just go big mm-hmm. and smack it. Well, I don't, I don't see which other enemy, which if any other bosses would have felt more appropriate, but none of them would have really felt I mean, like an end-of-game end boss, huh? I thought Econa Castle felt more appropriate, almost. Hmm. Hmm. That's a cool thought, actually. Like those skelet- that fight against the three skeletons. I really like that one. That's way more interesting, like puzzle gameplay wise, yeah. than than the twin mold fight. Yeah. I really, really dug the sense of scale, though, that that fight impresses on you at the beginning. When twin mold yeah. leaps out of the ground at the start, it's just it's it's kind of eye opening. I like hold Anno over. It's like, hey, look at this. This is amazing. <laughs> As as like it was, it totally is fucking cool looking. Yeah, and maybe I, I mean that. asking about a lot of the N sixty four, but maybe just the fact that it was a giant worm was kind of disappointing to me. Like if it, yeah, because I've been a lot of those in Zelda. If it had been like a giant humanoid, I actually think that would have been more interesting. And you maybe I like the it. leaping in and I, I like the leaping in and out of the desert because then you don't know when it's going to come up again, and when you're little Link, that's terrifying. Yeah. Because it's almost always right near you when it's coming up. Yeah, yeah it's I think a small stone platform. Mm-hmm. I think if you had had to like shoot it at it with arrows or jump on it or something, or jump on it and find its magic sigil <laughs> weak points and stab at it with swords until it black blood sprays out and then it collapses Wait, I think you're dramatically. About a different game here. <laughs> then I think it would have been way better. Yes, I think but that would have been Shadow of the Colossus. But um, or a, a specific boss in Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, really? Well, yeah, Twilight Princess a, uh, owes a lot to Team oh, Ico aesthetically. Oh, right? yes, it does. Um, I mean, the whole thing is like, let's make a brown Zelda for our, ourselves. <laughs> and honestly, I think Twilight Princess looks all right. I like. I kind of. I'm okay with the look. I mean, but there's a there's a boss in Twilight Princess. Two bosses actually. We need to climb onto the back of it and stab its magical glowy weak point. <laughs> uh, that- one of them is a giant snake underwater. Huh. Okay. Wasn't there? That's th- the third boss of the game. I the dragon yeah. one. Uh, the giant worm, and, th- and then the dragon. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. like that one. Argarok. If I play Twilight Princess, it's probably because I want to play a Zelda that might actually have some pretty cool dungeons after Majora's Mask and some, have Team Ico there aesthetics. Are cool, there are some cool dungeons in uh, Twilight Princess. Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard that it's it does sound less dumb than like Wind Waker and Skyward Sword. Arbiter's Grounds and the Snow Peak Ruins are two uh, kind of highlights for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't get excited about Twilight Princess because I know the story doesn't really work the out. The story doesn't do anything at all. They have Zant and Midna, and what? I, but then they just it doesn't make it a fucking Ganon story again. I I hate Ganondorf. <sighs> so Ganondorf is my. They least didn't need anything. They didn't. Series. They didn't need any more Ganon after Wind Waker because Ganon's story in Wind Waker is really cool. Yeah, it is. And his story in Ocarina is really is pretty good. His Ocarina story is pretty decent. Uh-huh. It's really that. good in Wind Waker when Wind oh. Waker decides to be good. Wind Waker um, has the best Ganondorf. Absolutely. It's the same Ganondorf, really. But it is. And it absolutely but, is the best Ganondorf. And it's the when he just goes nuts when the world is collapsing down around right. him at the I end. I love his dialogue right before that. It, mm-hmm. it just it's where he's making sense somewhat. Mm-hmm. And like you know, you kind of feel for him. And I like the ending of Wind Waker because he's already failed. Yeah. And 
but he's just going to fucking kill you because you screwed him over. Right. And I, I think there, there's a kind of desperation to that last fight that really It's a Ganondorf I've sympathized with, and I don't think there's another Ganondorf I have. But yeah. it's more of a, you know, he's always wanted something that he can never have. Mm-hmm. But it's maybe for maybe kind of revenge of not allowing his people to be, you know, there. Anyway, okay, Wind Waker. Yep. And then Ocarina. Ocarina's Ganon is pretty cool, <laughs> just aesthetically. Then Majora's Mask. So, um, so Stone Tower Temple, Twin Bowl is in bleh. Eh. Is there but anything... Worst part of the dungeon, but quite frankly, I have a blast with I think I think the I think the puzzle room where you're pushing blocks while infinitely respawning enemies are attacking oh. you. I think that Reed mentioned that. Yeah, I've, I kind of blacked like out another, stuff I hated another in this dungeon Another well. moment. That's just like, come on, obviously. The mirror That's room. stupid. Yeah, the mirror room where you have to shine the light twice while these two little fuzzballs keep respawning to knock you out. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about it's that the, one. I was thinking about the pushing blocks while um, goos were attacking you. But the goos do something. They give you magic and arrows. Like, there's yeah, kind so they of have a, a point reason, to be there. And they're not that annoying. The mirror room, you have to, like, shine That was a... Bitch. You have to shine it for like ten seconds so that there's enough time for you to run over and do it again, and these two things keep fucking hitting you, and I'm like, oh my god, I want to quit. Plus, you have to figure out that you charge up the mirrors with light instead of it just reflecting. It took me yeah. a while to figure that out, and having to figure that out while those things are attacking you. There is another mirror Ooh. before that that you could learn that on. Yeah, but I didn't because I didn't yeah. have to. And the. They didn't give me, like, a basic room yeah. to figure that out in. I just had to figure it out there. The way the mechanics work is kind of weird as well, where... Because you're using, you know, the shield, and it's not always precise. So if you, like, if you nick it for a second, like, it'll reflect for a second. But then you can't uh-huh. continue to charge while that's happening. Oh my god, it's so weird. So that room drove me nuts. And then Oh my god, it's so weird. I think, like, right after that is the room where you have to do a U-turn as a Deku. The U-turn as a Deku. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I... I think I know what you mean, yeah. I I remember this now. Yeah. There's one room, it's shaped like a U, and you have to, like, flutter over it as a Deku, and there's, like, just not enough room to actually do what you want, unless you're, like, S-weaving or something. I think I got through that one pretty easy. I don't remember having much trouble there with the lava. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got through that one pretty okay. And there's an extra thing on the bottom where you can hit a switch as a Goron and like roll to the other side in like three seconds to get a stray fairy. <laughs> and I forgot. Oh my god, getting a stray fairy is the most disappointing thing in that game because it's like, yeah. am I going to get a map? Am I going to get a map? Am I going to get a key? Am I going to get an item? Oh, yeah, it's a stray fairy. I forgot. To- the reward here for the stray fairy is pretty pointless. What is it? It's the Great Fairy's Blade. Oh, like the so it's a big sword, the big Ron sword. It's a big sword that you put to a C stick, to a C button. What? It's the big Ron sword. Yeah, okay. it's the big Ron sword in the game, but it's with the C stick. Oh, weird. To the C button. Yeah, because you can't like change swords or armor in this right. game like you can in Ocarina, because they put that screen for the masks. Right. I have no problem with that. But yeah, me neither. They didn't. The last thing they needed was more yeah, items oh to ma- okay. manage. Okay. We didn't need the multiple boots in this. It's one. like okay, now you have multiple boots. You have multiple armors and swords, and you have all the masks, and you have all these items, and you have the bottles, and you have the. <laughs> Although when whatever. I got the hover boots in Ocarina of Time, those things don't come off. Hover boots. Oh, I think I, I remember that. I love the hover boots. 
Yeah, I forgot about the stray fairies. Uh, I got most of them in Woodfall Temple without even realizing like what they did. And then I somehow missed almost all of them in the next two temples. But mm-hmm. then so it's like, eh. I'm going through Stone Temple, and it's way harder. And I'm doing everything I can find to like figure out, puzzle my way through it. And I got like goddamn every single one. And, I, and every single time I was like, well, this isn't a prize. This isn't what I want. I wanted a key or an item. I wanted mm-hmm. actual progress, not just a fucking... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting a tiny piece of progress yeah. is really unsatisfying. You know, but it's tiny, the same reason... A tiny piece that'll reset if you reset time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, there's 50 pieces of heart in Majora's mm-hmm. Masks. Isn't uh, that fucking ridiculous? 52. 52? Yeah. I probably got like only, 10. Okay. In its defense, for the 20 heart containers, as Zelda always does, because uh, that's the Zelda game, 20 heart containers, there's way less. There's only four, four there's bosses. only four bosses. Yeah. Well, then they should have done something different. They should have ditched heart, con- heart pieces and replaced them with heart full heart containers. That's why have. you have the Boomer's Notebook. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Just, we can, can we segue, we can segue into side quests. Yeah. Maybe the Boomer's Notebook, maybe completing a human side quest should have given you a heart. That would have been neat. Yeah, Most and then you could did. have taken out a bunch of the pieces of heart, and then it would have been way better. A lot of them less did. shit to collect. Actually, uh, a lot of them did at least give you a heart piece. Yeah, I know, but piece. if they like, if every one of those human side quests gave you a pe- gave you something specific, gave you like a or like ten of them gave you a full heart container, that, that would make way more sense. Like if it was consistent, that been like mm-hmm. solve people's problems, get heart, like. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where because you have twenty. Yeah, you have twenty six of them in there. Mm-hmm. So it probably need to be structured a little differently. But there's something. Maybe. There's something. There's an idea there that's better than just putting fifty two bullshit collectibles <laughs> around the world. I had so didn't little link health. between. Didn't link between worlds. Um, just ditch heart pieces. They did. So did oh. Phantom Hourglass, which were coinc- not coincidentally the best Zelda games of the last ten years. I think I finished um, the game with nine hearts. Like I, I think that's where I finished I it too. Did not go out of my way to find those. Which one? Uh, which which one? Majora's Mask, not, not okay, the other fin- ones. I finished the game. I usually finish Majora's Mask with like fourteen. So, yeah. mm-hmm. have you ever one hundred percented the game? Um, only the masks okay. and the side quests. Never the heart. I never get all the heart containers in a Zelda game. I do in Link to the Past. That's it. <laughs> There's always like two in Link to the Past, like two hearts that I can never find. Like a, mm-hmm. uh, so like it's like seven heart contain uh, heart pieces I can never find. Mm-hmm. No, I, I managed so to. I'm get always them. winding up with eighteen. There's two really hard ones at Link's Awakening, but aside from that, I can get uh, all of them too. Link's Awakening, I think I'm missing like I usually miss like seven of them also. So I there's one heart piece arc. In- okay, that might. Talking about the individual locations of all the pieces of heart in Link's Awakening, we might be getting a little off topic. <laughs> yeah, jeez, dude. Um, That's really off topic. Andrew and Cafe, maybe Actually, the best part of the. Huh? Okay. You want to do other side quests first? What other what other side quests have we not gone over? Uh, there's one in particular I really. All right. A couple things in, I really like. Okay. Uh, one there's one in Clock Town that's always got me, and it's the Gorman brother, the third one. Uh, who's sitting in the milk bar. I miss that one. What does he do? Okay, so what he's doing, he's being all grumpy and stuff, and you have Mr. Toto, who's the band manager for the Indiegogos, uh-huh. in that same place at night. And what he asks you to do is do a sound check. 
uh, with all of your instruments, with all of your characters. Uh-huh. And so you're playing this ocarina melody that's not anywhere else in the game with each different person, and each time you add on to it, it keeps adding on. Oh, that's each cool. One and making this whole song, which he eventually uh, drop title drops the name of it, Ballad of the Windfish. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. It, there is a, yes, there's a Link's Awakening reference in there. <laughs> but then the Gorman brother here, who's the same brother of the two that try to raid the milk wagon. Oh, really? Yeah. He's the uh, brother that ran away from home. Uh-huh. And uh, he talks about how he always wanted to join, you know, join show business after that and goes into this long speech on it. It's really good. <laughs> Just feels really... And then you get the uh, Gorman brother, you get the uh, circus leader mask from it. And it cries. Which you can wear. Yeah, it cry. It's the crying mask. Oh God! Basically, it continually cries, and you can wear that mask during the milk raid. And they, the uh, brothers, won't attack you. Oh my God! Huh? Why oh, you wear it? Fuck! You even the, the dopey, until- even the milk bandits are like layered in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, even better, you can't get this mask until after you do that. Huh. Yeah, because you need to get, oh, right. get the milk you mask get that the way. Milk bar, and you get that from doing that side and quest. And because you can do all the side quests over and over again, because they always get reverted. Yeah. Oh, oh damn. that's really weird. I didn't realize. Oh, that's heavy. That's the side. I love that side. There's a couple other ones, too. Another song of healing one, The Dancer. Yeah, I like that. When I you think. um, And then you can help, and then you can help and then the you two pass twins. On his, right, you help twins with their dance routine. Mostly because that mask is creepy looking I it's love like that it's like a face on the end of like a pole that comes out of the face mask mm-hmm. and it's this complete head that's like the mask is a neck and at the end of the neck is the face and it's creepy looking yeah that's a man that's a creepy man i love that side quest um and of course the longest and most interesting side quest in the game is the onto and cafe stuff oh boy right there's a lot of other side quests linked to the side quests. It's not yeah. just the, them. That's true. Um, it, everything in Majora's Mask is interconnected. It's kind of part of what makes it interesting is all the different ways that side quest stuff like lead in together. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anju and Cafe, oh man, that all right? There's two really big emotional beats in that side quest. I think um, you figure out what's going on and you get and you talk to Anju and you find out that he's been cursed and everything and into a little kid, right? Darn you, Skull Kid. <laughs> and there's a bunch of stuff where you like trade letters back and forth and it's actually pretty sweet and interesting. And then um then eventually it leads to you needing to go to this dun this bandit's dungeon shelter thing so that you can get this mask so that he can get back to his um, fiance, it's it's this lady and her fiance who's ran away for some reason, and she's trying to figure out why he ran away, and she's worried that he mm-hmm. just doesn't want to get married to her. And his mom and her mom is telling her, "You need to just leave this man. He doesn't care about you. Go marry this other guy. Come with us to um, the ranch so that you can, don't get crushed by the moon." So you want to convince her that no, her fiance does love her. Cafe does love her, and the reason that he is away is because he's been cursed into the form of a little kid. And also he had his wedding mask stolen. Right. So he doesn't care about the little kid thing so much. He just wants to get the wedding mask back. Cause then he can show that he really cares about Anju. So it was stolen by a bandit. So you go to the bandit's castle 
Bandit's little um, cave. And because it's a weirdo abstract video game, um, he has like this complex little dungeon puzzle sequence where you trade off between Anju, between Kafe and Link. Link fights guys to open doors and Ka- Anju, Kafe, Kafe <laughs> pushes switches. And the whole time the sw- the um, mask is there, but it's on like a conveyor belt. And you need to get through really fast. Otherwise, the conveyor belt, the mask is going to fall into a hole and you won't be able to get it again. And you'll be stuck. So wait, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so both Reed and I the first time. Do you mind if I tell it, Reed? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Both Reed and I, the first time we got there, we went through the dungeon, and then by the hair of her nose, we just barely missed the mask, and it fell down into the pit. Both we were both on like day two or day three. It has to be day near the evening of day three, because this is the end of the side quest, basically. Mm -hmm. And you look over at Coffee. And he's just kind of grief struck for a second. And your fairy comes up. And she's not very talkative in Majora's Mask. And says, Kafe, you did your best. <laughs> you did the best you could do. And the doors are locked. And she looks over at you and says, We have to go play the Song of Time. And the only thing you can do is play the song of time, time. and leave Kafe behind locked in a room as the moon is falling, not able to do anything to save, to get back to his fiance. You fucking failed. <laughs> it's like the harshest fail state I've seen in the game in a long time. Yeah. Like, it's, it's brutal. It's right. You can reset it. You can reset, you know, the time, but Quite frankly, it's pretty morbid. You're leaving him in a room. Yeah. It's and quite not... frankly, in my opinion, going to the ranch is not going to save you people from the moon crash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty fucking heavy. And it is. it does every – in the dialogue there, in just a few lines of dialogue, they impress on you just how brutal this is. And it's a mm-hmm. gameplay consequence because you lost like 45 minutes of work. But it really, it's this emotional consequence because you failed Kafe. You failed Anju. And you feel like, and Kafe feels that he failed Anju. And you feel all of that failure. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. You failed yourself. And now you have to do this quest again if you want. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard enough that most players are probably going to fuck it up the first time, right? Yeah, I think it's designed yep. for you to fail. I yeah. failed my first time as well. Because mm-hmm. you'll sit, hit on a red switch or something and speed it up or it whatever. so fast on the red switches. You're like, done. Yeah. So I didn't hit a red switch, but I still have lost. Huh. So it's fucking hard. And um, yeah, I think that's a really sharp moment there. So I had a kind of interesting moment with that quest that I didn't tell you about yet because I was saving it for the podcast. Uh, right before that, when you're camping out with Cafe, like waiting for the guy to open his lair, I, you know, behind the rocks. Yeah. I went, I was standing on the rock by the left. I go into first person mode with like, kind of like watching for the guy. He gets right up to the door and the whistle blows. He goes, oh, I see you. And he runs away. And I'm just like, Wait, 
Did I just lose this entire quest right there? Did you? Yes and no. Technically, I did, but there's actually a way to clip inside of his lair anyways. (laughs) (laughs) There's, like, a way to roll into the right side and clip in there, Mm. and since I was day three with Kafe, it picks up as if I hadn't been spotted anyways. But before I saw that online, because I was just, like, Googling, what the fuck just happened? But otherwise, Mm -hmm. I had failed the quest right there. And I was just like, huh. And Kafe didn't even respond. He was just like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure the guy will show up eventually. I'm like, he just ran away, dude. Like, he's not coming back. Uh, The the moon is crashing. Now he's doomed to stand behind that rock. He should have murdered me. (laughs) Waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah, they probably should have given Kafe a line of dialogue there to kind of hammer it in, not just leave you confused. But it was my sense of logic... Kind of prevailed there because once he came up, I knew I didn't have to watch mm-hmm. him any longer. So I just was like, "Oh shit, he'll see me! I better get behind the rock." What drove me crazy is that I kind of was behind the rock. I was like, this, I was behind the lower one with my head peeking out, like in first mm-hmm. person mode. See, I thought that would be hidden enough, but nope, he saw me, and I'm like, "Oh, I just failed an hour of the last all the stuff I'd been doing, and now it's done." Yeah. And then I, that's still probably too harsh considering how labor-intensive that side quest is, plus the fact that they want you to fail again. They probably didn't yeah. need to have it be that harsh there. Plus, it's like, since he arrives like at 6 p.m., if you try to warp time to 6 p.m. and then go to Econa Canyon, like you'll come up behind him on that ramp and he'll see you. Oof. So it's actually, you have to go to the cafe and then advance time to 6 Mm-hmm. Or have the stone mask, cause, which breaks the game, apparently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think only sure a few key side quests here. I'm not sure if that works on Sarkin. Um, I might have to test that. That'd be pretty dumb if it didn't. Yeah. I'll see if it I think it does. Sarkin is a... Uh, I saw someone probably. mention it, that you can use mm-hmm. that. Sarkin is a... Uh, interesting. This is a thief character. Yeah. He's a, I don't know. He's the same guy who mugs an old lady. Whoop. For the bombs. <laughs> who mugs an old lady for the bomb bag? Yeah. Characters in a Zelda game. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like I, I said, mean, like I said earlier with Dragon Quest and with Pokemon, <laughs> there's a certain kind of weird, illogical video game is to how all of these games feel and progress. <laughs> I think a lot of it is just Nintendo. <laughs> Mario still, games. Still, what kind of jerk steals a bomb back from an old lady? Mm-hmm. So that's the first big emotional beat oh. in the Anju and Cafe side quest. Can I, oh. can I say a little more? Sure. So I had that moment where I failed, and then I clipped inside, and then I failed again, and I was Oof. just like, oh, fuck, you know what, fuck this game. And I just kind of went to bed in a bad mood, and then the next day, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to keep playing, and while I'm playing, I'm going to do all the steps again to the Anju Cafe side quest, and I'm going to get it this time. And it <laughs> kind of feels like that quest is almost like a miniature version of the game where it plays up the time element really high, and like you will fail, but you just have to try again. Mm-hmm. Like, And you can, because if you're just doing it while you're playing the rest of the game, then you can just kind of keep trying and then do something else and then keep trying again. The one thing 
I guess I would hold against you, the quest is that you can't do it until pretty late. You have to have the horse in order to get over to Econa Canyon. Oh, uh, but yeah, you know, that that might be a kind of a failing. But for, maybe, maybe it's just such a dramatic thing that they want to save it before yeah. close to before can, the final end. There's other events that happen in that as well. So, like, say, getting the postman's hat, you need to do that quest up to a certain point and then wait till day three, do another part of the quest instead. So you're still kind of doing those events, but you're getting other items with it, too. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, the postman's hat you have to get to, like, when you have the letter to deliver, you can have him deliver the letter. Or, you know, take it to him. Mm. He'll deliver the letter in a final act of thing, or you can deliver the letter yourself. That's after mm-hmm. you've done the temp, the dungeon part, though. Mm-hmm. No, you don't have oh, to do the dungeon part. Right? If you do, oh, interesting. For that, you're right. Yeah, the you schedule- don't have to do the dungeon part for that. The schedule management is definitely this big old puzzle box on top of the whole game that you're supposed yeah. to try to figure out, piece together the lives of these people in this town. Yeah. And that's a huge part of what makes this game so compelling yeah. to me. So I did I, I did the Anju Cafe quest a, a second time while working my way through Ikana for the first time. And it was pretty fun where I'd be like, oh, it's 11 p.m. I've got to go do this and warp out. And then, oh, that is really cute. Thing. And like, what is it, like 3 p.m. on the first day when he delivers the letter to Cafe and mm-hmm. he opens the door? I was there like on the minute running there and I see the door open like as I'm entering the zone. I'm like, oh god, I gotta get in there. <laughs> like, oh no, I'm late, I'm late. Yeah, so it was pretty it's... cool. Like, oh, I like trying to work my way through the dungeon while watching the clock to be like, oh, I gotta do this now and leave. Oh, that's super cute. And then I managed to finish. So, like, I got to the castle and then warped out and did the dungeon part. Cool. Pretty perfectly. Okay. That's awesome. And, um, so then, yeah, that the second emotional beat. Oh God. (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. You go back to, um, you coffee leaves and says, I'll meet up at the house at the hotel with Anju. And, Tell tell her to wait for me or something, and you're, she's waiting for him. So you warp back because you can do that. You have a magic magical ocarina, and you go and talk to Anju, and she says that um, she will wait for him, and ask you to wait with her. And so you wait, and at this point, it is now midnight, the day before <laughs> six day hours. That timer pops before up. the moon is going to crash down. And six minutes before the moon is about to crash down, it switches from the analog clock to a digital countdown, counting down the individual seconds before the moon crashes <laughs> on you. And so you're music, sitting there. That music. And the music is so fucking eerie, and the whole room is glowing red from the window. And you can look outside, and the moon is hovering right there. Mm-hmm. It's coming down. It's crashing down. And you're getting there around midnight, and she asks you to wait with her. So the only thing you can do is just sit in that room and wait, and then wander around and jump up and down on the bed and, and examine everything, trying to trigger something, because that's what you do. And then eventually you just sit and put down the controller and watch. And then it starts to wonder, like, if he's going to get there. Yeah. Because I like I this is... New from a video game perspective, he'll be there, and I'm still super nervous. Right, like, right. We're getting, re- we're getting really close here, guys. 
Where is he? Because you, we've played Majora's Mask, and we know that sometimes the Zora just dies, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. The game, I, the game has taught you that. The game has, teaches you that you can, sometimes it just fucking sucks. And you can fail. Yeah. And then you and then you'll then you then the timer keeps going down and you think and you start thinking like what did I do wrong why isn't he coming was I supposed to get him something was I supposed to bring him some tool so that he could get here faster should I have warped him here I don't know uh, let me look through my inventory maybe there's a mask or something I should have used uh so you just keep waiting cuz they give you like 4 or 5 minutes to just ruminate in that room right yeah mm-hmm. and then and then he finally gets there and just walks in, and he's a little kid. And then he says something or shows her something. I think he shows her her wedding mask, and she realizes it's him. And then they just hug, and then I think they exchange their marriage vows. Uh-huh. And then they say that they are going to sit and wait, and they're not going to try to run. I think the line as is the like, moon comes crashing down. We'll meet the dawn tomorrow together. Oh right. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. And now, and then, wait, wait. Tell them how hardcore you were with what you did next. Well, what I did was I decided to wait with them, and then the moon fell, and the game ended, and then a little dialogue box popped up and said, You've met with a terrible, a terrible fate, fate, haven't fate, you? Haven't you? <laughs> and then I saved my game and turned it off, and then I turned it on and realized, If you do that, it erases everything you did in the last three days. Yeah. I didn't realize <laughs> that. I thought I was By just being way. romantic. Being like, oh, I'll wait with you. Um, That's- so, yeah. No, I, I walked out. I, met, I left them, walked out of Clocktown, and decided to just sit and watch. Just going to watch the moon fall down. I think that's the best and way then, to do uh, it, though. Like, that moon yep. was totally broken for me when I just warped out safely. Kinda, except that you know that you're leaving them behind. It's like they are going to leave leave for this moon yeah. to. Fl- they're gonna just wait, and then you just have to leave them. <laughs> you have to abandon them. You can't save them anyway. I think just seeing that cutscene of the moon hitting is pretty Must, powerful. Yeah, it was, pr- it was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And then I didn't do the side quest again because I didn't care about the fucking mask or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the couple's mask only has one use. What is it? It is to go to the mayor's office. Ooh. Wear it and talk to them. The people mm. arguing inside the mayor's office. Uh-huh. I tried to do that, but um, they were already they had already left, so it was just the one mayor sitting there uh-huh. like, oh god, what have I done? <laughs> Well, you do it after you get the mask. And mm-hmm. You have to warp back. You can't do it. You can't do it five o'clock in the morning. You can't evacuate everybody. In right. A minute. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, that is probably the best part of the game. What do y'all think? The side quests in general are the best part of the game. <laughs> I think in Possibly. my opinion. Just Andre and, Ka- and uh, Kefi are the probably the best side quest i agree mm-hmm. Cause, and, it, and it's just because it hones in on the essential part of the schedule of the time limit isn't that it's a time pressure it's that it's a schedule and you have to be in certain yes. places at certain times 
So in that sense, the time giving you more time, the time, the inverted song of time isn't actually contradicting that at all. It's just no. giving you more time to do stuff. No, yeah, you're right. And there's another song as well, the song of double time, mm-hmm. which helps out too. Yeah, I had a really lengthy conversation with a de- with a um, game designer on Twitter about like the idealized version of this game, where um, for me, where it's just stuff like that, where it's just experiencing this, ex- where you're just in this town as a day goes by, and then when the day ends, you get to go back to the start, and then just figure things out and figure out this town and this world and what these people are doing and who they are. It's not quite like this. There's still a game, but the schedule. Have you ever played Shenmue? Uh, a little bit. Okay, it's another game with kind of a schedule thing. It, it's not as weird as this, or you know, there. It's just a game with a schedule. Works out. It's a more of an adventure game. Well, hopefully, anything. hopefully, I'll get to make this game. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, uh, Again, I'm just giving you maker, so I'm going to work on that maybe. Oh gosh, good luck. So that's on to that's on to Coffee's side quest. That's probably mm-hmm. my favorite part of the game. I think it's the part that's really isn't temper it is it's not at all compromised by its the game status as a Zelda game. I don't think so. I think you're right. I think it is completely within the vision of Majora's Mask and it just is completely nails it. I had a friend who uh got the game kind of around the same time I did. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, uh Anju was his nine year old waifu. <laughs> I'm serious. She is really cute. <laughs> kind of scary. It was kind of scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> as far as... And yeah, she is adorable. So, somehow they do... Somehow... None 64 Zelda games are really good at that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Making you, like, attached to these ladies in their pixel in their poly- polygonal N64 glory. It's yes. a good balance between kind of abstracted and realistic. Mm-hmm. Like they don't it, look like real people, but they're still cute enough. The like mm-hmm. figure puppets or something. Mm-hmm. Finger puppets. It's really nice. That conversation right. with um, Saria outside of the first town in Ocarina still kind of gets to me. The first time you leave. Oh God, I hate that. Yeah. So sad. Love that. I know. Yeah, I think Ocarina is a pretty smart game. It just seems. Mm-hmm. Way more conservative since it's I mean, relative to Majora's Mask. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> People compare it to that, but I think it's still a smart game just on its own. I guess Ocarina of Time is pretty good. <laughs> I guess it might be one of the greatest games of all time. I didn't say that, but no, I like Ocarina of Time a lot. So, so are there any other side quests or extraneous stuff before we get into the, the end game? Any gritty under the ending? There's one thing I really like. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's going back to the happy mask salesman. Oh, we haven't talked about him at and all. And then he had well. That's because maybe his big his biggest moments are the beginning and the end, right? Yeah. And then he has a thing on every mask you collect. Mm-hmm. Really, I didn't know yeah. that. Every time you talk to him again, you go back into the area with no time limit at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a dialogue thing on every mask you've collected when you wear when you talk to him. Mm-hmm. Where he describes kind of the feeling of each mask or oh, what cool. it is, like with the Bremen mask, it's like it shows that you're you know a tremendous leader, or like the potential of being a tremendous leader, mm-hmm. or the uh, see what's another one I can remember because I went back and reread all these. The lover's mask <laughs> is like you've gone through a great deal of effort 
to attain it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. So if you ever get the chance, uh, John, you can go back and just see that with all the masks you've collected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mask of Sense is one that that's a different one. Mm-hmm. This this might be a game I'll revisit in the future. I think there's I, a lot of stuff I missed. Yeah. I, I've not un- completely unraveled the <laughs> world. There's a lot of yes. little things. I know. Like, there's stuff in the Anju Cafe quest where, like, on night two, you can listen through the wall and hear her arguing with her, with her mom. Mm, I saw that part. Uh, that was really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we ready for yeah. the moon? Anyway. Do we talk about Tattle and Tail at all, or the Skull Kid for this one? I mean, um, I th- we can right now. I love Tattle. Tattle mm-hmm. is my favorite, like Zelda fairy character in Zelda. Yeah, she doesn't fucking she's kind of get in your way. <laughs> she is snarky, uh huh, hilarious. She doesn't really she- know what she's talking about for the most part. She's almost a little bit like the Fez, yeah, fairy. Yeah, where she's just like, well, you should do something. I don't know. Yeah, where uh. she also. Like if you target a Ocarina of Time enemy, mm-hmm. she will go into this kind of what you don't know about the. They're kind of in that. Mm. She's a little snarkier with her, uh, with her tips than yeah. fair than Navi. Than Navi ever was, uh-huh. and not nearly as loud. Right, uh, she has the dinging thing. I kind of like that a little bit better. Yeah, there's no um. Hey, listen. Yeah, and I I like her better. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. She and her brother's hail is mm-hmm. all right. Still, both of them were a hell of a lot better than <laughs> Fee, uh, Fi, whatever. I love Fi's design. Of course, it's a great I design. Love, it's a pretty game. Yeah, I love stupid ass game. I love Fi's method of speech. I said, I, I th- and I, I seriously love- thought it was Fee. I was saying Fi as a joke, but I just realized yeah. the game still didn't have voice acting, so there's <laughs> Actually, no way for okay, us to so know. I'm- Okay, so admittedly, Hyrule Warriors has voice acting a little bit. Fucking and refers to yeah. her as Fi. Okay, that's so, grand. There you go. And it's only in the uh, small segments between chapters. Just just to be clear, Skyward Sword, Sword should have had voice acting, right? No. Like, is there any reason that, Nintendo game, that a Nintendo game is different? Other M. Oh, mm. fair. <laughs> I will... Mario Sunshine. Ugh. Just because uh-huh. they fuck it up when they try doesn't really excuse the fact uh, that they don't try. Uh, I don't I know. Mean, you have Bruce. I mean, come on. Skyward Sword has Bruce. And would it? I don't Bruce know who that is. Bruce should have had Bruce is the best part. Bruce is the best part of Skyward Sword. Who's Bruce? Bruce is the uh, red-haired guy. No, oh, is he your like schoolyard bully guy? Yeah, I think that guy. I love him. They were trying to make He's you think he would be Ganon. That's really funny he's and kind of dumb. But he's also the, uh, okay, we, we've gone to Skyward Sword again. <laughs> he's the guy who builds the cannon. I don't think John take on the imprisoned. And he's pretty awesome. I got seven hours and I don't care. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't the first two hours of Skyward Sword is mind-bogglingly dull. It's like you're in school, high school land, and yes. Zelda and you are... Fighting off with the high school bully, and it's isn't it precious? Stupid, <laughs> isn't it precious? Wind Waker's thirty-minute intro is precious. Skyward Sword's intro is really dumb. But then you have Groose um, when he eventually follows you down to the down to the ground. Uh huh. 
and then he lands in Hyrule, and then he declares this land should be called Bruce Land. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> it, it's the, probably the one of the funniest moments in the game. Cool. <laughs> There's a couple other ones, but that sounds pretty go. funny. I'm still never going to play that game. <laughs> it's okay. Um, all right. So the final battle of um, the final sequence of Majora's Mask begins at the same place as the start of the game where you climb to the top of the clock tower and Skull Kid is there and there's a five minute timer as the world is about to end. Mm-hmm. All right. Except so, that this time you can play a song. All right. So every time I fought a dungeon, but I'm my first playthrough, I went yeah. back to this point in the game. Oh, that's every cool. time just to kind of see what it builds up to. You can uh-huh. play, the, you get the oath to order after Woodfall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can play at any time. Really? Keep what happens? The ju- you keep calling the giants, but the only the ones that you've uh, actually released come. Huh. They the come? don't come. So yeah, you get like one or two and three at a time? Yes. And they try yes. and fail? Yes. Oh my god. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> I can't believe they thought of that! Yes, and it is amazing. And you keep failing every time. I did this every time. Just That's so smart. Was nine. That's the best and I really like this. I really like. I want to see that that's, now. Damn! Oh, that's beautiful. I'm okay. So I guess you guys never tried that. No, no I didn't think to. I never went it's back. Like, no, it wouldn't work. I just decided to, you know, keep trying. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's my nine-year-old self. Maybe I can do it this time. Mm-hmm. Every time I had the strategy guy telling me to not do it, probably. But you know, I don't <laughs> care. I'm gonna do it anyway. So, what's oh. the dialogue like when they fail? Um, from what I remember, it's basically Tattle telling you you need. You know, we can't do this. We need help. Mm-hmm. It's hopeless. We can't do this. It's, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. Yeah. It's hopeless. <laughs> Whole game. Mm-hmm. Kind of leads up to that hope at the end. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. All right, so you play the song, and then the four giant cool-looking thingamabobs. Oh, these guys are awesome. Yeah, come in. They have such cool like visual and oral design. Um come in and say and barely stop the moon it's it looks fucking labored on their part they have to work at it right mm-hmm. it's a pretty tense scene for that and um then majora then majora falls off the skull kid and the skull kid is you you listen to the grandma and you find out the skull kid's really just lonely because it's four friends left him and he wanted to figure out what and then majora he got the majora mask and it took advantage of those feelings. Am, am I saying all this correctly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And Skull Kid really just wants some friends. And then Majora leaves, and I think Majora's mostly just kind of a plot device villain. Yeah. Yes. He was not Satyr. developed at all. Yeah, it's a hex. It's an evil mask. It's, it's honestly my first time evil. seeing it. Yeah. I remember when I was nine. I, it was late at night when I mm-hmm. first beat this game. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why the final battle this. falls kind of flat. But um, what I was playing. Um, I love this sequence of events. I love Majora. Mm-hmm. Just it's as a, so creepy. It's so well designed. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The mask itself kind of popping off the skull kid, you know, kind mm-hmm. of popping him down. And Oh, yeah. It's like you know, kind of just this, floating there. This thing needs this like, tool is no longer worth worthwhile to me. And yeah. then it flies into the moon. And you know that this thing needs to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So in that case, it's it's still more developed than like. Deathel, the final boss, and Link's Awakening. <laughs> Do you remember that? That's more of a nightmare trying to pull out all the stops in order to stop you from destroying itself. Yeah, it's a good climax yep. to the game, but it's still just kind of an evil thing popping out of 
right before. It's I, I guess that's actually called the nightmare evil. I call it trying to survive. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. That's um that definitely fits Link's Awakening narrative. God, Link's anyway. Awakening is good, isn't it? Uh, well, third favorite Zelda game. Talk about it's that. another podcast. All right, all right. Let's keep going. I need to probably go to bed here. Why don't we just go through each area of Link's Awakening after we're done with this? Can I just mention my favorite line of dialogue in like the entire game is right here yeah. when the moon starts to move again under Majora's power, oh, and Tattle is yeah. like, oh, man. "Oh God, this is going wrong." Play the song of time. Like, <laughs> I really like how she's referencing like a game mechanic, uh-huh. but in a realistic way where she's like, "Oh fuck, we're about to die!" Like. Please Just get us out of here. Me. Get us out of here. Yeah, that's a really good moment. Mm-hmm. All right, and then you go into the moon, and it's the fucking weird ass, <laughs> weirdest, trippiest moment. Yeah, in Gosh, any Nintendo game, short of a mother game. This dungeon, man. I remember you tweeting. It's not even a dungeon. It's kind oh, of. Uh, it's it, a dungeon if you talk to the kids. I, I missed that yes. part. So because I I talked to the fourth whatever. There's a tree <laughs> in the moon. <laughs> You go into the moon, and instead of being like a dungeon, like in Final Fantasy IV or whatever, there's a giant green field, and there's a big tree in the middle. Yeah. And a little kid is sitting underneath the tree with Majora's Mask on, and there's a bunch of kids playing around chasing butterflies. And they look like the happy mask salesman. And they look. Oh, wait, really? Oh, you didn't notice that? Wait, yeah. Oh, you were what? what the fuck? Oh, oh my yes. God, that's heavy. Oh, Jesus. Kids into the happy mask salesman. The kids ask you, like, if you want to be a mask salesman. It's oh, so weird. Oh, my God. Like, no one what knows the what the hell's up with this area. Like, there's no, oh, like, real explanation other than, like, the mask salesman is actually from the moon. Maybe. Or, even worse, Ooh. this is a trippy nightmare fueled dream that, quite frankly... We need an Majora's mask on something weird. Let's do yeah. it like this. Yeah, let's which go. Is all good, out. Which is good because the next area isn't all that weird. Um, so you get to the so you can apparently talk to the kids and do like little mini dungeons. Yeah. So can I talk? Yes. About what do those part? look like? You need sure. to trade masks to get them. I, I to talked get- to the fourth boss kid and I gave him three masks and I was like, "Well, I guess this doesn't do anything." Oh and then God. left. So can I talk about this part? I thought go for it. Like mechanically. This was so disappointingly inelegant. Okay. Because I talk, what was like, it? you talk to the kids, you give them masks, and then after enough masks, they take you to a little dungeon. So I ended up doing the Deku one, doing the Goron one, doing the Zora one, and then I get to the last kid, give him four masks, he lets me in the dungeon. And it's this actually really cool part where the fourth one is just mostly combat focused, where you're fighting like a lot of the sword mini bosses again. Oh, cool. And right, you fight a couple Iron Duckles. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a couple other enemies there in there. There might be a in there, or a pirate, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's some interesting puzzle with the bomb chew, where you have to like hit a crack on the ceiling, so you have to like stand in the right position to get up it to go up the wall and hit the ceiling mm-hmm. at the same time. What does it look like? Does it just it like, looks look like, like, like the end boss room, I think. Okay, cool. I think I might be right. wrong about that. So there's some consistency there. So then, but right. then, so I do all four of them. I get to the end of the fourth one, and I'm out of masks, and it just kicks me out, like because you don't get the uh, fierce deity masks unless unless you have all twenty have masks. All twenty, right? But the fact that it let me like spend an hour doing these du- mini dungeons, only to like not even say why I failed at the end, was just like 
Really? Like, you can just walk up and talk to Majora and skip right all that, right to the final boss? Yes. Mm. But Yeah, that sounds pretty fair. I think, now that I think about it, it reminds me of Xenogears. Yeah, John, if you go back to the game, you should check those out because the dialogue from the kids is really weird. Like, cool. They ask, like, does doing the right thing make people happy? Like, Oh, God. It's, it's, it's really weird. Oh. Uh-huh. Now that you said that, I'm like, okay, now I'm thinking, yeah, that's what that dialogue was. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. All right. That whole so then- segment is creepier. And then you have all the... There are clues in that dungeon of how yeah. to get all the masks. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Yeah, they have yeah, like little hint the, stones uh, that tell you where yeah, all the masks are. It's the stones are. that tell you where they are, but you need the mask of truth to do it. I don't have the mask of truth, though. <laughs> so okay, you yeah, just so. need to get the mask of truth so that you can look at the stones and find out where to find the mask of truth. <laughs> Great. I'm going to find the rest of them, yeah. All right. That tells you where the masks are. Yeah. yeah, I remember reading about that. That's kind of nice that they gave you that hint since they probably didn't have to, so it was nice Wait, that they so did. so like, do all those, the game. those, like, the things that tell you the time, the little stones, do they talk if you if you have the Mask of Truth? Yes. They do? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, the other thing is the dogs talk. Oh, my God. If you have the Mask of Truth. This game is so dense. <laughs> the dog, like, for example, the dog in front of Clocktown. If you lift him up, the one that keeps throwing him into the water. <laughs> yes, he will talk about where is that Deku scrub. It makes me so angry. I just want to tear into him. <laughs> That's amazing. Along those lines. That's really funny. And also, there's the dog track race at the ranch. Yeah, you can use that to cheat. Oh, and see oh. which dogs would be best. That's brilliant. I'm teaching you all about this game, aren't I? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it sounds like you basically know this game like I know, like, I have the trigger strategy guide. or something. I have the strategy guide here. However, that's just from memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dogs. Just doing all the random, just a lot I know of if you, stuff. I know you can talk to the frogs, right? I remember the thinking, frogs like, the, these frogs yeah. have to be important. Okay, so that's you actually... target oh, them. God. It's a heart piece. Okay. You get the Don Jero mask, and then you go into each dungeon that has a frog, and go to each frog. They all gather... You do the little frog concert, it's cute, yeah. and you get a heart piece. Mm-hmm. Once I realized so frog, that the frogs were tied... Find the four owls. Hmm. All right. Once I realized the frogs were tied to dungeons, I'm like, no way I'm doing these again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I would recommend checking out the kids before the end, because the dialogue is cool. really interesting. If I get Once I get the 20 masks, yeah. I think. Cool. I'll check that out. So then so, you um, talk to the kid okay? wearing Majora's yeah. Mask. And I guess and if you don't have it, he'll say, like, you only have weak masks. But if you have the Fierce Deity Masks, he says, do you want to play a game of good versus evil? Oh, God, have mercy. <laughs> what? What? Oh, yeah. my God. This game is so fucking heavy. It's... Do you want to play a game of good versus evil? I'm sad I missed that one. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh man, I, this, okay. is the, this game is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> okay, so time for a story. Okay, I got I got all twenty masks when I was nine. Uh huh. Good. <laughs> so I got the first. I got the fierce deity mask. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> that was fun. Now it's a better boss fight if you don't use the fierce deity mask. Honestly, yeah, yeah. obviously. It, see, so it's the fierce deity mask is you Z target and you hit B and you mm-hmm. keep hitting B until. It's Worth dead. noting, the fierce deity mask is the only mask that turns Link into an adult Link. Yeah, I think that's kind of thematically relevant. I mean, um, you could read a lot into that if you want. Exactly. Um, 
So the final boss fight, um, I think the first form of the boss fight is really neat where it's the floating yeah. tentacle mask and it's super creepy. Yeah. And I think reflecting the laser is a really fun puzzle. I like especially reflecting the laser to hit the other four masks. That mm-hmm. pop up. <laughs> yeah, that was really satisfying. Oh, and just so you know, once you, when you talk to Majora Kid, you say yes, and then it just teleports you into a room and where you fight Majora. Yeah, that's, that room is awesome. It's a freaking cool-looking room. And having the four different masks floating on the walls is neat, too. And it has the music at the beginning, the, the Ganon's theme remix, yeah. you, know, oh, cool. kinda, you know, or rendition cool. of Majora's Mask that I like. Oh, that is neat. And then, um, and then you beat the mask form, and it turns into, like, this hyperactive little kid. Kind of. And I love that, kind of. It's not what I kinda. expected. I used, yeah, it's I not, used the Deku mask when I was, fought this thing. That's cool. My, You know, when I'm actually seriously fighting it, you know? Mm-hmm. Use the DQ master to keep up with it. Use the flower in the middle of the room. Oh, there's a flower what? in the middle of the room? It's not... See, it's a symbol on the ground, huh. but if you press A, it uses a flower. Huh. Okay, that's cool. I really like that, boss, because especially, I think, contrasted with adult Link... I'm having this hyperactive little kid yeah. as mm-hmm. this final boss form is really cool. And, oh, yeah, it's, and it kind of feels like the yeah. Aldenoa, Aldoa boss fight where it's just really fun to have this thing running around really fast and trying to keep up with it and dodge hits. And um, so we both like those fights. We all like those I, fights? Yeah, I like right. that. So then we get to Majora's Wrath and it turns into a giant muscly thing with whips. And that's the final boss. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I thought Re- the whips looked really good for the N64. Like that's the true; N- they look pretty cool. Yeah, that boss is really easy if you still have arrows left. Yeah, the, what the arrows trivialize. Okay, so there's whips. another way to fight this thing. Yeah, use Zora. Oh jeez, let the oh. whips grab you. What? Let the whips grab you as Zora, and then electrocute it. No way. Oh wow! You can. Yeah, that's how you can fight it. That's the other way to fight it's it. Super so Metroid. Badass. That's and so then badass. You can pretty much from there you have it at a at a staggered way, a staggered rate, so you then you can just kind of keep hitting it at Zora Link. Oh my god. Going into it. So you can fight the thing as Zora, and it's a really good fight. That's so cool. You can do oh. the first form as Zora too. Um, don't get hit by fire as Zora. Oh, right. <laughs> or or as Deku. I wouldn't recommend it. Mm. Uh but yeah, there's some Again, Majora's Mask has a lot of really cool ways. Like you mentioned, air- using arrows, or you can use Zorling to electrocute the boss. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's genius. I think that's like really good game design. Uh, yeah, again, Actually, all these bosses have a different way of fighting them. Have, yeah, multiple approaches. Like even com- like even Ocarina of Time doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's like Majora's Mask does. It's, that is shoot. That is shoot the Metroid Queen in the mouth and leap into it and crawl into her stomach and bomb. <laughs> game design and that's my favorite kind of game design so if you ever go back to that that boss i I remember specifically going back to that one and using zora link instead and trying the shield which i had never done before but i don't know why i thought of it Mm -hmm. that's so cool okay well i was about to say that i thought that the boss was kind of boring looking and weird but i guess in the context of playing a game of good versus and evil having it turn into like this kind of stereotypical video game final boss is kind of all right what do y'all think thematically Zora well i don't know about the last form but the th- i think the first the second form is super interesting yeah. I, the I saw third some... form just felt like a video game final boss yeah, it definitely did 
Okay. I saw an interesting theory about the second form where it's like Link has the fierce deity mask, which turns him into an adult, and then mm-hmm. Majora turns into a little kid, like running around. Yeah, shooting. exactly. That's what I was going it's for. Definitely an interesting duality there. I I was disappointed too because I thought I saw an image like three or four years ago that was talking about this game, and I thought I saw an image of a form of Majora sitting in a giant playpen, like a little kid playpen. So I thought that they just totally went for like the esoteric kid symbolism there. That might have. But then I got there, there was no playpen or anything like that. Maybe you just saw the colors in that room as a playpen. I know it's pretty trippy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So going and then going with that and then having the final boss be like this giant muscly demon thing was like kind of, eh. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. I guess it's shrieking. Yeah. It's still doing all that shrieking that it's kind of been doing the entire time. It still feels Mm -hmm. sort of childlike. In that sense. Yeah. It's still jumping around. I think it's more desperate at this point. Mm -hmm. Or is it desperation? Majora's Wrath. I yeah, I, I do yeah, like the name. Yeah, yeah. all right. Honestly, I any Zelda game that has a boss that's not Ganon or Ganondorf <laughs> is a thing on my book. Ocarina of Time's final so, boss is really fucking cool, dude. Yeah. Oh, well, that's Ganon. It's really oh, good. Ganondorf. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the Waker's I mean, final boss is really fucking cool, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. I mean, look, look I just say the Skyward. There's sword. some points I like Ganon, but I if, think Wind Waker is the only one that ends with regular Ganondorf as the final boss, right? It does. It does. And then Twilight Princess has Ganon, and it's shitty. Actually, <laughs> so. it's Ganondorf. No, it turns into Pig Ganon, right? It does, but then it turns back into Ganondorf. That's oh, really okay. stupid. You turn, actually, no, he, it's first Pig Ganon, and then Ganondorf. I, oh, I do not whatever. like that final boss. That whatever. one was trying way too hard. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it was whole trying game sounds like it's trying to... Imp- just it, it really does. trying to convince you that it's a good Zelda... Especially at the end. Look at how much of a Zelda game, you guys! Twilight Princess at the end is the worst part. Uh Like, the rest of it is pretty decent, especially the second part of the game. Because the story doesn't pan out, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't. Uh, And I I play 3D Zelda games, I play for stories. Because the stories are good a lot of the time. You have Majora's Mask here, which is... Mm -hmm. Fucking side heavy. quests alone. Side quests alone has some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have the main the stuff story with, is pretty minimal, which I well. think just makes the the moments where it shows oh. up more potent. The yeah. Skull Kid and the Happy Mask Salesman and the two Fairy Twins are oh, barely the in the game, mas- the happy but they're mask so salesman. effective. The Happy Mask mm-hmm. Salesman. So okay, so you beat Majora's Wrath, and then um, the you teleport out. Yep. All right. All right. So the ending. Um. We both beat it most recently, yeah. so it's probably freshest in our brains. We teleport out of the moon, and they fling it away, and it disappears. The moon disappears. Yep. And then um, Skull Kid walks up, and he's just like, hey, <laughs> want to be friends? <laughs> he's not even like, I'm sorry or anything. He's just he has a dialogue. Like, he has a dialogue that's kind oh, of an awkward at time throwback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it seems that he's the Skull Kid from Ocarina of Time. I forgot there was a Skull Kid in Ocarina of Time. There is. You teach the Ocarina song to him and he mentions that. Something yeah. like that. Oh, neat. Oh, you have cool. that smell. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Well, that's really nice. The fairy boy in the woods. And then the happy mask salesman comes up. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, right before that, I think, oh, okay. the, I think the friends 
the, the giants. giants leave and they were like, la 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 la. And um, then he says, like, you were never trying to leave me. And then he's like, he looks down and he's just shaking. Oh my and he gosh. He's holding that shaking for a long time. And then time. Oath to Order. Oath to Order right here. Uh huh. It's really good. It's, yeah, it fits really well. And the shaking is so unnatural looking. It, it's really effective. Mm hmm. And then the happy bass salesman comes up. I love this guy. Yeah. He delivers my favorite line in the game right here. I think it might be mine too. Is it the one where um, these masks have a lot of happiness in them? Uh, not that one. It's What's one your before. favorite? My favorite one is where you first to uh, whenever there's a meeting, a parting is sure to follow. Oh. But that yeah, parting both. may not last forever. Yep, that's it. That's, that's my game, favorite. It? That's the entire, that's the theme of the game. Yeah. It's our day-to-day interactions and our leaving people and coming back. Mm-hmm. And that's why he never finds Navi. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. He never finds Navi. That's Yeah. It's a Zelda game where you set off trying to find your friend and you don't find your friend. I yeah. think that's fucking significant. You know what? Probably is more than that. You're right. So there's this, I think this idea of there's yeah. another line I really like in the ending where mm-hmm. Tattle is like, "Well, the rest of us have a festival to go to." Bye. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Like, you don't belong in this world. It's time for you to go. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I think so as well. So so with the final with that last sequence, it's I think it almost has to do with like grieving. Because it's like this idea of you have to say goodbye to people and then you have to decide how long that goodbye will last. Mm-hmm. And you could read that as you can go see them again. Or you can read that as is, you have you need, to leave at some point. Or you can read it as yeah. you have to get on with your life eventually. Mm-hmm. So it works equally well. This. It works equally well with friends that leave or just friends that die. So you can almost read it as like Navi's dead or, or Link emotionally, is or Link is actually doesn't really mean anything to me. <laughs> the link, really. the Link is dead thing doesn't make any sense to me thematically. Aww, really? Yeah, <laughs> and that's the only thing. That's the only reason that I would find that interesting. Hmm. Um, the the stages of grief thing, the um, the five stages of grief fan theory, um, may, is more interesting to me because I think it is a game kind of about that grieving process. But I think um, in the process of trying to assign individual areas, different stages of grief is, yeah. um, I think that process is kind of labored. I don't think it really fits. A little bit. Also, I think Red had a kind of thing going on where their death seemed to be a permanent, a kind of a presence in the game. It kept building yeah. up. Yeah. Especially up to Iconic Canyon, which is all about death. Another thing though, definitely like I don't necessarily agree with the, uh, the five stages of grief thing. But yeah, it does really hit home with Econa Canyon, where like every single thing you do in that quest or in that area is about like helping the dead move on with the fact that they're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's the skeleton captain, and then there's the redeads who you give the items to, and then there's this the uh, the the song of healing as well yeah. in kind of multiple parts in the game. I don't know, mm-hmm. and then the, that's. It, yeah, song of healing. Yeah. Yeah, song of healing, you know, helping the dead pass on, really. Mm-hmm. Is what that song yeah. is. 
And then there's Mostly. the Garo guys who, when they die, they leave no corpse. Like, they're content with the fact that they're gone. Like, mm-hmm. that area mm-hmm. is so thematically consistent with this one thing that does kind of yep. make me think there is some possibly something to the five stages of grief theory. Mm-hmm. And just looking at it as a game about that grieving process, yeah. I think that's absolutely thematically sensible. And um, the other Happy Mask Salesman line is um, about there's a lot of happiness in these masks. Mm-hmm. And I think that means the world in this game. Because, like, we spent the whole time of this podcast talking about how hopeless and despairing and how pointless doing all these good things is, right? Yeah. It's, it's pointless to help Anju and Kafe because they're just going to die and we're just going to rewire time anyway, right? But it's, it's the masks that we take back with us. <laughs> it's pointless to help the people in the Great Bay. It's pointless to do all this, except that in a hundred million years, we're all going to be fucking dead. <laughs> right? One day the sun will be all this is gonna Earth will be destroyed. All of this is going to end anyway, right? This is getting so we existential. Can, so we can accept that this is... I'm, so we can accept that this is all pointless anyway. Majora's Mask kind of is asking us to like actually engage with that pointlessness in a meaningful way, I think. And I think the Happy Mask Salesman mm-hmm. saying there's a lot of happiness in these masks is him affirming the value of these pointless actions. Well, it's like he, when you ask him about the masks, like they're affirming the things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Like even if it was undone, like there's still some record of it. Like mm-hmm. the mem- they're kind of memories of what yeah. you have accomplished. And on, and the Andrew and Kafe of that moment still got to experience their reunion. Mm-hmm. They still got that moment for themselves, and that's because of you. Even if it was undone, even if it, they died, you still helped them for that moment. So I think that's why I think it's an ultimately hopeful game. And also, like you said, um, she says, you can just go, Link. Yeah. But then the last image of the game... After the fireworks and the nice song and the credits and everything, what's the last thing the they show carving. in the game? The tree carving. Uh, four friends mm-hmm. on the stump. That shot almost drove yeah. me crazy because the one right before is Link getting on the horse and then the screen goes white. And I'm thinking, oh, Link was dead all along. He's heading into the light now. And then the tree stump shot comes up, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, just something about the way Tattle was like, you can go now. Like, so directly, like... Oh, oh, shit, yeah. I actually didn't think anything of the Link is Dead stuff. Yeah. See, I mm-hmm. kept Until you that. said that. Okay. Hmm. I mean, it might be worth considering. there are then. no answers for this game. Like, you can interpret stuff no. as you want, and people yeah. have spent a lot of time interpreting this stuff, but... It's like, it's mm-hmm. what you take away from it, like the memories mm-hmm. and the masks. And whether or not that in and whether or not the link is literally dead and the five stages of grief are literally represented in yeah. the last areas isn't really all that important. The ideas that those fan theories express, the thematic ideas yeah. are still present in the game. It's that the game is so making that's you what think matters. about those things and analyzing it thematically and critically is interesting mm-hmm. on its own. Exactly. 
And I think that all of this is a part of the overarching narrative of this game. Yeah. And I think that's kind of helped reaffirm my appreciation for it, since I've been ruminating a lot on all of its kind of mechanical mm-hmm. faults. Yeah. And ultimately, it's I a game with really faults. Important. But it's all its faults kind of make it something that you've never seen before yeah. in something else, part, in anything else. The parts that are good and the parts that are bad and the parts that are good because they're bad are so intermingled and tor- p- tied together that you can't hope to tear it apart. Yeah. Honestly, it's almost perfect because of it. <laughs> Basically. You know, except for the straight it's fucking fairies. It's perfect because of its except fault. Except for the straight fairies. Yeah. yeah. Fuck those. Aside from that, it's... Yeah, it's this perfectly made, kind of frustrating and occasionally boring, amazing, beautiful video game. Yeah, it's I said to Chrono the other day something different. I said to Chrono the other day where it's a game about a time limit that you can't rush. Like, yeah. Oh man, when you try to rush through this game, like you screw up and make it worse for yourself. Like when I failed the Anju Cafe quest, I was just like. Oh, I'm done, but then you just got to stand back up again and try again. Like It's a mm-hmm. game that lets you fall because when you do it right, it feels so much better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that you, if you think of, if you're interpreting that end as Link, as Link being able to leave, as that being a consistent thematic thread with the rest of the game, then I don't think that the Trump stump kind of contradicts that because Skull Kid still has to be his friend. And you yeah. basically, in society, says yes. And they might make that tree carving. Maybe that fr- oh. that momentary friendship is still valuable. Because Tattle knew him as well. She yeah. She thanked him. And that's the thing that he, that could be a thing that he left behind. And plus, he's still, he's a dead Stalfoss in Twilight Princess, right? Yeah. Okay. So if we're going to go into well, the literal fan wank, then yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it also makes thematic sense. And it makes plot sense. I mean, regardless of like the theories, like this game is so heavily about death at so many times. Mm-hmm. Like did you notice the thing about the Deku statue at the very start of the game? Oh. oh. Well, what was oh, it? Oh man. Yeah. Oh I'll god, what well, was it? it. All right. Okay, so the Deku statue is obviously the one where the masks come from. Right? Um, what's the Deku statue? The Deku statue at the beginning of the game. Remember there was a statue that you passed by? It's more of a stump. As a Deku? It's a stump, but it's shaped like a Deku. Okay. At the end of the game, if you get the Mask of Sense, I I think, do you have to get the Mask of Sense? No, I think it's in the ending, no matter what. No matter what? Okay, you find the butler there with the stump. Uh Uh-huh. The stump is his son. (laughs) Oh, was God. lost. Oh, what? Oh. Uh, if you do the side quest for the Mask of Sense, he explains to you that there's a, you know, he lost his son somehow. Uh-huh. In a way. And uh, that stump is him, from what we kind of have there. What we can infer from it. The game doesn't tell us, but I think that's the best part of it. The game doesn't tell us, but we can infer it still. Okay. Game doesn't have to really say anything. So the Deku Mask, you find out if you do this quest also came from a living creature. Just like... Also, also, the butler says you remind him of his son. When you're as the Deku. As a Deku. Fuck. Okay, I get it. So so all of your masks are... Yeah, they tied that loose uh, end. 
I was wondering because that did seem like a loose end, you know? Yeah. So all, yeah, the, but... all Skull Kid does is just take that mask and seal it to you or maybe kill the he kid. He killed the kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, yeah there's, a mo- there's a reason I thought, he killed my horse. Under oh, the influence God. of Majora, which... Yeah. Mm-hmm. There. God. It's, man, this game is so good. It makes us talk about a game for five hours. <laughs> okay, three hours. I don't even know we're, at this point. We're coming up on three and a half. That's just... This is in addition to the previous two hours <laughs> of the podcast. I know. Polly's gonna murder me. Yeah. So Polly has declared on Twitter, why are we still doing this? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Any final words, I guess? It's a beautiful experience, and I'm really glad that I've had it. Ditto. <laughs> it's one of those games where I have to fight between Link to the Past and Majora's Mask, and which one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's... More of a, what day of the week is it? <laughs> I can't. I don't think there's an easy answer there. Uh, it's, yeah, it is what day of the week is it? And it's over the span of two weeks. <laughs> Just to mm-hmm. give them a fair amount of time. I, I, think you could make an, I think you could make a very compelling argument for any of the first six games. Oh, I think you could. <laughs> I don't, there isn't, I could make a compelling argument for Zelda 2. I'm serious. <laughs> Zelda 2 is probably my fourth favorite Zelda game. Zelda 2 is so. amazing. I understand you completely, and just because it is such a very tight action game. It's a very tight action game. It's a very very eerie. It feels like a maturation of the first game in a really meaningful way. But I think it's the one that actually does have a sense of adventure to it, mm-hmm. and does it really well. Oh, man. Yeah, Zelda 2 is really good. So, yeah. Zelda 1 is really good. <laughs> Link to the Past is really good. Link's Awakening is really good. Ocarina of Time is really good. And Majora's, Majora's Mask. Mask. It's a weird game, a weird sequel. Kind of like Chrono Cross. Oh. Okay, no, no, not saying anything. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> Chrono Cross is also one of my Come favorite on, games, guys. so it doesn't surprise you. Okay. My final statement would be that I play a lot of games, and something about this game has just struck a chord with me that I didn't really expect, and it was definitely trying. There were a few parts where I was ready mm-hmm. to throw in the towel, but I'm really glad I finished it. It also felt like a game where I had a lot to talk about and say about it afterwards, and we finally got that out. We yeah, did three hours later. Three friggin' hours. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, Thomas, where can we find you on the internets? On the interwebs. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, both as Jetstorm4. You can find me pretty much anywhere as Jetstorm4. I don't even know why I have the name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you can also find me sometimes on a blog, a blog spot, a really useful engine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I actually figured out my um my last closing statement uh-huh. thing. Okay, I found it on Twitter. Oh, great. All right, Majora's Mask is a game you kind of have to wrestle enjoyment out of, and it demands pa- demands lots of patience in spite of its numerous frustrations and inelegances. But if you can accept that, then it, I honestly think it might be the finest and most affecting game that the series has to offer. Really, because it just makes no excuses for itself. It's completely no. confident in its own vision, and in that sense, it's what all games should be. That's well damn said. Thank you. Yeah, it, I agree. It doesn't... That's a really good way of saying it. It doesn't compromise itself. It uh-huh. takes itself for what it is and Stray- sort of runs, goes with it. Stray fairies yeah. and all. Yep. Stray fairies and all. Hey. And that, that's what I mean, is that in that sense, it's what all games should be. And really just art. <laughs> so, John, where can we find you on the internet? All right, you can find me on 
Twitter at Chrono underscore Maniac. That's with no H for some reason. And um, you can find me at farawaytimes.com. Cool. And yeah. And be sure to email the podcast with how wrong we are at podcast at socksmakepeoplesexy.net. We'll see you in two weeks. And we're the only ones that love you.